Ditch me! Ah, just as I thought. Nothing. You live in fear of a good laugh, as not to launch your dental work. You dread that diaper-destroying winter cough. <laughs> You're both just petrified pedestrians with bones so old, you can't even fertilize the earth properly. Three cinephiles have come together to bring you strong opinions, controversial statements, epic battles, and plenty of fun. Introducing our host. The man who watches 52 movies a week, drinks 52 beers a movie, loves women but hates the woman. From the foreign land of Canada, our host, Mood616. He is widely known as the man who talks too much. His worst enemies are Postmaster P and Pee Wee Herman. He said Hellraiser was overrated and Leprechaun Origins wouldn't suck. He's the full-blooded half-Mexican. JP. Finally, we have the man who doesn't talk enough. He is best friends with Sean S. Cunningham. His favorite horror movie is Gummo. He is your favorite Jew and mine, Jeremy. Together, they are known for extending a helping hand to vampircons everywhere. They are the 22 shots of moods and horror. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 117 of the 22 shots of moods and horror podcast is coming at you live. I am your host, the Surgeon General, a.k.a. Moods. And of course, I've always got my two family members by my side. First up, we got the man with the huge ego and brain on his shoulder, Double Shot J, also known as JP. And last up, we have the tiny Jew. We like to call him Plates, a.k.a. Jeremy. <laughs> That's good, fellas. <laughs> I'll, I'll be the tiny Jew. Well, look, Davis is badass. Uh, so this <laughs> this episode is a Patreon episode, courtesy of uh, first time Patreon uh, Michael Fisher, and he uh, decided like <clears throat> he's a pretty cool dude. I've been checking out his live streams and stuff. He's he basically you know just he's doing like solo live streams where he like just is messing with his collection or talking horror, and he's very engaging with the chat and and really fun actually. Like I told him he should start a podcast because. Like, you could just see certain people have, like, something about them that makes them interesting to listen to, unlike Jeremy. And, um, so I, I thought he was kind of interesting. But you know what? This guy defends the hell out of Jeremy. He's like, oh, you know, I, I really like Jeremy. Jeremy. Jeremy's underrated. He gets a lot of shit, but, but he's funny. Try um, my best. So, yeah, this guy actually is a Jeremy. Well, yeah. you have to have at least one fan out there. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, I've heard you had one, and apparently I've met him. It's better than him than Jerry. So, um, so <laughs> I told him he should start a podcast. So he is looking into doing that, which I think is cool. Like, I think that every every time a, a new podcast emerges, like, that, you know, is influenced by us or whatever, I think it's pretty cool. But he picked this film. He's into, like, he he was really into our Box show. Seems like he's really into the um, more lower budget, like, maybe, like, kind of cheesy... Um, type of movies films that i don't want to waste my time watching pretty much well, that, so. that, ex- that explains the uh the main feature for this episode like like, yeah. like jesus fucking christ i've had to watch nothing but shit lately fucking no, violent shit skin deep oh you nothing yeah. but shit i was about to say well we did just cover those awesome coffin joes and and all Child's these Play franchise. 
Nothing but well, shit. You put, you, but the problem is, you put yourself out there, Jeremy, man. Yeah, if you're you gonna talk tell a bunch of shit, how- and then people are like, you know what? I don't I talk about shit. I just talk about, <laughs> I just talk about that freaking douchebag Jerry. That's it. Well, you talk shit about people, and then you also give the information or the knowledge to people that you don't like low-budget, shitty films. So what are they going to do? Yeah. They're going to feed you that shit, man. It's pure entertainment. Ah, violent shit. Dude, you know what I hate? I hate contained awesome. films that are, like, kind of good. Like, those ones really pissed me off. Ah, the reverse psychology. I like that shit, man. <laughs> ah, I really fucking hate 70s movies. I hate exploitation. You really hate, oh, I hate Italian a- films, I heard. I hate Italian. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. See, Good Jeremy, stuff. you gotta play the game. <laughs> <laughs> but um no so like thanks for the uh pick dude like that's awesome like me and jeremy were talking before the show and also in chat that uh this film would be a perfect film to be one of our commentary episodes um which still nobody has i think people were a little hesitant about it because they just don't know like hell they just don't know if it'll be any good um, but oh, it'll I be think good. That, I think that it would like be. I was like watching this, going like looking at it, like when she's pulling the fucking bricks out of the fucking wall. I'm just thinking like, mmm, cake frosting, because it literally looks like fucking cake frosting as the the <laughs> fucking shit that's holding together the bricks. I was like, they fucking just ran down to the supermarket and bought some cake frosting. Like, oh, that'll do. It'll yeah. stick together somehow. Yeah. It's just like stupid shit like this. Like that move. This movie's like filled with stupid shit. Uh huh. And and th- like. I think that there's some of our catalog that would just kill. Like, some of the... Maybe, like, one or two of the Silent Night, Deadly Night films, like, Leprechaun, Warlock, fucking, uh... Not not board. not Warlock one or two, but Warlock three. Like there's there's so many movies. Toolbox Murders tool, remake. So basically, any murders. film that's in the Hall of Pain, you know, yeah, choose or, a film from there. Or or except for Entity, you can go the reverse route. No, Entity would not even be funny. Like, there's just nothing no. to say about that trash. <laughs> no. Um. But yeah. So. Uh, I don't want to do a good film. It won't be funny. It does. Yeah, that's true. But you don't know. Like, you never know that either, though. Like, I don't know. I'm. I'm just saying. Like, you guys can pretty much have us do anything that we've watched previously. Uh, and I'll. I'll. You know, maybe. Maybe. Um. Maybe we'll do like a discounted one for the first one or something and drop the price a little bit. Maybe it's too high, um, just to give you guys a taste of what it could be like, you know. And then, uh, you know, which at the same time I'm like happy that it hasn't happened yet and not happy just because how busy we are right now. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, oh man. But um, this would be pretty much the worst month to try and do that right now. Yeah. Pretty um, much, yeah. Well, I mean, we're we're through the bulk of it. Like, we're through the hard part. Like, we've already accomplished like the like after like today's show is happening, and then we just you know we have next week's, um, which Jeremy might actually not be here for that, which is kind of sucky because we're we're on such a powerful streak. This is I I think this goes without saying that this is the greatest run we've ever had, um, in yeah. terms of views, downloads, and just length i mean how long have we been going here it's been, it feels like a while right what's Shit, our record um, what is our record nine shows or something like that it's been a lot i have no idea 11 <laughs> i think our record's 11 shows in a row mm-hmm. it's I don't pretty know. good how far how far back have we been going did we That's do it four months. in september or no did we skip um 
I think see. we skipped a week in September. But no, this has been a pretty... But it's not oh, even shit. about how many shows in a row. It's We've done, you know, a lot of big shows in this run, though, too. I don't yep. think our previous run had this many franchises and maybe trilogies and bigger type shows. Well, I, I know one thing. Any- this run isn't... This run is just, like, halfway through, dude. Like, because we still... Like, we still have all of November. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. We still have this three more shows this month, including this, this is an interesting all of November. Yeah, this is an interesting time to go on this type of run because it leads into November, which we all know is going to have, you know, four director spotlights. So those are all pretty big shows. So it's... uh yeah, pretty good stuff. Pretty good, but I mean, it's already planned. I mean, we're gonna have a couple week break in December, so all this madness is going to come to an end eventually. So, but from what I've been getting from a lot of people, um, like even even the boy Godzilla, he says we're pumping out shows so fast that you can't even keep up. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> he's still he's still like an episode or two behind. You know, it's like because they're long, which is explainable. So yeah, but even Jerry was like. He was like, I'm not listening to your child's Fuck play him! Show. Don't fucking even say his name. That motherfucker says, Oh, is Child's Play your favorite film? That movie fucking sucks. Well, fuck you, Jerry. You fucking dickhead. Fucking hating on Child's Play. To be fair, like, Jerry loves Last House on the Left. It's like his favorite Elm... It's favorite Craven film, and he doesn't like Elm Street. He thinks Freddy's garbage, so... Well, I guess that explains why he doesn't like Child's Play. I mean, because <laughs> it's a good movie? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's really weird. Yeah, how can you not like Nightmare on Elm Street? I don't understand. I, I honestly don't believe that. I don't believe that. Well, they did an episode on it, which I do want to hear one day because, like, I cannot see a fucking reason how you can point out that Elm Street's not one of the greatest horror films ever made. Come on. Yeah, that's weird. That is weird. So, what's the argument? How is? I don't know. I haven't listened to it yet. I like to hear him talk about like seriously. I like to hear him talk about how Last House on the Left is. um, Well, I don't know. Is he saying it's better than Nightmare, or is he just likes it more? Because there is there is a difference there, right? What was uh, oh um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He is one of those people that like. Because if he's saying Last House on the Left is better than Nightmare on Elm Street. No, now, that's I don't when think he. he I, don't, I don't know if he does that because he's like he's also one of those people that like Carnosaur is like one of his favorite movies. Like it's like one of the oh, he's, one of he's the, like Andrew. Yeah, like one of the people that <laughs> put a high emphasis on their personal entertainment value. Did you guys see yeah. my poem that I wrote? Um, yeah, Carnosaur is a pretty. F- no, I didn't. But Carnosaur is fun though. On Andrew's status, you didn't even see it. Nope, because I don't. I just tune out everything you write. That's fucked up because Moods was actually commenting on that status. I don't yeah, even think like, what status. Oh, it's the fuck. one that Andrew Scheuer gave fucking Happy Death Day a nine and a half out of ten. Oh, that's probably why I didn't see it because I saw his rating and went, "Holy shit, really!" <laughs> like it actually shocked the fuck out of me. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah, I don't think I, I must have left a comment and didn't even realize. <laughs> 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 I was over. I was taken back by that <clears throat> among people. I think though, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. You guys want to get into some news here or what? Yeah. All right. Let's. Uh, yeah. Let's do some news right now. Oh, 
We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can. I'll write it, and we'll do it live. All right. So the first thing I have here for news, um, I saw him bloody disgusting, and it kind of surprised me. Um, NBC's Chiller could be the next horror channel to end up six feet under. Bloody disgusting says. Uh, Cox announced. Who the fuck is Cox, by the way? Jerry. Cox, Cox announced that it will be dropping the Horror Channel on November 8th, 2017. The Cox decision means that Chiller has lost access to more than 40 million homes. Oh, Cox is a TV yeah. network? Mm hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever heard that before. Hmm. I don't know what the fuck that is. It's weird. Cox has roughly 4 million video subs. Dish has slightly less than 14 million. Charter has slightly less than 17. Who cares? It's Cox. Nobody even has Cox. Yeah, what the Especially fuck is Jerry. What the Cox? I, I misread this because I sometimes like I don't pre-read the entire news. Like I just read the top headline. I thought it was like that they were dropping chiller, period. I don't care that Cox dropped Chiller. Yeah, let's get the Brian Cox out um, of here, man. <laughs> yeah, because like um, I have Directv, and yeah, and apparently that's Chiller's biggest carrier. So as long as they freaking have it, I guess that's all that matters, right? True uh, but Verizon Verizon dropped Chiller back on October first, which is dumb because it's like when it will do the best. Um, but yeah, so that. Cox, if you have Cox out there, if any of you people have Cox, um, definitely well, not Jerry. Don't again. have Chiller if you have Cox. I got a, I got a, I got a big Cox. <laughs> Jeremy, do you have something interesting to say that's not that? No. 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 Nope. So Chiller is just being dropped. So is Chiller like gonna go the fuck under then, or what? No, because it's just Cox. Like, the, the article was written like it was like, oh, could this be the end of Chiller? Like, Cox, big old Cox is dropping Chiller, but, like, <laughs> Cox is really kind of little and, like, only has four This guy was, well, DirecTV probably has, like... So what you're saying is that if like, Cox wait, was bigger, yeah. if Cox was bigger, then Chiller would be on there? <laughs> well, no, I, I'm, I, saying, I guess I'm so. saying that what little co- Chiller, little Cox... <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying little cocks has no effect on anything because it, they're little. That's because they can't feel it. You know, nobody can feel that shit, man. <laughs> I can't, I can't. Ridiculous. Um, that, I, I, I don't know how the fuck we've never heard of it. Like, I've never heard of this small cocks before. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, I meant to say, do you have anything interesting to say news-wise? Oh, yeah. I wasn't dissing you. <laughs> yep. Gotcha. No. He's just so used to getting beat down that he's just like, no. <laughs> Come on, the get, mask. With, get with the program. As a Vernon's 10th anniversary video on demand release is coming out on October 23rd. So it's the 10th anniversary of Behind the Mask, and they are re releasing it. I don't know if it's anything different than what we've seen before. I don't think it is, but um, you can now see it. At home, even though you can just buy the Blu-ray, but uh, I guess oh no, well, it's a new commentary. So there's a new commentary for the tr- 
fucking 10th anniversary but besides that it's the same fucking movie where's the sequel fuck wait you. a minute it's the same it's a commentary on vod for what we understand the 10th anniversary edition will include a brand new commentary from scott glosserman who did not provide a commentary for the dvd doesn't say anything about a physical release it just says leslie fernan may not be coming back anytime soon in the long waiting sequel to behind the mask but we're happy to report today that he's heading back to streaming services in the form of a 10th anniversary re-release of director Scott Glosserman's Meta Slasher Gem. We showed you the poster art for the re-release last week, and we can confirm today that it's headed to iTunes, Amazon, and Google Play on Halloween Day, October 31st. Pre-orders for digital re-release begin on October 23rd. Currently, you can only stream behind the mask through Shutter. From what we understand, the 10th anniversary edition will include a brand new commentary track. Uh, if you see Leslie Fernand back up on the big screen, you could captain your own screening of Behind the Mask through theatrical on-demand service Gather. That's it. Mm. So for the people that don't give a fuck about commentaries, this re-release is it's shit insane. to them. It's shit. Well, it's... <laughs> so, I mean... I mean, really. I mean, I, that's cool there's new commentary, but if that's it for new re Well, what else would you want? I mean, let's hope that... Well, I mean, just maybe a documentary about that document i don't know i mean i don't think i don't think just a single commentary is enough to resell it enough i mean let's face it i mean i think they need to if they well i mean it's not reselling if they're not like putting out a new like blu-ray like it's just an itunes release (laughs) so i mean like those people that but still i mean i don't even know if it's been on itunes who the fuck still cares about behind the mask me yeah i like behind the mask you know yeah but cool but I mean, you know what'd be cool if, if everybody to, if those, goes like people still like talking about it and shit. Listen, you know what'd be cool is if if all these commentary likers out there went and bought their uh, iTunes version and then they downloaded it and then they hit play and it's all of a sudden it pops up before the mask, the rise of and fall of Leslie Vernon or some <laughs> shit. Yeah, because unlikely Hatchet, which I'll get to later in the show, uh, the tenth anniversary screening. Uh, was where they were going to show the original, you know, Hatchet, and all of a sudden it's like, nope, I lied. It's actually a fourth Hatchet film. Yeah. And, uh, like, but we know that's not happening with Leslie Vernon. Yeah. The sequel, honestly, guys, like, I, I, I really hate this, but the sequel was supposed to happen, but the Kickstarter it failed. failed. I know, that's what I was getting but at. And that's why I was like, I hey, people need to. It's because it came out, like, the Kickstarter came out. I believe back in like 2000 and I want to say like 12, I think that's when it came out. Cause Somewhere it was like that. before we started our podcast, it was like 11, 12. I think now like dudes, the landscape has changed so much in that short amount of time. I think people would get behind it now, honestly, if they tried again. Yeah. So why don't they? It doesn't really, you know, it doesn't cost them a shitload of money to start up a Kickstarter or whatever. Why don't they attempt it again? I don't know. Maybe it's a kick in the balls. But that's what I'm saying, though. Like, I mean, if they came out with a relatively decent... Kick in the cock. If they came out with something relatively more to entice the people to purchase this, maybe they could use some of the funds from that to, you know, at least partially fund the the sequel. That's what I was trying yeah, to get before. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. We'd have to talk to whatever his name is. Jeremy said it but earlier. I think, I think there's enough <laughs> fan base out there. I mean, how many times do you hear people say... I would love to see a sequel to that film. Shit, all Adam Green needs to do is like, hey guys, 
support this thing and like he would have an army of people probably supporting that thing i think the problem um, is people just don't put their money where their mouth is though i mean there's so many people out there saying oh i want a sequel i want to... i mean we've seen this happen before with failed kickstarters you know people are talking all the shit when it comes down to it yeah, they're like, like, what, they're like 30 so bucks for we never a... got vampircon no and then you hear people go oh fucking 35 dollars for a blu-ray oh it's not about the perk, man. It's about supporting like, the. Well, film. you're not getting. It's not, like you're not getting the blue. Like you're not just purchasing a Blu-ray. Yes. Like you've got to realize that you're. You're movie ha- you're, you're like yeah, you're like literally funding the movie goes to the to the movie, every, and then they have to fucking buy the Blu-ray for every you. Every fucking do. dollar, every dollar count. Like every all that money you put in there is funding the film. Who cares? Thirty-five, and I see that all the time. People are like, "Oh man, the perks are way too high." I'm like. You don't care about the movie, do you? You honestly don't care yeah. about it then. So, Well, I whatever. mean, I, I, I'm not one to, like, hate on people not supporting those things because I never support them either. But I'm just saying I, I support them by sharing and letting people know about them who, who maybe have a little money they can throw at them. It just depends, like, what kind of uh, person you are. Like, if you mm. want to be the person that, that gets it made, like, definitely mm. do so. But don't bitch about it not being made. And then also bitch about the 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 high price you know, perks and stuff high oh. price blu-rays Blu-ray. or whatever i actually saw but, one person are like oh I went, you know i went to go do this kickstarter and it was i think it was 25 dollars that they were gonna pledge and they get a dvd or blu-ray whatever it was but then they're like well i didn't go through with it because i had to pay another like seven dollars for shipping i was like jesus <laughs> christ man <laughs> people are so fucking cheap and stupid come on Mm-hmm. You want the but, film? Oh, yeah. them, support so it. Support you're, it. You're talking to the wrong person. I don't know, man. I, yeah, thought, I, I don't, honestly, I don't know. You're not one to bitch about <clears throat> the perks either, though. No, because yeah. I, I, mean, I never fucking support anything anyway. So it's like, why would I get? I've supported know. a few Kickstarters and and uh, other campaigns and things, and I have never gotten anything out of it. <laughs> to be honest, I think I just support the wrong ones. And you dude, know, you know what? It's weird. <clears throat> this like I tried reaching out a couple months back to to figure out what the fuck is going on with this. But when back in like 2013, yeah. I was going through some old show notes, and I was like, back in 2013, um, there was a Kickstarter, and I think I updated this on the show already. I might have mentioned this, um, but. There was a Kickstarter for or an Indiegogo for Dario Argento's Sandman. Do you guys yeah. remember talking about that? Yeah, there was. Yep. Yeah, completely. Okay, well, that film made its kick. It's Indiegogo. It made one hundred and ninety-five thousand dollars. <laughs> Holy shit! Where man. is this movie? <laughs> Where it had one thousand eighty-two backers. It's in Argento's and it, bank it, account. It, it made one hundred and nineteen percent of its goal. It all went to Dracula 3D. Is Iggy Pop still alive? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. And, like, okay, here was some of the uh, perks. $100. You get our $25 fan package, plus your choice of the poster signed by the Mastro uh, Dario Argento. Um, okay. $5 for, um, you'll get one month of Fandor.com membership. I don't even know what that is. Uh, Sounds made ten dollars. Uh, access to our exclusive production diary that starts in advance of filming. You get the first ten pages of the script. You also get five the five U.S. dollar perk. 
Uh, okay, Mark's giving you a digital copy of the film. This is for $25. On the day of its premiere, we will you will see the picture before the rest of the world does. You get the first 10 pages of the script, and you'll receive a special thank you in the credit of the film. You mean what the world the mother- will see it? Where is this? Okay, $35. A Blu-ray. A Blu-ray copy of the film. The digital download, the Fandor subscription, the production diary, and a thank you credit. Dude, okay. Like, this is seriously, somebody needs to do some digging on well, this. Well, we all know this is, oh, it already was. It uh, was written on July 14th, 2017 by Bloody Disgusting. What happened to Dario Argento's The Sandman? Want me to read it? The Money Made yeah. Dracula. Okay. All right. Uh, I think blah, blah, blah. But fans are still hold out hope. Uh, Sandman was announced in June of 2014 as part of the off blah, blah co-production market. Little was known right off the bat except that Argento signed on to direct a script write, written by David Tolley, who wrote Jin. What do you fucking do? We all know how that movie turned out. Uh, these early details were quickly followed with news of rock legend Iggy Pop taking on the fill and roll before long we were given solid info as to what the heck the film would be about and it sounded like the perfect match for argento sensibilities uh that really doesn't say what the fuck happened uh needless to say diehard fans of argento and iggy pop were more than intrigued in october of 2014 they were given the opportunity to get involved with the project a indiegogo page launched to help fund the mastro's film the campaign sought a total of $165,000 to help partially bankroll the production tax tax credits due to the canadian/german co-production status were said to bolster a large chunk of the film's remaining budget the launch pad the launch page stated while those monies are secured it is not enough to make the film we are dedicated to bring a quintessential masterwork to the faithful fans of Dario and Iggy it's the first time for us to approach you and ask for your support before making the film because we want to do it right and deliver. The perks offers to what JP just talked about, and then it says, um, talks about the soundtrack. Everything sounded great for the first time in a long time. A script written specifically for Argento was handed to him with the promise of full artistic freedom. The crowdfunding campaign was a huge success <laughs> this with $195,633 so raised by 1,082 backers. The Sandman was coming. Hopes were that it'd be released in time for Christmas the following year. It has now been three years since the initial announcement. Sadly, the Sandman has yet to go into production. So what exactly happened? Personally, I was over the moon with excitement when the word first broke. I stated this before, but to reiterate, Argento is the part of the holy trinity of directors that helped shape my genre taste. Romero and Craven completed that trifecta. I was hungry for more info on this movie, realizing there hasn't been any substantial news regarding Sandman in some time. I started to do some digging. It's important to note that filmmaking is often a long journey. Projects that stop and start at the drop of a dime. Unfortunately, a lot of fans who put up their cash during the campaign have yet to receive their promised perks. Obviously, items such as copies of the film will have to wait, but what about signed posters? A quick peek at the comments on the Indiegogo page shows a lot of anger from backers. People are requesting refunds and even labeling the campaign a fraud. Some commenters are more understanding but remain upset over the updates, which have come with less consistency as time has gone on. All hope is not lost, however. Argento has actually spoke on the matter. 
In August of last year, In The Wire interviewed Argento in regards to The Sandman. He had this to say. Iggy Pop keeps asking, how long do we have to wait on this film? Honestly, it's not my fault. This film is a co-production by many different producers in different countries. They apparently can't agree on a number of things, including where to shoot, location, things like that. It goes on and on. I know it's been dragging on. Time goes by and haven't reached an agreement. I must say that I must... I must say that I myself have been thinking about some other projects in the meantime. I still need to work on them. Think about them. While the Mastro's patience might be wearing thin, he recently hinted at two possible projects in his near future. It's quoted by Dark Universe. He stated, let's see what starts first. There was no confirmation that one of these could be the Sandman, but the producers have recently become more focal about the production's progress. Just last month, a post on the film's Facebook page revealed that the locations are locked in Ontario, and financing is still being secured. And those perks, on July 5th, reminded to backers went out to make sure all mailing info was up to date. The signs posters were close to being shipped. Certainly been a long journey for Dario Argento's possible return to the subgenre that made him a horror household name. Here's hoping the wait is worth it for fans and backers of the project. Listen, okay. In <laughs> July 14th. Okay, so th- there's a couple things wrong here. Okay, one... I understand that when you have multiple hands dealing with this, it can get a little fuckery, right? Like you have one people that are producing, dropping money, that want to do it this way, other people. Okay, I get that. How the fuck does that mean that you can't ship out posters in three years? You know what I mean? No, exactly. Like they totally mishandled this. Like whenever you do get and and this this is the reason why people this is the reason why sometimes these Indiegogo things people get a bad taste in their mouth about them because you support something like this, a big director, master of horror, Dario Argento, a film that he's part of, and you're telling me that you can't get updates regularly? Like it, what does it take to have somebody log into the Indiegogo and be like, "Listen guys, here's what's going on." Fill your audience in so they're not left in the dark wondering, did we just get fucking ripped off for three years? You know what I mean? Like, let them know. Like, oh, we had an investor here, but they pulled out. So now we got to go over here. Like, why can't, why can they not do this? And it drives me crazy that in the age that we are at today, with the technology that we have, people continue to keep their fans, their supporters, their listeners, their viewers in the dark about things. Like, let people know so they feel comfortable. It's so frustrating. Well, it's a big like, production, All they man. have to do is update. It's, it's a big production, yeah. I mean, obviously, you could probably have somebody doing PR work, you know, just have somebody doing that. That's their job for this. Um, the, the thing I don't understand about these Kickstarter... Well, like, what about the two people who donated $1,500 which gets two tickets for the movie premiere and a Q&A sale well, to Madeira? It, it doesn't matter how much you put into... I mean, everybody's in the same boat. I mean, no matter if you put five or 1500 everybody's not getting their perks right now. Dude, they had fucking hoodies made. Yeah. There's hoodies. Yo, they should have handled this a lot stronger. They should, definitely should have been putting out some of that stuff for sure but the the biggest thing i have or one of the biggest problems i have with what jeremy just said about the producers and yes we understand this when films are getting made and you have different hands in the jar here there's always going to be some controversy there's always going to be debate on how these films are being made uh in this case you know they couldn't agree on locations to shoot on and shit see the way i would the way i would approach this man and i know it's easier said than done is simply you know if you're you have a script for a film and you have a bunch of producers get on the same page before you drop the kickstarter 
You know, just work out something. Okay, this is the script that we're using. We're going to shoot here. Well, Let's a all lot agree. of times, I mean, a lot I mean, of times, though, to avoid this, check though, this out. Yeah, but to, obviously to avoid this, though, because this is yeah. ridiculous. I mean, if they're saying this, you know, they couldn't agree on this bullshit. Just put it this way. It's I know it's easier said than done, but if everything's agreed upon and then you drop the Kickstarter and then all the money flows in, you've already you've already got the locations. You've got the cast. You've got everything. Then go and shoot. Don't figure that Here's shit out thing, after though. because it, it created this fucking mess. Here's what happened with this film, and here's what happens with most films that do the Indiegogo. A lot of people think that the Indiegogo funds the film. It's not true. Usually what happens is you get an Indiegogo, you create it. If it's successful, you then say, I have $200,000, and you go to producers and say, will you match this $200,000? And then they'll throw in $200,000. And then now you have four hundred thousand. That is usually one hundred. I would probably say that ninety percent of the time, that's how it's done. Um, from everybody that I've heard that that. But but look at other films. Like didn't the Void just get made off of Indiegogo? Right. Like there's been successful projects. It's disheartening that um, that somebody's name like Argento is attached to it, and it it's a total fail. Like Argento could freaking die by the time that before this thing's ever done. And Dude, I was I was just any. thinking the same thing because I mean we're losing masters of horror left and right here, and I'm thinking Argento's getting really old, and he might even pass away before this even happens. I mean, Christ, let's face it, Iggy Pot's, Pop is old as fuck too. I mean, <laughs> I mean, obviously he's easier to replace than Argento, but mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I think just having a better system for these films i understand yeah you take these money as producers and stuff but not every single film has been done like that i mean in a case like this if you're dealing with so many people at least have an idea of what you want to do so if this kickstarter reaches this its goal then we can take this money and then you guys okay this is the deal if we reach two hundred thousand, that, that, that's that, not even the worst thing to me it's just that you're stupid. keeping everybody in the dark it's been three years and there's been like three so fucking saying, updates get a fucking pr thing. person just have somebody have somebody fucking delegated to doing the the statements you know giving updates to the patron or to the uh you know to the supporters i mean if you pay somebody specifically just to do this and this is their only job then fuck you don't even have to pay somebody just whoever's fucking doing anything anything in this production can fucking do it yeah anybody can give an update well that's the problem you you don't want to keep it you don't you don't want to keep it that vague i mean if this was my production i would you know probably delegate somebody to do this okay our production's a little fucky right now guys okay jane you are doing pr you are going to set out these updates for you know the, yeah, the supporters i don't want to have to pay jane for pr so yeah well it's fuck all not man. on something not on something this small but well obviously it, they need to do something is... obviously they need to do something because you have <laughs> how many supporters that are completely pissed off and we're talking this isn't a year this is three years later and now and one of the biggest things people are saying oh we're not even getting updates anymore you might want to change that i mean for at least from this if you had done it from the start it would have been a whole lot fucking easier i mean let's face oh, it man, it's so annoying that is annoying that is that's a that's a really oh just elementary way of approaching things here man it's really fucking stupid and i you know honest mm-hmm. honestly man i don't think this movie's ever gonna get made i don't think so either i honestly don't like there was 24 updates the last one oh shit the last one was in august okay uh this was from team sandman two months ago dear funders movie posters have been signed by the mastro we are now arranging for them to be shipped to us from rome once they arrive, we will package them up individually and have them sent out to you. This process should take a few weeks. If you're a supporter who has purchased a poster, you will be notified that the posters are shipped. Dude, like, th- 
three years it took to do posters. Like this movie is never getting made. <laughs> like they just they just sold they just sold everybody a hundred and ninety five thousand dollars worth of posters. <laughs> you know what's awesome? Essentially, man? in the year in the year like two thousand eighteen two thousand nineteen, the top selling item on eBay is going to be these signed Sandman posters Sandman for the, posters. For the unreleased yeah. Argento film. Especially in an Argento is probably going to pass away next year. And then these yeah. posters are going to sell for like ten grand a piece because the, dude, hey, no, that's going to be a rare item. That's what yeah. I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I mean, they're they're technically going to be super rare because there's only so many made, and they'll never print. I mean, they're signed. That's going to be a huge item, man. Huge item. Yeah. So, uh, but still, huh. I mean, the fans want the movie. This is this is just a mess, an absolute like, mess. Like literally, there was an update January of 2016, <laughs> July of 2017, and August of 20. Uh, 2017 and so, so the, like and so the update three only said posters in like it, a year it only said posters so that they shipped out the signed posters to the uh supporters well what they, about that's the hoodies? not what they said in there they said that they're going to ship oh, out well, the signed okay, posters okay. so the update was involving <laughs> just the posters but they didn't say anything about yeah, the other perks they, like the, like the hoodies and and the and the other things that people obviously the people that got tickets they're not getting tickets unless you want to you know, print up some fake ones. Say, hey, here's your tickets. Just in case. <laughs> just in case. Just in case. Just in case it comes out before Argento dies. But I mean, that sucks though. If you were one of the the supporters, is like, hey, where's my hoodie, man? These guys are getting posters. What the fuck? So you're just creating a more. You're creating more of a mess, man. Yeah, I mean, they, it, back in January they did have like a big update, but wow, fuck, man, that, that's. You know, and these, um, and th- I don't believe that it was an attempted fraud. Like I, I, no. I know that I, I'm making jokes here, but it just is unfortunate the way that it was handled. Yeah, I don't think it was intentional either. I mean, this is Argento we're dealing with here, right? I mean, but you yeah. know, but basically, what this type of situation does, if you were a follower of this, and you know, it, it really makes people back away from supporting. I mean, as much as people want these films to be made, they'll put in the money. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's nice to get what you put into it, too, right? And, I mean, when people yeah, you hear can't, about You these... can't have a fucking six-year turnaround. No. I mean, people... I mean, this is... It puts a bad taste into the... And you got to remember, this is the fans that you're alienating here. These are the people that are not only supporting the films, these are the ones that are going to be watching it too. And, you know, and it hurts it for future campaigns, Kickstarters and shit. And I mean, it really does. I mean, does it make you think it twice? It happens a lot. Do you think it make, do you, does it make you look or think about, you know, think about it a little more before you support something? I would say yes. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, definitely. It, it definitely does. And it, that's too well, bad. You do man. think too that bad. this would happen with small scale, like, unknowns and stuff but when it happens with like somebody so well known it really gives you a bad taste yeah it really kind of puts everything into perspective you know you really what should have happened is because at the same time in 2013 when this launched there was another uh master of horror who was launching a indiegogo campaign for their film um and it was the vampircon film really we should have went vampircon yeah. And, you know, the thing is, you would probably expect it from lower budget films, you know, supporting. Yeah, say, but like, I think like I think films like Fampercon and like Ice Cream Man 2 made like no money. Because like, well, there was a there was a Ice Cream Man 1. What, what was wait. the name? What's the one with Clint Howard? Ice Cream Man. Yeah. Ice Cream yeah. Man. yeah, yeah they yeah. wanted to do a sequel. Yeah. And yeah. I it made like four hundred dollars or something. Yeah. That can't. I, you know, yeah. That, well, dude, that, that's the thing, though. Like there was not any push. You got to get was no out promotion. there, man. You got to you got to get out there like like you should have Clint Howard on every. Listen, dude, the podcast medium is so undervalued, dude. 
like the people listening to podcasts like our show do you really think they're not hardcore horror fanatics right like these are the people that you want to hear about things these are the people that are going to help you support anybody who's Anybody who's so much into horror that they download a seven-hour podcast from three fucks that they don't even know and listen to them talk about horror, Mm -hmm. those are some hardcore fucking horror fans. You know what I mean? Like, I think that in the next couple years, we will see a a shift towards realizing how big of a promotional tool podcasting is. It hasn't happened yet, but once these studios and these people and these filmmakers realize how big of a reach podcasts are. I bet we see a lot more people coming on to podcasts to uh, share information, to promote information. And you saw a lot of interviews early in podcasts life cycle, like um, back in like 2010, when I started listening, that's all podcasts where we're interviews with like, the cop from Friday Thirteenth Part One, yeah, or like yeah. you know Ethel from Friday Thirteenth Thirteenth Part Five, or you know just Jesse from Elm Street Two or something like, and Linnea Quigley from Return of the Living Dead and Witch Trap and all these films like, which was cool. They don't do that now because they got burnt out on it. Um, a lot of the people like at first they, it was new and exciting. Like people want to interview me like on a podcast thing. Like cool, but I think we'll see a sort of um, return to the interview style. Uh, as we move forward here, just people need to realize that the podcasts are huge and people do realize that with stuff like the Joe Rogan experience and like these mega like million dollar podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the horror world, it's still like an undiscovered concept that there's all, like if I was making a film, I literally the, dude, I know hundreds of names of podcasts. Like literally, like I, like I know you guys don't listen to as much as me, but there are hundreds of podcasts, horror podcasts, hundreds, literal mm-hmm. hundreds. Like, why do you not Google horror podcasts like and get these people on these shows to mm-hmm. promote these things? Like, I think it's a very, it's going to be a huge tool that it, nobody knows about. It's definitely easier said than done. I think us as hosts uh, of podcasts. Um, I think we could also take the initiative to not necessarily do the interviews with these guys, but even have them, you know, maybe approach them and, you know, um, get them to record a, like a, a quick little promo to throw into the show. Right. I mean that every little bit helps and stuff. I mean, I agree though. This is a medium that I think is a little bit underutilized right now, considering how big it is. I mean, it's obvious that this is a, this is a system that people like. People obviously like horror podcasts because of how many there is. So mm-hmm. we just need to, as the hosts, maybe kind of push towards, you know, the people that are making these films and the filmmakers and stuff that, hey, guys, like we're available to host promos and interviews and things like that. I don't know why it's not bigger, to be honest, but I mean, it just hasn't caught on yet. We could, but it will, you know, as we could take the initiative too. I mean, it's easier said than done. I mean, it's harder to get in touch with someone sometimes. Than you, than you really I think, think it is. It is. I mean, it, I, I it, well, for us, is, yeah, to get in touch with them, but them to get in touch with us is not hard. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, you know, but I mean, most likely they're not going to get in touch with us. We would probably have to be the initiator there and and do that. But I think, yeah, if, but, but that's uh, the problem. But like, no, the, I, what the, I don't like, think people it is. need to realize that it's a tool. Yes, exactly. And, and but that's the thing. If you reach out and you start doing this, I think it'll catch on. 
See, I think as hosts, we need to take the initiative to actually do this ourselves first. If we sit back and wait for them to approach us, probably not going to happen. I mean, Christ, we have Jeremy on the it, show. No, it scares away happen. everybody. It's it, it, scares, it scares away everybody. Not for, I'm not saying for <laughs> us. I'm just saying for, like, it hasn't happened yet, but I'm waiting. Like, watch. One of these days, one of these companies, like, are going to realize, like, that, you know, hell, it might even be like a Blumhouse type of company to realize that, that this is a that, that like because you'll see it from time to time in the press releases that you get that like so and so is available for interviews and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. But to to kind of reach out and like to like I, I know that this is gonna work eventually, but it's just like a matter of when somebody's gonna realize that it's that it's a a tool. Like just for example, like let's it's say free promotion art exploitation or something, right? Like let's say art exploitation is putting out. Um, red christmas and they get one of their people to go on and do these podcasts and talk about their red christmas film maybe let the hosts watch the film and then talk about the release or something like that i think that that i think that that's a tool that that you don't see and honestly i think the indiegogo stuff if um what's his face you know the guy that directed um behind the mask if he would have would do it now and then go on every podcast you know that he can find and just be like hey like this is what we're doing like this is what like why we want to do it like this is why we want to make this prequel this is what's going to happen with it and talk about that the i think people would love it you know what i mean well it definitely but, couldn't help or I, I mean it couldn't hurt i mean it's only going to help yeah. right i mean if you if you go on a bunch of different ones you're all you're doing is reaching a different you know a different crowd or different listener almost every single time right I mean, mm-hmm. that's all it's going to do. And yeah, I mean, I think but these, it's- but it's not only like the amount of listeners you're reaching or like the, the, you know, different listeners. It's the fact that the people that are listening are the same people that would support it. Well, it's of course. like, you're not, you're not like when you post, you know, this to, uh, bloody disgusting or something like bloody disgusting is literally one of the most popular it is the most popular horror website and thing like that like yeah sure it reaches a lot of people but it reaches a lot of people that never in their life would would donate to something like that you know what i mean you got it reaches a lot that would too you got to be specific about your intentions right it's you know i mean if you're if you're a filmmaker i mean you just have to think about that it's like hey the people that are listening to these podcasts are 100 percent with that podcast Right, it's not like when you do promotion on TV or something, man. You, you know, it's going out to the masses, and you're only reaching two percent of them. Not maybe not mm-hmm. even right. So you're spending a lot of money just to just to reach a small percentage of the people out there. Here, it's almost like a hundred percent. Everybody is interested in what you have to hear. You need mm-hmm. to utilize that. It's very, it's very, yeah. very simple mathematics right there. <laughs> you know, yeah. so. I don't. I, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe within a couple of years it'll be. But so I still. But I still think that if the, the director of Ice Cream Man Two would have came on podcast, I think it like now, like let's say he did it now, um, because the podcast world is like ne- has never been bigger, um, and he. Uh, well, I agree, man. You know, because talked about it. <laughs> I even. Told, I think it would do well. I think I even told Derek. Um, I think it was Derek I was talking to about that. I didn't even know the campaign was going on. Or like when it was started, when it ended and stuff. Like I probably I only knew that it failed. That's the only thing that I knew because it was already happened. That's the problem. That's the problem. If we're only hearing about it failing, we need to know about when it's starting. 
And that that becomes a lack of promotion. And hence, you know, you need to find the right mediums to put your shit out there. You can't just, you know, put your Kickstarter up on and expect people to to find it. Like, do you ever go on Kickstarter and just search around for shit to donate to? Probably fucking not. No. Exactly. (laughs) It's like, like, oh, I feel like spending some money today. Should I get that new popcorn Blu-ray? No, let's head on over to Kickstarter. It does make me wonder how people find some of the stuff. Like, I mean, obviously, word of mouth in this industry is Social media, man. That's where it needs to be found. But yeah, like, you know, I mean, you got to hit all the appropriate mediums to get that out there. I mean, Christ, dude, like I said, Ice Cream Man 2, I would have donated to it. I want to see Clint Howard play that fucking role again. Of course I do. Dude, I love Ice Cream Man. Yeah, man. That's a fucking shame. That's a total shame. So. Anyway, here let's uh, let's move on to a sequel that actually did get financed and is going to come out. We have uh, the director of Creep uh, announces. Well, this was kind of known, but we didn't know that it was for sure until like kind of now. Yeah. So, Creep was one of those films that came out in 2015. That or was it 2016? Was it last year? No, it was 2015. 2015, right? yeah, 2015. Yeah, okay. It's one of those films that, looking back on it, like, it's one that stayed with me and honestly should have probably made my top ten, now that I think about it. Like, it probably... Like, if I... I always think, like, if we went back and, like, did a revised um, list, you know, films that we've seen later, stuff like that, um, which we're definitely not doing, but if I just thought if we did... Oh, that would just certain be films that would be There's certain films that would not be on my list that would have got replaced with other things. And I think creep would be one that would have actually made my top 10. I think that goes without saying though. I mean, I think most of our list would be the same. Maybe Jeremy would have 10 for 1968. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I think, I think a lot of the times that my list would change, you know, there's a lot of times I see films that I didn't see. Like I think 2013 bad Milo made my list. You know, I didn't check it out back then, but I just watched it recently. Really really funny. You know, it's funny. I was going to click on your review (laughs) this morning, actually. And I was like, you probably hated this movie, man. I mean, it's Uh, it's it's about a creature that comes out of the dude's butthole when he gets mad. (laughs) And that premise alone right there. I just can't imagine you like it, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was funny. But so, um, Creep was really good. It was it very very much. It was scary. Like it overperformed one hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. It's a good um, movie. Well, Creep Two is done, I believe, and yeah, it's um, showed. Yeah, it's been yep. showed. Yep. Uh, at a Q and A at one of the screenings, I believe, uh, the uh, director Patrick Bryce uh, stated that Creep Three is actually in development as well, uh, and. It's basically, I guess, whenever the film was pre-sold, it was sold that there'd be two sequels. So I guess it was a planned trilogy, which is cool to me. So um, Creep 3, Creep 2, really excited to see it. Creep 3, let's let's keep doing it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Three of those films? Shit. I honestly didn't think we'd even get a, a sequel to that film. It didn't know. seem like a film that would have a sequel, honestly. That's what like, I'm saying. It just seemed like a one and done, but... Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Jeremy? George Romero is finally getting his Hollywood Walk of Fame star. Yes, realize he doesn't have one. Back in August, a fundraiser was launched to pay for the Hollywood Walk of Fame star for then the late George A. Romero, and he was selected to receive it prior to his passing. Silly as it seems, these things cost a lot of money. And that uh, I hope that Romero fans were pitching to cover the ridiculous cost. Fundraiser ended up never reaching its goal amount. 
because uh, Romero is getting his star in October, uh, will be held on October 25th. So, yeah, Romero's getting a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. It's too bad it took his death to finally get that, though. Look at Ron Sano, man. He didn't get in the Baseball Hall of Fame until he died. That usually happens. I know. That, that's the problem with this world is that, you know, we just, oh, he's dead? Oh, I guess, you know, I guess we'll finally do that kind of thing. We'll finally give well, him it, the props that he deserves. But it's too <clears> bad because don't you think that George A. Romero deserved to to actually see his name oh, yeah. on there. 100%. That, that's what I'm pissed 100%. off about. He's probably one of thing. the most deserving people in horror, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but we I put, think that, like, uh, it makes sense why it takes people to die because that's when you really have, like, a retrospective look at them and you, re- and you start to really appreciate what they did because you realize that they're not there anymore which is kind kind of a problem which is kind of a problem i mean it is true though i mean when an artist dies you know like when david bowie died you know a little while ago i mean all of a sudden you couldn't even find his albums anywhere people were just buying up his albums everywhere i was like holy shit man like now everyone's a fucking fan everybody's a fan it's like i'm not you know well I'm, i'm just talking about in general you know like fucking Wes Craven dies all of a sudden his movies are flying off the shelf again it's like holy Christ man this is how people are we just we just support in light of oh he's dead you know there's gonna be nothing else we might as well go and do it now you know buy the music or buy the movies and shit it's just it's a weird mentality that humans have you know I I, I mean to me George A. Romero was a living legend he was already a, a legend in my mind and that's what I'm saying there's certain people that aren't you know, say baseball hall of famers and stuff, you know, they were good for their time. Yes. Maybe there's certain circumstances where, you know, maybe dying, maybe, you know, you need that to actually bring it out. But in this case, I don't think so. I think George A. Romero was a living legend and it's too fucking bad that he never got to see his name in the flesh being put on there because he deserved it. I think Mm -hmm. it's such a shame. I think it's such a shame, but I I mean, it doesn't surprise me. People do not really, it takes a lot from the, even fucking acknowledge horror (laughs) i mean that is true that is definitely true and but uh is that how that is that how the hollywood or the walk of fame works do you have to actually pay to get that shit on there i never really so everybody's names that are on those streets they pay to get those on there yep why isn't it like a hall of fame where the the elite are selected by by a group you know like in baseball that's the problem with you don't pay to get into the hall of fame in, in sports you get in the Hall of Fame based on your fucking performance and your credentials. But I, no, I think that you have to be accepted, but also you have to pay for it. See, that's ludicrous. I always thought it was just because you know, you know, Schwarzenegger's on there because he's you know, in most points, yeah. A but then who too. would pay for it? Like it kind of makes sense. Like who's like who's the it, it kind of pay for it? It kind of takes away the eliteness. I mean, so basically, if you had enough money, you could just put your name on there. No, you, I'm saying no, you, you have, have to get accepted. nominated. You have to get accepted, but then you also have to pay for it. <laughs> See, I think it, I think just being accepted is that's the cost right there. I mean, you you're yeah, but then how? Like it literally takes money to put it there. So like, how, where's that money come from? I don't fucking know, man. It can't cost that much <laughs> like, to put a fucking like name on the streets. Like really, like really, like what? It's not like these things are made out of gold and platinum and shit, man. Give me a break here. <laughs> I think they are made. I think they are kind of made good. I don't know, um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So that was that was Jeremy's. Now, um, uh, we also, the, the, I don't know. Do you guys? I don't really want to talk about this, but I guess we can mention it. Like. 
that big thing with the Weinsteins came out, or specifically Harvey. Dude, last night I was watching the football game. <laughs> did you guys? Did you guys watch any of the football game last night? No, I was watching the baseball game. Oh my god, dude! It, I think it was like in the first quarter or something. So I only saw a bit of it because for obvious reasons. And uh, fuck, dude, the announcer made a comment. He made a fucking Harvey Weinstein joke. <laughs> I looked over at the wife and I said, did he just make a rip on Harvey Weinstein like during the game? She starts laughing. She's like, it's hilarious. And then I think it was halftime. He apologized for it. Apparently. <laughs> what was the joke? <clears throat> I don't know. He just, he made some kind of crack about, I can't remember <laughs> exactly what the, uh, <laughs> the intent was, but he had some cum in your throat. Yeah, man, I'm fucking sick still, but I can't quite exactly remember what it was, but he just, he literally said Harvey Weinstein's name, but in the <laughs> apology, he didn't drop his name. He's like, yeah, I mentioned somebody earlier in the, ca- in the show that's going, or that's in the media or making headlines all over the world right now and stuff. And I apologize. I just for that. can't imagine what you would mention. Like what, what you, what the, it had. Like, some, I, I can't comprehend it, what it was the in thing a. It was in about. a hit reference. <clears throat> it was like in a hit reference or something like that. Like that guy got nailed or something like that. Kind of like Harvey Weinstein. I don't know. Oh, uh, this. Oh, okay. It was like in a. It, it, was, it was kind of like that. It came off, and I was like, and it literally shocked me. I was like, did he just make a, a jab at Harvey Weinstein? <laughs> I was like, that's fucking hilarious, man. I'm sure someone else caught it too, but yeah. So for those of you who don't know, like Harvey Weinstein, apparently there was. Um, I can't remember what news outlet it was, but they had the New Yorker and they had apparently they were going to release this uh, article that was going to talk about, um, I guess, like some sexual assaults and stuff like that uh, involving Weinstein. And then, like, I guess he lawyered lawyered up. The thing came out anyway. And uh, basically then just a bunch of people was like, yep, I was kind of like all the bill cosby effect where just people start coming out of the woodwork like yep he did it to me too yep he did it to me too like people like dar uh Gento, uh and rose mcgowan and ashley judd uh i think i don't want to get any names wrong fuck um <laughs> but yeah uh saying you know and oh man i mean it's it's nasty That's brutal it, but it doesn't surprise me like i, I look at the guy and i'm like he looks Surprised like a fucking is like slime ball not the first time it's like look at cory feldman and what happened to him it's like it fucking happens with kids too all the time oh yeah man it's like it's like, fucking sure no one will ever say anything yeah and i'm happy that people are saying stuff but i i tend to believe that this is not a isolated thing that this happens a lot in hollywood especially at the big time level of like, you know, I mean, how like dimension was huge at one point, you know, Miramax dead now. Yeah. And honestly, like people have been wondering what's been going on. Why these, that like Hellraiser film wasn't put out and the children, of Cor- like they probably had, they probably knew this was happening for a while and was like panicking and not worried about anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, Wow. Damn I'm it, just, Weinstein, you, you affected all of our shitty sequels that were coming out. Come yeah, on. we're not going to see Polaroid and Amityville. Well, we are going to see Yeah, like, that, that, was, like, that was the other one, Amityville. Like, they just released It comes Amityville out in December. Three? What the hell? It yeah, comes out man. in December. Yeah, but, like, Polaroid was pushed back, like, two yeah. times or something. Like, like I bet you that this... I bet you there's been 
massive problems there with this. Well, I saw uh, the fucking trailer when I saw Happy Death Day, and I'm thinking that movie looks really fucking bad. So I think it looks good. So fuck you. Oh, go fuck yourself, man. <laughs> um, I th- I like that concept. Like I like the. Uh, it's cool, but the movie just say looks cheese and die concept. This looks shitty. Um, but anyway, so uh, I but think you like Bye Bye Crazy. Man. Yeah, I did. Um, I think this is crazy, man. Like this is this is nuts. That you know, I legitimately feel bad. Like, ugh, you know, like what what Oz just said with the um, Musa. She 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 basically directed a short film or something that had like a rape scene in it, and apparently that was like her venting about. Yeah, well, and in Diva, it's not really a short film. It's more of like a autobiographical type film that she had done about herself. About screen queens oh. and things like that. Shit. <laughs> it's about her. But yeah, there is a scene in there which, you know, is obviously... At the time of watching it, you don't know who it is. But now it's pretty apparent who it was that she was depicting in her film. <laughs> so, that's pretty interesting. I can't believe how much criticism she's getting too right now. And like everyone... For what? Like, I don't know. You know how it is when someone gets accused of shit like this? Like, oh, you know, one woman comes out and then now they're fabricating this shit and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, what the fuck, man? I have not seen one person it's, it's say t- anything like, like that. Yeah, I've read a couple comments, mm-hmm. actually. But, I mean, it, it, it doesn't... It honestly doesn't surprise me that people kind of go that way and throw out their criticism. Maybe it's to be different. I don't fucking know. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you have to realize if these women were assaulted by somebody allegedly. like Har- yeah, allegedly assaulted by somebody like Harvey Weinstein, you know, you, you have to be careful about, you know, how you approach these things too. Right. I mean, they still have careers. They don't want to be fucking shunned and things like that. So that's why these things don't come out until, you know, there's a big case and shit like that. So yeah, I mean, well, I mean, that, that's, that's that, exactly why they don't come out because you exactly. can literally be blackballed. Like he has that power. Yeah. Like that, that's people my say point. that, he doesn't and, and and you know people think that it's like a myth but no that no, shit it's, happens no it's man. definitely not a myth and that's why you know i saw a couple of comments i'm thinking to myself i'm like man it's because these all these girls are trying to do is save their careers you know it, it's fucking tougher it's easier said than done just to oh harvey weinstein fucking raped me in my ass like that doesn't come <sighs> off very well you need to get to you need to bond you know you need to break that case and make sure everyone's not kind of on the same page before you do that shit let's face it dude he's like one of the most powerful guys in hollywood and my question is, how in the fuck did he get fired from his own damn company? Who fired him? <laughs> the brother? brother. Bob, Bob, like, Bob just said, okay, Bob. Like, I mean, but the funny thing is, like, Harvey still still owns that company. <laughs> you know, Well, like, no. I mean, I don't know how that fi- works. Like, I'm, sure the they, I'm sure he doesn't own, like, like, I'm sure there's, a like, a board of directors or yeah, whatever. I think, it's called, I think that's like, what happens. Like, Where it's a percentage his, and stuff like that. It's like a shareholder. You can like, kind of be voted out. <laughs> but, like, what do you do? Like, I mean, if it was, like, a shareholder type thing, like, what do you do with the money that he is still invested in this thing and, and, and is getting from the company? Yeah, he's no longer in a position of power within the company to make I decisions. Know, I mean, why, he, he can still make money. Like, <laughs> I don't think that's a problem, a problem really. for him. Yeah. No, like, I, meant, I, I, meant, mean, I meant the money off the company. I mean, he's still technically invested in that company, even though he's not on the, he's not running shit anymore. I just find well, that really intriguing. Well, it was, but I'm sure that he still has to get whatever he was supposed to get. Fuck, I can't wait for the documentary to come out about this. It's gonna be awesome. I mean, there, there was like a lot of stuff. I mean, it's still going on. There's like new sh- updates every day, mm-hmm. like different things. Like I read somewhere today. It, it just sucks for me because like, 
there's all these news things that are coming out, but I don't trust like half of the websites that I read stuff from. So I don't yeah, even I like know. to talk about it unless I know the website. You know what I mean? Because so many people just jump on board and make shit up. Like there's literally businesses that, that exist online where they just f- jump on top of hot stories and make shit up and just get like fake fake click views you know what i mean like it's, oh, it's insane it's all like the internet man. world it sucks with stuff like this yeah um but anyway like th- th- that's unfortunate but i my question and i don't mean to make light of this situation at all but where are all of the people who were complaining about people supporting uh, Victor Salva in any way, right? Like their argument is like, well, if you see his film, you're supporting him, you're supporting a pedophile, blah, blah, blah. Like, are people going to suddenly never watch Halloween again? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's... <sighs> That's a, good, I, well, that's a good point. Well, the way I, the way I, I mean, Harvey Weinstein is accused of you know sexual assault. I don't think there was any. I mean, that's still terrible. So sexual itself. assault is not as bad as is pedophile is being a pedophile. If, it is technically well, two different uh, listen, things. Hold on here. If if there is any proof, like if it, if, if if he's actually like he's not, he well, first of all, he can't be tried for a lot of this stuff because it's like past the uh, whatever they call that. I forget yeah. what it's called. Um, statute like statute of, limitations. of limitations or something like that. Yeah. On the, it, like the um, rape is only like, what, seven years in the U.S. or something? You yeah. Can't, you can't so, prosecute and, after and seven also, years. Also, good luck proving it with no evidence whatsoever besides you say so. You know what I mean? Like, you can't, that does not hold up in court. You can't do that. Like, and I agree with it. It shouldn't hold up in court. Like, you, just saying that somebody did something to you. Um, you have to have evidence. And, it, 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 like, do I believe he probably did all this shit? Yeah, <laughs> but like, I don't think that you should be able to punish somebody without proof. Anyway, um, where the fuck was we going with that? Victor Salva. Oh yeah. Okay. So, um, I don't care if your argument is like, okay, I don't give a fuck if it's pedophilia or uh, rape or whatever. Like, it's the same argument. You're supporting somebody who did something atrocious, right? Same argument. Mm-hmm. Whether I one's mean, worse or not, who really cares? Yeah, I understand your point. I I understand your point. I think it's just more. Ex- <laughs> I hate to use the word accepted. It, it more accepted rapes. More accepted. <laughs> I think, but but honestly, for lack of a better term, it is. People really. I mean, th- there is a reason. I mean, sexual assaulters they'll be in general pop in in uh, in jail pedophiles get their own blocks they get put well, no. no 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 yes they do no no yes, yes they do yes they do and there's no. a reason yes they it, do it, it depends it yeah, depends no it does it not depend they put the they put pedophiles in a different put, wing yeah and they put they rapists there too a lot of times dude yes yeah, trust some, me sometimes i'm just saying all pedophiles go into a different area because they are they are a number one target within the within the system. Yeah, they'll get fucking fucked they up. They don't want yeah. to. The system does not want to. I mean, they should put them in the general pop, but they don't because of that reason. Not all rapists. It depends the you know it depends on the case I guess and stuff. But I've heard that there is lots that'll go into general pop and things like that. So I, I'm just thinking it's being separated like that in people's minds when you're raping a, a kid versus a girl. 
it sucks to say, but people, you know, if you had to pick one, <laughs> I think that they're going to go with the... Typically, typically, most sex offenders do not go to general pop, at least in the U.S. I don't know how shit works in Canada. Well, it's very, it's so, pretty much the exact same. I'm just saying, um, yeah, I mean, it, it maybe it depends on the severity of the case. I don't know. I, I know pedophiles, though, they are definitely not put in general pop. At least here, they're not. They don't because they don't want that on their hands. They know that they're going to get fucked up and probably killed in general pop. So, yeah. I mean, I think it's the severity well, of the case. Like, I'm, I, I mean, I've heard of one case, at least here, where a dude had raped a girl, allegedly, but it was kind of a fucked up case. Anyways, he ended up going to jail. He was in gen pop. And, you know, he was out after whatever fucking 13 months he spent. But I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, yeah, he's in general pop. That's crazy. But I think it depends. I mean, if you were a repeat offender, you raped like 14, you're probably going to be, you know, in a different wing kind of thing. I mean, the system still protects these people, you know, regardless, which is such a fucking shame. Well, Sickening, I don't know actually. if it is a shame because you, you got to look at it this way, dude. Like when you segregate somebody, you're not just protecting them. Mm-hmm. You're protecting the the anger of other people who shouldn't be around people that, you know, have done this. Like, so you got to look at it that way. Everybody's like, oh, just let them kill them. I'm like, well, you're you're actually creating incident. Like, you don't want to create incident. You don't want, just because this guy's in for murder or armed robbery, getting 25 to life or something, doesn't mean that he should have to be around this guy who he wants to kill because of what he did. Mm -hmm. So it's not just protecting the pedophile. People often look at it like that. Yeah, I mean, you can do that, too. I mean, th- what it comes down to is the system doesn't want to be responsible for further deaths. I mean, that's blood on their hands, though, too. They've, as they, they shouldn't be. If they know, if you put them into a certain situation and they're going to get fucked up, I mean, you're just as liable. You're responsible for it. You know, I mean, it makes sense. You you are protecting a lot of different people here. I, I get that. But, yeah. I mean, when it comes back to the Weinstein thing, Pedo and Silva... I mean, obviously, people are just going to be a little more forgiving. I mean, I'm not, I, I don't condone rape at all. I mean, I think it's one of the most vile acts that a human can possibly do. That's why I like rape revenge films, because I figure that the revenge part of a rape rev- is the ultimate way to get revenge on somebody. And I think it's justified. I If someone is someone, if my sister mm-hmm. was to be raped and she went out and killed the dude, I'd high five her. I'm like, you fucking deserve to do that because you've, because rape is such a vile thing. It's not only a physical thing, it's a mental thing. When you rape somebody, you take away their capacity for life. Like, it's such a damaging thing to them. And, you know, the rape physically lasts for that time. You get over your bumps and bruises, but mentally you don't. It's one of those acts that just is fucking disgusting. I support it, man. I support it. You know, the revenge. And that's what I love about those films and shit, but... I think in the people's minds, you know, you, you put child rape versus adult rape. People are just tend to be like, okay, Weinstein isn't as bad as Silva what? In, in the context. Uh, okay, okay, maybe he's not as bad, but what the fuck does that even mean? I know. I'm just saying, it, I, I'm, I'm just, I mean, when you I, look. I'm not, listen, I'm from the camp where it doesn't, I, like, you guys know my They're still stance. both terrible. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch Jeepers Creepers 3 or any other film that I'm interested in. I'm going to watch Halloween, but I'm just saying. That I think it's bullshit that everybody's like, you know, so gung ho about Victor Salva's stuff. But does this mean that you're not gonna watch Halloween ever again? You're not gonna watch this is coming uh, back to any my point. Max title or anything like that. This is what, and the answer is no, because nobody's gonna say shit about this. Exactly, because <laughs> in people's minds, the pedo shit is so much worse, so much more offensive to their, you know, to their mental status. 
than Weinstein. But they're, hypocr- they're, they're hypocrites. Well, I wouldn't go as far as I think it's just. I mean, like I said, because you know, no, dude, you, like they're they're not say, they're not going to come out and be like, oh, it's not that bad. I mean, in like, the, in they're the, not going to say that. They're just going to try. They're either going to ignore it or they're going to pretend like it, they're going to make excuses on why it doesn't count to watch Halloween. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe that's what they're going to do. I mean, what do you think they're going to do? I think it's just a forgiving, like not a forgiving thing, but I don't know, man. It's such a touchy subject, man. I just think pedophile in every, most people's, I would say 95% of people's minds is the ultimate vile act. So it kind of, it kind of takes over anything else that you could possibly do. Right. So yeah, if you're, and if I understand that, which it should, but I'm saying, why does that, why does that automatically mean that rape isn't bad? I don't know. But I mean, if you look at the way people are approaching this right now, Nobody is making posts about you shouldn't watch Halloween. You shouldn't watch the fucking burning. You shouldn't watch all these classic horror films. It's because of just the act of who who it was. You know, I think if Weinstein was assaulting kids, it'd be in the same page. It'd be fucking. It it would be exactly the same scenario. I don't think so at all. I guarantee you, nobody would be like, don't watch Halloween. Like, dude, the social justice warrior shit that was happening with Jeepers Creepers was because it was an easy film to attack. Like, it's not something that is necessarily a classic. It it remains to be seen. But I mean, I understand what you're saying, too. So basically, it doesn't matter who you are. It comes down to the quality of film. (laughs) Essentially, Halloween versus Jeepers Creepers 3. Yeah people don't want to say don't go see halloween because it's a better fucking film it's classic in our minds so i mean i mean if, if weinstein had only made shitty low budget fucking movies like the or entity and shit i think people you, so you're saying people would be on board with that they'd be like fuck fuck weinstein and his yeah. films yeah so it's yeah, the quality basically. of film that's basically separating the two cases yeah i mean i can see that i can see where people and, are and people from. just like to like you know they like to feel that that they're causing change they like to feel like that they're standing for something. True, they like to true. feel important. Like that's just the way it is, mm-hmm. you know. And and honestly, like l- don't get me wrong. Let me say this really quickly. There are actually people that aren't like that too. That just literally don't think that you should support somebody who's been charged with pedophilia or what lewd whatever the fuck it was. I don't even know oral something what his charge was, but. <laughs> Or um, something. <laughs> but to stick with pedophilia. I, and there are good people out there who like legitimately believe that and have good reasons and like and they're you know passionate about it for the right reasons. But I'm just saying there's also dickheads who just want to fucking pick something to like Zach go on. Nah, Zach's kind of just Zach, you know. He's yeah. not doing it for attention or anything. Anyway, um, that's all I have for news. The ne- or besides the X Men film, like tra- trailer came out. Apparently, it's a horror movie. Really, dude? It, I thought that, I, I thought that was a joke. It's post X Men <laughs> movie, and like it's called New Mutants. And I did watch the trailer because like somebody said that, and I was like, no, like that what? And it's actually like a horror. It's an actual horror movie. Like it's hmm. weird. I love the. I haven't heard about that. What the fuck? So, That's yeah. bizarre. Crazy. Hmm. Jeremy, you got anything else? Yeah. Uh, Beetlejuice sequel still in development at Warner Bros. Um, Warner Brothers <laughs> continues to push forward on a Beetlejuice sequel, even if it may never come to fruition. Deadline says that the latest development after Seth Graham Smith completed a screenplay five freaking years ago is that the studio has hired Mike Fink of Fulucci, some fucking 
Russian name. Nailed to it. Rewrite the screenplay. There's no explanation of what rewrite means, but it sounds as they're reworking an existing screenplay, although this can mean, you know, page one rewrite. Uh, his most recent work is Remory, a science fiction drama that premiered at Sundance earlier this year. It was acquired by Lionsgate. Tim Burton and Michael Keenan. Uh, no deals are, are any, anywhere done, but the site hears that the two who are currently working on Dumbo at Disney have been excited yeah. at the thought of collaborating on a sequel. That's about it with that. Um, Dalfei strikes again. First image from the Strangers, and we got a title. Uh, Strangers Pray at Night, and it will release on March 9th, 2018. And uh, the synopsis is pretty much like a reboot type of a synopsis. Uh, Family Road Trip takes a dangerous turn when they arrive at a secluded mobile home park, stay with some relatives, and find a mysteriously deserted under the cover of darkness, three masked psychopaths pay them a visit to test the family's every limit as they struggle to survive. And um, it's directed by the guy who did 47 Meters Down. Let me ask you guys this. Do you think that movie is going to be any good? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Wait and see. I'm not going to judge it until I watch it. I just, to me, the original Strangers, why is it good? What's the main reason it's good? It's fucking scary. Why? Atmosphere. Unpredictable? It's because of the director. Like, the director killed that movie. Like, like, killed it while making that movie. Honestly, one of my favorite things about the film is the end. Like, I thought it was the... Well, yeah, I mean, but I'm saying, like, the the way that that film's shot, like, the way that it's the story's told, the way that the pacing is, the way that the suspense is, like, the story is simple. Like it's a three line synopsis. People people break into you know home invade for no reason. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, it's a very simple movie. I just think that it was you know elevated because of the directing and and I don't know if that'll happen with the guy that directed Forty Seven Meters Down. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, guess we'll wait and find out. In it's March. A good possibility. I mean, you, could, you could just you could amp it up and turn it into just a crazy film. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And do like a, a big sequel. Like so you could do it that way too, which would be fun. I think what this one's gonna come down to is a strong script though. I mean you're gonna have to do something pretty special to because you know how people are with sequels, they're like, Well, you know, that wasn't as good as the original. They don't really kind of take things for what they are. You know, it, it's always comparing. So I don't know, for me it's script too, man. What are they gonna do with it? Is it is it even it's not even related, is it? Or is it related? Uh, I think, like I, I said, mean, I think they're said they're trying to like reboot it, you know. Yeah. Okay. Guess we'll wait and find out. It's the fancy name for remake. Yeah, pretty much. Reboot. Well, is that the new word for remake? Well, it's re something. <laughs> yeah. That's it for me. That's all I got. Okay, so that is going to conclude the news. Fucking thing sucks. Jumping into mood swings of the DVD and Blu-ray releases for uh, October 17th, 2017. Uh, first up here, we have whoa, the long and long-awaited Kino release, uh, Rawhead Rex. Get the yeah. nice little slip box and everything. Finally, I can hear people shut the fuck up about Rawhead Rex re- getting a Blu-ray release. I'm so happy this came out. Uh, you know, it, it was it, what, it, it's it, the, the, um, 
it's fall like the uh the list is falling of films like popcorn this year like it's it's very small now yeah yeah rawhead was one of the big ones this is one that i just i could i because every time you would ask the question people like what's your most anticipated dvd and blu-ray releases like you know re-release it's like clown house and rawhead rex and fright night fright night too i know which i have i only need clown house the last one i need that i pretty much don't need any more rare movies I mean, there's some. There, there'll just be new rare ones. Like, yeah. like El, Elves is like one of mine. But like, new ones will become the popular one. But um, it's pretty cool that like the biggest ones are like now, like the ones that were big when I started collecting are almost all released. Yeah, Mosquito. Yeah. 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 Rawhead Rex. All those real highly Evil sought out Ed. films. Evil Ed. Yeah, that was a big one. But yeah, mm-hmm. Rawhead but Rex. That's out of print now. What? The, the arrow? It's out of print now, yeah. What? Really? Wow, that yep. just came out. Yeah. That's only been out for what, six months? Was it? Yeah, limited? but it was limited. Yeah, it was limited. Oh. Huh. I, uh, wow. Why with the crystal plumage you sold out? Is out of print? Yeah, but Yeah, gonna... but that was like a special one. That would get a regular release. All those special I, I mean they'll drop the, the regular edition sooner or later. Just like the phenomena one, it'll come out probably in the standard again yeah but if if evil ed was like it didn't even look like a special no no it wasn't it was just it was was a standard just a limited standard edition that's crazy yeah huh all right what else we got that's fucked up uh from artsploitation man we've got a film i was really really looking forward to checking out this year man with my homegirl d wallace in it uh, mm-hmm. Red Christmas, man. You know, I'm a really, really fucking huge fan of Christmas horror films, and looks like we got a couple that are dropping about the same time this year. So that's really cool, man. Um, yeah, I, it's good, but it is definitely not the best Christmas horror film this year. Huh? Yeah, interesting. I actually just got my copy. Um, Our exploitation actually sent me one. I was very surprised because everyone else has already done the reviews. I'm like, am I getting one? <laughs> I never got one, so don't feel bad. Well, it's <laughs> just me. Where I am, I always get my shit two weeks later. But I just got it like the other day, so I'm I'm still stoked to check it out. So, what, what which one's better? Better watch out. Yeah, like by at least a point. Okay. Well, I'm gonna have to check them out sooner than later. Um, this one, not exactly a full horror film, but I'm gonna mention because it's fucking awesome. And it's called Rolling Vengeance, also being released by Kino on the Kino Classics line. This is uh, kind of like a huge, it's a revenge film, so it's exploitation. But a dude that builds this huge-ass truck and fucks shit up, man, it's awesome. Totally cool that film. That sounds awesome. It is, man. It's, hmm. it's a cool revenge film, with, and the truck looks amazing in this. Uh, I don't think this had a DVD release. I have the VHS, and I think it just went straight to Blu-ray. So that's very cool. Um I don't really know much about this one right here, but we got a film no, called... I had one on t- in 2007. Did it have a DVD? Okay. Yeah, never seen it, but... Um, being released by Dreamscape, a film called Appleton. Not 100% sure on that one. Don't even know the company. Now, this... <laughs> this uh, cover art totally cracked me up, man. Like, you can't get any more technological than this film. Uh, being released by Ruthless. Not Ruthless Records. Ruthless. Uh, a film called Dark Web. You guys looking at the cover right here? Yeah, it looks yeah. horrible. I think I think it honestly for like the horrible gimmicky ones, like oh. I kinda like it. Wow, dude, that's it's it's literally a screenshot on a phone. So It's not. It's literally the phone. 
It's like an iPad. iPad. Yeah. Yeah, It's an iPad. Okay, whatever. I mean, yeah, just put it. Because when you screenshot, you don't see the outside of your phone. True that. True that. So so it's like a background picture almost. Yeah. But anyways, I don't know. It looks kind of cheesy, to be honest. Uh, Yeah, it's probably going to suck. Next up here from Lionsgate. We've got Escape Room. Oh. You see this one? a shitty cover, too. Yeah. Not even original title either. Escape Room? I mean, come on. Well, a buck fifty pickup down the line. Yeah, I think most of these are, actually. Uh, You know, I didn't realize this was actually coming out. Um, From Full Moon, we've got Killjoy's Psycho Circus, which is Killjoy 5. They made another Killjoy? Is it 5 or is it 6? It's 5. It says 5. I think there is a sixth one in the works, though. No, but there was a there was a fourth one already or a fifth one already. This is this is the fifth one. It came out on a different one. What was the other one? It was like a versus or something. What Killjoy versus? Wasn't there wasn't there wasn't there Killjoy versus like Ginger Dead Man or something? No, there was a Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong. Evil Bong, Uh, and it's fucking horrible. It is. It's really bad. Yeah, that the, the, really the, bad. The, the narrative in that film is is beyond brutal, but yeah. So the Killjoy franchise is one of those oddball franchises where it starts out really fucking bad. Like the first film is atrocious, and then they they progressively get better. So I wonder if Killjoy Five is better than Four. Who knows? I know this one was on the full man, the full moon website, the VOD or whatever their streaming mm. site for like a long time so i think a lot of people there's no it. way that, that i i cannot imagine that it's better than four that's like the peak of like modern full moon is like <laughs> four. probably yeah yeah um yeah this is an interesting one man i gotta you know from unearth films man, i'm a big fan of the company uh this one's called lilith hell i think that's like lilith 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 hell um yeah, man, this one looks awesome, man. Ruggiero Diodato's actually in this film as an actor. That's pretty cool. So that's enough to, you know, get my admission for that one. So that one looks pretty cool. Uh, from Code Red, we have the DVD release of Revenge of the Dead. I believe these are distributed through Kino, who put these out. Yeah, Kino puts out the DVD versions code of Code Red's Blu-rays. Uh, Revenge of the Dead, which, you know, if you're willing to purchase this film based on the cover art, a little bit of a warning here. The film's nothing like the cover. <laughs> so to, just be aware. This is also known as Zetter. Um, it's nothing like it. So just keep that in mind. Uh, next one here, we got a film called Talon Falls being released. I actually just from got Lost the press Empire. release for this today. Yeah. Who's it by? Yeah. Who MVD. Were... Clint sent it to me today. Oh, yeah. It? So did I. I was like, this title yeah. looks familiar. I was like, shit. I didn't look. I didn't actually read up on it or anything. But did you guys ask like, for those like Return of the Killer Tomatoes ones? Yeah. What did he say? Ordered. Damn. You tell me now. Look, I, you got something that I don't. Look at you. I never. I know. Twenty five views per video, bro. <laughs> High time roller rolling in rolling in the dough. I, to be fair, I asked really late. I asked like two days ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't even bother because they don't send me shit. Although they sent me Lycan, which I end up reviewing. That movie sucked. They sent me that just out of the blue. And I was yeah. like, oh, thanks, guys. And then the movie sucked. So, yeah, anyways. Another one here uh, from Kino. The Terror Within Part 2. Uh, also being released by Kino. This is a DVD version of it. I had no idea that there was a sequel to this film until Code Red put out the Blu-ray. <laughs> like, where the fuck did the sequel come from? It's crazy. I generally just 
usually know things like that. I didn't know that. I'll, I'll be honest about that. Um, yeah, man. And then last up here, we have one called Victimized. No idea. Shammy Media Group. Really? Is that a real how company? Do you, how can you not mention fucking Twin Peaks, bro? Did I pass that one? Mm-hmm. Criterion. Oh, I totally did. I totally scrolled right through it. And last up. <laughs> last up from Criterion. We've got the Twin Peaks Blu-ray. That's fantastic. Great stuff yeah. from Criterion. Can't go wrong. If you've never seen Twin Who Peaks. Who just announced The Breakfast Club. They did, actually. Did they do that today? Gave yeah. me a boner. 50 minutes of behind-the-scenes and never-before-seen footage. Never-seen-before footage. That's cool, man. Because, because the fucking original... All the negatives were lost, and the only original negative was John Hughes personal print so they must have got a hold of that hmm. I'm excited that's my favorite non-horror movie so I'm excited to see that fucking edition mm-hmm. uh, yeah release of the show Rawhead Rex you know what I got it I have to go with Rawhead Rex it's, also it's a release of the week I'm changing it to show that's you, dumb didn't you give me shit You're for dumb. saying week because we don't do the show every week? No. It's the release of that week. <laughs> release of the week on this show. <laughs> no, it's that week. Like, the week of the 20th. And speaking, and speaking of releases, the release? you guys see that? You the guys week see of that the releases? 17th, it is the release of that week. So, the release of, <laughs> release of episode 117. No. <laughs> because... <laughs> because uh, it's, oh god how are you sitting down right now you're so butthurt crazy um anyways what'd you say jeremy release of the week did yeah. you guys, i was gonna say did you guys see that dvd release of spookies that was like released by some like independent <laughs> label in canada that got a hold of the negatives and i saw it on diabolic like um what was some it spookies which is like a. A, yeah, I've a movie that's like really before. hard to get on Laserdisc. I've, it's I've, actually like one of the more expensive ones. But like, yeah, yeah, man, it's released by a company out of Quebec. Um, oh, the 1986 movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, yeah, it sucks. It's um, it's released by. I know, but it's like never had like a a good release. Well, it's never had an official release. Yeah, ever. Now this one came out. So yeah, it's released by a company out of Quebec, and um, it was yeah, it was interesting because Diabolic had some copies for sale, but you pretty much had to contact them through Facebook to get a copy. It was yeah. it was very strange, and I was like, at first I was a little bit hesitant, and I was like, well, David already got one, Mister Parker, and I was like, well, if he got one, I maybe got it from Diabolic. Seems seems pretty damn legit. So um, yeah, I contacted him and I got two copies. I got one for Derek. How much too. was it? <laughs> 25 with shipping. Oh, fuck that. Why would you ever buy that movie for $25 with shipping? Because it's You're a the mad first man. release of it. It's a film that... You, you... just really have to have everything, huh? <laughs> Dude, You're of, co- of course, You're man. addicted. <laughs> of course. I'm not going to pass up a super limited release. I don't know when it's going to get released again. Um, yeah, and apparently they're all gone. They're all gone right now, so that's crazy. But it's fucked up that I didn't even know about this. You know, a Canadian company, in I just had no idea, and, and I found out through Dave, so it's pretty fucked up. Or through Derek, who found out through Dave, so was, that's bizarre. I don't know how they acquired, but apparently the DVD itself, the transfer looks phenomenal. Like, really, really hmm. good shit, so um, I was watching Extra the Mutilator. I don't know if you guys watch his channel. He does really amazing reviews, but he was reviewing Spookies, then he was going through the history of it and stuff, and uh, 
talked about the DVD and says amazing. They did a great job with it. So maybe it's a company to look out for. Maybe they're going to acquire some other really cool titles. Who fucking knows? I don't so, even think it's a company. I just think it's a guy who owns like this, uh, like this uh, horror exploitation store in Quebec and he like somehow got a hold of the negatives and he made it himself. <laughs> well, I mean, he's, that's what it is. Like, I but either way, story. but that's how every, that's how every, you know, company starts out. I mean, you have to acquire something. You just yeah, give yourself just put a out name. some illegal shit. And then, um, yeah, so, but it's totally legit and shit. So who knows? Maybe the guy's got money to is, get is, some more. Is it legit though? It is. 100%. Do you really think he like hunted out the right holders of he, spookies dude, and was like dude if you guys have ever watched extra the mutilators channel that guy only speaks the fucking knowledge like he's like, what did he he's, say he's he one says of the, that the guy bought the rights yeah he it's it's a totally 100 percent legit release 100 percent. this guy he told he went through the whole history of everything the rights blah 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 yeah and he inquired the rights for it so all right so I, I i trust him man i try i mean honestly dude if you've ever seen this guy's videos he is one of the most respected guys out there. Like Dave just swears by this guy. It's one of Dave's favorite YouTubers too. But man, when he talks about films, holy fuck, man, Jesus guys, amazing. But anyways, release of the week here. I am going to go with Rawhead Rex because <laughs> it's so sought it's out. Rawhead Rex. It's so sought out. And it's, it's also released by a great company like Kino uh, on their Kino classics line. And if you're familiar with the line and the films that they put out, they do great, great jobs. You know, feature wise, usually. Kino. I really don't like Kino. They did the pit, like. Yeah, they're pretty much one of the best companies out right now. Um, I don't like them. They I just hate that the way that their spines are, and I don't know, like I, they always just annoy me. No oh, man, I, lo- I don't I, even own a single Kino. Blue I love, Ray. I love how everything looks so damn uniform, but it's about the content, man. I mean, Kino's also responsible for the Redemption line, also, which looks great. Um, I do have one of those, which, by the way, their spine is be- a little better. <laughs> but anyways, Kino, like they just drop nonstop good stuff. But 4K restoration gotta go with this man the reason why i took it over twin peaks is because twin peaks you can actually get on blu-ray already so if if you've already had criteria that's definitely definitely you know what you're getting with criterion we don't have to sit here and and, uh suck criterion's cock about their releases because let's face it they probably are some of the best but rawhead rex that's the dvd and blu-ray releases for whatever date i said october 17 2017 yeah Are you ready to go with some box office brawl? Ding, ding. Box yes. office brawl. Here we go. Happy Death Day. Breaking news. Once again, we have another hit on our hands from our good friends at Blumhouse, uh, who is known from taking low-budget films and turning them into gold. Happy Death Day came in at a $26.5 million opening on a $4.5 million budget. Uh, so it opened at $26.5 million. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> yeah, man. You know what, man? I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it has to do with two things. 
It's got a great title, and it dropped on Friday the 13th. I'm saying that it has to do with four things. The well, two things that you said. I didn't want to bring also, up the PG-13 thing because obviously no, that's no, a no, 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 no. I told you this <clears throat> when you said that you didn't like the film. It is a girl horror film. Oh, that's it, what it is. It's a fucking girl. It's it's. Exactly, it's a girl horror film, and there's not girl horror films out there. So I think that I like girl horror films. When teenage girls saw it, they started recommending it to other girls, and then because there's not that many like pro female horror films out there for teenage girls, and this movie totally follows. Oh no, I get that. One hundred percent. Reason why I think it did well. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen. Here's the other things that it did well. Okay. One, the promotion was on point. Right. I, I seen the Happy Death Day trailer. So many times that I felt like I was in a Groundhog Day thing, right? Like I, I heard fucking Fifty Cents in the club more than I ever have in my entire life, and that song was played nonstop when it came out. You know what I mean? Uh, so I think that the promotion was great, and they started early and they kept it up. Like the trailer, the listen, I, I noticed this. The ad on YouTube was the entire trailer. It was like two minutes, an ad. You know, for when you, if I'd watch one of Moods' videos, which um, I do sometimes, well, there you was click on it and then Happy Death Day plays. There was the, the entire ads on trailer. my video? That's how I first seen it. Yeah. Holy shit, the majority of my videos ads. I can't monetize anymore. It's crazy. Really? Most There's of them. There's still ads on a lot of them. Huh. What the fuck? Mine, mine, how I'll have ads still. Hmm. But anyway, so, um, the, uh, so, so the promotion was great, uh, which, yeah, releasing on Friday thirteenth, PG thirteen helps. It's not, it doesn't. I don't think it affects like some people think it does, um, but it definitely does better typically because more people go see it. But um, I don't know. I think I think that this one just had that like viral look to it. I noticed when I seen other groups posting like, "Oh, Happy Death Day comes out this week," like I'm excited. And you know when I really noticed, I went to. The um, theater, uh, the AMC, to see Friday the 13th on Friday the 13th. This is why I didn't see Happy Death Day. Um, and I swear to God, that theater was so fucking packed, dude. I had never seen it that packed. Now, granted, I didn't see it there. I seen it somewhere else. Um, but I'm sure it was packed for it, too. But, like... This and I was like, "What the hell is coming hey, out?" You know today? what I was looking at, what JP when I was looking at that theater when you were talking about Silent Night, Deadly Night. That fucking mofo has IMAX. Why the fuck don't you go see shit on IMAX? Because I don't care. But if it <laughs> is on IMAX, why. why the fuck don't you just go see it? <laughs> or why like, don't you look, go see? He's looking at my theater like this shit has IMAX. Like, yeah, why don't you know that? <laughs> because it says IMAX. It's like why the fuck don't you go see Jigsaw on fucking IMAX if you have Movie Pass? Maybe it's more. Sh- well, yeah, I guess movie, got movie Pass does not work for IMAX. Well, there you go, and it's probably really expensive, and not everyone cares about IMAX, dude. It's like not I've everyone cares about 4K. <laughs> exactly. So why don't you fucking sub me in a bitch? Okay, and just... now, maybe one day I'll go see something in IMAX. Okay, <laughs> just just to get you happy. You don't see but, Jigsaw. That's probably not the best example. But of the I was like, what <laughs> the hell is everybody watching tonight? I was like, it's Friday, like because we got there like right on time for Friday the Thirteenth, and I was like, dude, it better not be fucking sold out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, shit, you know? Yeah, I did. (laughs) Um, So I I get, we go in there and it was kind of packed. Like Friday the 13th ended up a really good showing. So I was happy about that. But I think everybody went to see Happy Death Day. You have so busy. 
That's fucking crazy, crazy, dude. More people went to see Happy Death Day on Friday the 13th than people went to see the actual Friday the 13th film on Friday the 13th. Well, I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> the, promotion, the, the promotion there, I mean, definitely did its job. Definitely did its job. Yeah. So um, I was like kind of jealous at first. I was like, I was like, man, I want to go see a Happy Death Day. But then I was like, wait a minute. I'm seeing Friday the 13th, uh, which was pretty cool. Um, not my favorite in the series, like not even close. It's probably like my, my like top four least favorite in the series, um, the original Friday the 13th. But I did come away with it, appreciating it a little bit more. It has good pacing. Still a lot of stuff doesn't make sense, like with Mrs. Voorhees and like the reveal and stuff like that. Because they actually set up red herrings in the film, which is like Ralph is a red herring. Uh, and then you have the dude with the uh, that kills the snake. The way he holds the thing looks kind of like a red herring. And then you have Steve Christie, who's kind of a red herring because he has the same Jeep as Mrs. Voorhees. And then it's like, nope, Mrs. Voorhees. You don't know her, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, but I, I, I definitely enjoy it. It has, I think I love the atmosphere this time. Like, I was just like, oh, shit. Like, this is, like, the best camp setting ever. But... Yeah, that was fun. Yep. What does that have to do with Back's Office Brawl? Um, back's Office saying, Brawl? Yeah, what does that have to uh-huh. do with Back's Office Brawl? Yeah. Uh, I was just saying that um, I was <laughs> that surprised continu- to see that continuity. <laughs> continuity? You actually can't say continuity. I did that continuity. on purpose, a dick. Can you say it? Say it. Conti- continuity? <laughs> That's no, what- there's no nudity in it. Continuity. Continuity. <laughs> Continuity actually sounds pretty fucking funny, though. At least it's coming out funny. It's it's not going to come out. What's the shibbling on that, too? (laughs) Guys are dicks. All right, so uh, Happy Death Day made how much, Jeremy? Twenty six point five million. So Jeremy um, was bitching and complaining. Oh my! That God. like, oh, I need to just start picking the lowest amount so I always win. And I'm like, that's dude. It don't. It just. I just. We just got lucky those times. You know, it doesn't mean you're always gonna win. Because look, Jeremy won. Yes. So, uh, Jeremy versus me is now six to three in favor of me. But he did gain a point. You know. Uh, and then Jeremy versus Moods is now. Didn't Moods pick like ten million or something stupid? Um, Jeremy ties it up with three to three now. Uh, for Moods, uh, Moods picked sixteen million. I went with nineteen million. Jeremy went with twenty-two million. So yeah. me versus Moods, I still get the point. We were so fucking six million apart. Like that's not that big of a deal. Oh, I won. Christ, so Christ, fuck I, you. Christ, I was only ten million off the actual total. That's not too bad, I guess. Them. That's pretty well. It's a. It's kind of like we both kind of. Mm, it's not too bad. It's, it's not, not too bad. You're right. Yeah. But when I mean when you're dealing with numbers that are like that, this, you know, like obviously it's not going to make five million. I so thought that mm-hmm. I was underdoing it too, but I was like, you know what? I'll just take my chances. Well, well we well, did what have. We was, actually did have a film this week that broke a record, a bad record. It's not a horror film. But we actually had a film that opened up in – let me get the numbers here. It's kind of embarrassing. It opened up in 1,629 theaters, and it made a total of $736,000 for an average of $600 per theater. It's like some movie about like the making of Wonder Woman or something like that. But, uh, yeah, $600 a theater. Wow. It made only $136,000 in 1,600 theaters. It's pretty embarrassing. 
Yeah. Um, so one of the reasons... So, like, if you look, like... <clears throat> it's pretty interesting because, like, we did... We, we like, under-guessed heavily. Like, we over-guessed on friend request, Flatliners. But we did... We did... We were a little bit higher on Happy Death Day than... So I think we were kind of in the ballpark where we thought it would be successful. Uh-huh. So, um... Do we have anything else coming out? Well, we have. I was not. I know we talked about this on the group chat. We have the snowman coming out, which is a serial killer film similar to Seven and Zodiac. So, trying to decide if we should include this one or not. Okay. Do we do we consider those films to be horror films, or do they just? Well, qualify? I think I think Zodiac. And, well, Zodiac. I think no. Seven is definitely a horror film. You know what's so funny about that? I actually have Seven in my non-horror collection, and I have Zodiac in my horror collection. That's fucking bizarre. I only have a <laughs> horror collection, and they're both there, so... Oh, you're so much better than all of us. What a dick. <laughs> what a dick. <laughs> it's joking. But it's just funny how you just plain out said that, and I'm like, I totally have it in reverse. I don't know what it is. I've never considered Seven to be full-blown i guess i just never really thought about it's it too hard full-blown horror but i mean but in reality zodiac and seven are very similar there's it, no gore in, in zodiac it, I mean, like like the way that it is in seven like it's scary. Yeah. it's shot scary in seven yeah true that but i mean you want con- me to read the synopsis and then we'll decide Dude, we can we, like if it's if it's even the whole point of box office bro, like like it's it's enough of a genre it, it doesn't technically to be about matter. a serial killer it, yeah exactly it doesn't matter i think this i think the snowman just qualifies let's just pick all right it, it qualifies for box office brawl it may not be horror how about that yeah okay so it's being released by universal uh in 1800 theaters has michael fassbender in the lead i've been seeing previews for it for a while now in front of these horror films uh, but I'm surprised that that theater count 1800. I thought it would have opened up with more. Um, it's getting just absolutely destroyed by critics right now. Um, has a 21% on Rotten Tomatoes. Jesus. Very bad. Um, it's going up against Geostorm, which is like a fucking end of the world movie that looks just absolutely immensely horrible. That looks so bad. <laughs> Why aren't we doing I, that? We're, let's do Geostorm too. Okay. But. <clears throat> uh, Geostorm, and then Only the Brave, which is a film about uh, wildfire uh, firemen. Looks okay. And um, They shoot that then, in BC this year or what? <laughs> and, uh, Medea Halloween 2. Let's so, do that one too. Those are all coming out this week. That's a theatrical yep. film? Medea oh 2? 2,250 theaters. Jesus okay. Christ. Right. So we're gonna have... films always crush it, bro. I it's know, Medea, dude. I, I don't fucking get it, man. It's so bad. It's so bad. They always crush. All right, so <clears throat> let's do all three of them. Let's start with Snowman. Okay. And that was in 1800. Yeah. Okay. That's not much. I'm gonna go <laughs> ten million. Okay. Birds. I'm going to go with. Oh man, 1800 theaters. That is fuck all. Um I'm going to say 5 million. Mm, that's too low. 
What'd you say, Jeremy? Ten million. Hmm. Eighteen hundred theaters, man. Not that much. Yeah, but it's universal. It's fast bender. He's pretty popular. Yeah, it's getting fucking. It's already had a foreign release. That's something that he didn't mention, and it made eight point nine million foreign already. <laughs> yeah, but but when did it get released? Oh, I don't. Know. Where has it gotten? Re- Let what me was see. the Rotten Tomatoes on that one? Twenty one percent, you said. Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty crazy. Yeah, we're coming in way low. Oh fuck you, box office mojo! Updating your site track in a few minutes. Suck my <laughs> cock. Um. Hmm. This is this is a tricky one for me because I'm kind of in a position. I do think it's going to make lower than 10. But I don't really want to go. Mm. I'm going to go. I'm going to do this. So, Jeremy, you said 10, right? You're feeling so, my trickery right now by going with 5, aren't you? <laughs> that's Jeremy way too said low. 10. No way. It's going to shit yeah. the bed. No way. The foreigner was supposed to shit the bed and it made 13 million. So, fuck yeah. you. I'm going to go that movie's awesome, by the Six way. It's got Jackie 5. Chan in it. It's fucking so good. It made $100 million <laughs> in China this weekend. Of course it did. Did you hear me? What? Six and a half what? million. 6.5. Oh, we're allowed to do that's points? Too that's too low, too. Yeah. You're I gonna did lose. You're going to lose this You one. think? Yeah. You think it's going to do 10 or above, Jeremy? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. Technically, if it goes $9 million, he still wins. Yeah. I think it's going to do better than you guys think it will. We'll see. Yeah, that's right. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. What are we going to do next? Geostorm? Yeah. Geostorm. Geostorm's opening up in 3,000 plus theaters, including wow. IMAX, uh, Warner Brothers. I mean, it just looks shitty. I mean, I can't fucking look up what fucking other movies like it has done because of shitty ass fucking box office mojo. But. Uh, Geostorm, three thousand plus. Oh, we'll do, people Moods really? Goes. People, yeah, I'm just thinking out loud. Fair. Judgments. Uh, I'm gonna say fourteen and a half. Huh? <clears throat> it's gonna take. Right, um, man, dude. Fourteen and a half, baby, baby. Hmm. Let me think here. So Geostorm is a big budget. What what's the budget on that? Does it say? One second, I got it because fucking box office mojo shitty. Ah uh, la la here we go. It's coming in at let me go to Wikipedia. Eighty one million. Is its budget? Yeah. Jesus Christ, dude. Okay. Producer what did, Jerry what did you say, Moots? 14 and a half. <coughs> no That's good. actually a pretty good guess, I think. Um, yeah. Oh, geez, man. This is going to end up bad, probably. So, um, what did what did Blade Runner open up at? It it, it did, did pretty well. bad. It didn't, no, it did, didn't. It didn't? No. Oh shit! I thought it was. Uh, what did what did it open up wait, at? Wait, um, I have to let me click on weekly here. Um, it opened up at forty five million. Oh no! That's, yeah, forty five million. That's not bad. 
That's pretty bad for a fucking $150 million budget movie. Oh, man. It's just in so many theaters. That's why I'm like, I'm wondering how much that affects it. I'll go 13. 13. 13. Jesus Christ. (laughs) What the fuck? I'm going to go 17.5. One dollar. What? 17? What the fuck? 17.5. That's ridiculous. All right. All right. Next one. Boo. Boo. Tyler Perry's Boo boo It's Boo 2, right? Yeah. I think that hurts it. Boo 2. How many theaters? But it's Medea and he fucking Tyler Perry. Medea. Whatever. Madia, Madia. Tyler fucking Perry owes crushes in anyway. Uh, twenty-two fifty. Okay. Any idea what the first one made? Stand by. Twenty-two hundred theaters. It's uh, rated PG. Thirteen. PG thirteen. Right, I'm gonna go. Well, first one made uh, seventy-three million. Yeah, I figured total. it did well. A day of Christmas, fifty-two million. All Medea films have been like in the fifty million range, fifty to sixty million. Fuck, man, that just blows my mind, dude. Sixty-three uh, million, fifty-five million, ninety million, fifty-one million, sixty million. So the first one made seventy-three. I don't think I've ever right. even. I don't think any Medea films have ever been at my. And it opened here. up, and it opened up at twenty-eight million five hundred one thousand. Medea's like the black earnest yeah oh exactly yeah i know i know who Medea <laughs> is the dude that dresses up like a woman tyler perry yeah i mean it worked for eddie murphy and martin lawrence well <laughs> i wouldn't say it worked for them yeah do you really want to watch norbert again yeah but the first ones he did were much more successful what nutty professor yeah yeah and big mama's house yeah, Big Mama's. They make three of those? I don't know. I think they did. God, I hope not. All right. Uh, for Medea uh, Boo 2, I'm going to come in. I'm going to say this does the best at 22. 22 million. God damn it. That's what I was going to say. All right. Well, then say. Uh, 24.5. Well, I'm going to have to go with 25. Oh, fuck you. I was originally going to say 28, but now I'm just going to roll. I'm going to say 25. So basically, anything Mood's got a good anything. Oh, Jeremy's kind of fucked in this position a little bit because like anything under twenty two, like I win. Anything over twenty five, Moods wins. Yeah, I don't think but if it's it comes in get, between twenty two and twenty five, I win. I don't. Th- I don't uh, think it's going to do over thirty. It's like so. twenty. I'll take the. I'll I'll take that odds on this one. I think if it comes in at twenty three, I win. All right. Sweet. That point five there. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Uh, well, that's fun. I can't wait to see what happens next week because this is points. This is a lot of points. Yeah, and yeah. It, yeah, it's three this week, so that's pretty cool. Um, that's box office brawl. All right, so let's get into uh, a little bit of dead mail. Since we dead still, mail, we 
don't have our fucking uh, voicemails fixed. <laughs> Digging into I'm, the bank. You know I'm intentionally not fixing them, right? Why? I just don't want to do them right now. <laughs> I don't want to. Like, I, I have a new phone. And At least like you're annoying. being honest like, about it. But Like, if I like my old phone was perfect for them because I could label them. This yeah. new phone, I can't label them. And it's, like, annoying. But it's actually still broken. But I've just not got to, to it. All right, digging into the Fangoria library, and this time we'll be checking out issue number 142 from May 1995. On the cover, we have Tales from the Hood, X-Files, Langoliers. Wait, uh, Tales from the Hood's on the cover? Yeah. Uh, like the main cover? Yep. Let me see. All right, one second. Can I have that? No. <laughs> uh, Langoliers, God's Army, Funny Man, Making Alligator, and Wes Craven presents Mind Ripper. And on the top it says Halloween 6, First News and Photos. So, we're going to dig into this. Um, the second time go. the Langoliers has been mentioned on this show. That's weird. Uh, we have Weekend of Horrors, May 6th through the 7th, 1995. And we have Heather Lankenkamp, John Saxton. Lankenkamp? Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Stuart Gordon, Brad Dwarf, and George Wilbur. You also say Brad Dwarf. Yep. Like he's All a, right. like Warwick Davis. <laughs> like a Let's dwarf? Stick <laughs> into the mailbag. We have Scott Simmons, who writes in from Flint, Michigan. He writes... Recently, I read a humorous letter in Postal Zone from a conservative Republican horror fan who believes the myth that Republicans are here to save us from big government and censorship. Who the hell does he think he's fooling besides himself? Yes, it's true that Janet Reno and her pious, pompous, so-called liberal friends would love to force all of us to watch Little House on the Prairie and listen to Barbara Streisand. But before all of you join Newt Gingrich, Fan club, remember that when we talk of the Republicans, we're talking about the party of Jesse Helms, Pat Butchman, and Pat Robinson. Do you really think any of these guys would lose sleep if all horror fans, graphically violent or not, were censored or banned? If you want to put your faith in any political party, vote for the Libertarians. This is the only party I know of that is 100% against censorship. I know that they are a small group and not very likely to win any big-time elections anytime soon, but don't expect the Democrats and especially the Republicans to fight against censorship. And to any of you who thought the Republicans' recent victory in Congress was, same, was some kind of victory for First Amendment rights, get real. <laughs> I think why, it's why did you pick that? Because it's interesting to think about what's happening in the country in the mid-'90s with censorship laws. It's just interesting to me. And then the fact that Fangoria printed it even more is just, I don't know, I just found it interesting. Um, what, what censorship was happening in the mid in the mid 90s? Well, fucking Howard Stern was in this prime in the 90s and fucking the uh, uh, freaking there's a whole bunch of censorship issues. I'm talking on. about movies. Yeah, but it's all the it's, <clears> it's the MP, the MP <coughs> unless it was about, you know, I can understand if it was about the MPAA, but what the fucking... I don't anyway, care about politics. I, I just pull an issue out and I read it. I think it's know? a little bit interesting, actually. You need to pre-read them. Especially to hear no, those names. Dude, yeah, you should pre-read them. No. So no. We, yeah, because we we're want we quality here. We're not just fucking... I'm going to keep going. 
Well, blimey, I'm all for people being able to air their views, but really, I mean, what could Christopher Angustine hope to gain by publicly slagging the likes of Stuart Gordon and Brian Yuza? To call the Lovecraft movies of these two gentlemen cellulite garbage and attack them as talentless, incompetent degenerates really does no one any good whatsoever. Reanimator, Bride, and From Beyond are all, to varying degrees, successful, entertaining horror movies at the same time. I can see that they have little to do with inspiration, but is it is it is that really such a bad thing? Cinema and literature are two very different beasts, and one need not shavily ape the other. Man, that's a weird word. In many respects, I'm glad that Lovecraft has never been faithfully adapted for the screen. While enjoying and appreciate his work, I'm not so sure that it wouldn't lose a hell of a lot in translation. And I'm forced to ask if Mr. Augustine has ever wondered why the movies have never been all that he hoped for. Has he ever considered that generations of filmmakers have decided that the words that the works of Lovecraft are, like those of Poe, generally unfilmable? Instead, they have attempted to bring out their flavor without necessarily being too true to the source material. In the case of Gordon and Uza, I Uza. feel this... Can you just get over the fact that I'm going to mispronounce names already, fuckhead? Uh, I feel this is certainly the case while I do realize that <laughs> others Lovecraft tag may just be a brand name to hang on a run-of-the-mill movie. Uh, to be honest, it seems to me that what Mr. Augustine is really doing is stamping his foot in a fit of fatigue, huffing that horror movies are being made for the wrong audience. Teenagers whom he he calls the clear, clear soul crowd, to him I say this, horror has always been aimed at this audience because it generally is this age group that wants to see it. Mr. Augustine, and I'm assuming, assuming he is over 18, is one of the relatively few adults to whom the genre is important. I can sympathize totally with this because I'm the same. However, the best way to show your love for something is to not to slag it into the ground. He comes across like a frightened parent, scared and confused about the music his teenage son listens to, and fighting back against what he, what he does not and cannot understand. If he wants to make some kind of statement regarding the films based on Lovecraft's writing, that is fine. But why such an ill-conceived and personal attack? Even better, Mr. Agenstein, why not write a treatment or script, make a video short, put some money up for investment? All of these things would allow you to show these talentless filmmakers how it should be done. Good luck. That comes from Steve Hooper. Who was he referencing? Dublin, Ireland. Um, Christopher Augenstein. Who's that? Was he a critic or something? Let's look it up. But, so, so um, I so mean, at, I agree with pretty much a lot of what he's saying. So, at the time, this what what year was this issue came out? Eighty nineteen ninety five. Nineteen ninety five. So, and he was saying at that point, nineteen ninety five, there hadn't been many, or at, there hadn't been any good H.P. Lovecraft faithful. At a, or faithful. faithful. But I mean, yeah. using the word faithful is so fucking pretentious, man. Who cares? It's these are adaptations of his work. They don't have to be a hundred percent to the works. I mean, these are interpretations. Well, I mean, faithful. It definitely isn't the best way to say it, but I think what he was getting at was a hundred. There hasn't been any um, adaptations that that are, you know, taking a lot of the source material. Is kind of what he was saying. Well, I mean, a lot of the. I mean, you got to remember, Lovecraft stories weren't you know full-on fucking Stephen King type novels. I mean, they were generally short ideas and stuff like that. Um, so you had to take the certain premise and kind of adapt it your own type way. But 
you know, by, you know, the mid-90s, I think there'd been lots of decent adaptations of H.P. Lovecraft. Like, I mean, we know the obvious ones like Reanimator and uh, uh, From Beyond. I, I don't think that, he, that, that he's saying that the movies aren't good. I think he's saying that the adaptations aren't Aren't as faithful to faithful, what? Like, which is material. true to say. Like, from what I understand, I remember. Listen, that is one fandom I do not get. I do not. Like, dude, people fucking love lovecraft and i just don't get it i've never got it it's weird to me like i tried to read some of it i can't get into it like i'm like well, i'm like Stephen king i'd rather read any day it's because hp lovecraft had a lot of original and cool ideas i mean what he, you have to i think lovecraft was a lot he was ahead of his time he was like poe of his generation well i like poe but poe you have to like he was so far he was so far ahead of his time like nobody was doing that shit but even the ideas that H.P. Lovecraft was putting into his stories were pretty interesting. Not a lot of that shit was done either, but, you know, I think a lot of those ideas are quite complex, too, and I think you have to take the general idea of it and kind of, you know, kind of go with your own ideas, though, too, because it's pretty hard to fully adapt, you know, onto screen. So, I don't know, I just kind of took it when you said, you know, the adaptations were faithful. I mean, I guess he so much didn't say that the films themselves were terrible, but, I mean, up until that point, there had been a lot of good H.P. Lovecraft influenced films up, in, you know, to that point. You can't deny that fact, right? I mean, it's it's crazy to say that none of the films were good. Yeah, I mean, right. So I don't know how. I don't know if he's. In, I don't know if he's fully saying that. Like, I mean, I get that. There has not been a lot of straight up H.P. Lovecraft. You know, here's the literature, and here's the movie. Oh, they're the same. That's crazy. I don't think that that doesn't happen very often in adaptations. Period. I just think his works are harder to adapt to the screen. That's why there is so much, um, you know, other stuff kind of added in there. And plus, a lot of, like I said, yeah, his, yeah. his stories were short, so you had to put in stuff to make it a full-length feature. Hence, Reanimator and, you know... Um, ah, I understand. Christopher Augustine was somebody who wrote in Impulsed of Stone number 140, slamming uh, okay. the likes of Student Gordon and... Br- yeah. And Brad is now for not adapting i'll read that one lovecraft next. we'll see what he says uh correctly <laughs> i get it yep. okay yep next okay hmm. uh i'm writing you know this is just like this guy drew bickford he writes in from australia and i just like i just want to read this to uh visualize what it was like in the 90s being a horror fan in like foreign lands and you didn't have the internet and you had to rely on things like Fangoria. Um, it says, I'm writing to, that's why I'm reading it, JP. I'm writing to congratulate you on the superb, superb film retrospective series you've been running for a while now. In particular, the Halloween article. This is the kind of coverage fans like myself have been craving for years. Being an Australian horror fan can often be a plus with our more relaxed censorship laws, but it could also be a downfall as certain publications never see our shores. This is where your extensive coverage becomes invaluable. Please continue to enlighten and accelerate me with your detailed retrospectives, and thank you for bringing Jamie Lee Curtis' 10-page closes to me. Uh, Drew Bickford, please listen to the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast. Thank you very much. Um, let's see. 15 years ago, <laughs> this, is, this is from uh, Matthew Swenson. And he says, 15 years ago, a movie was released with an advertising logo that threatened, there's more than one way to lose your heart. Booze, do you, do you know what it is? My Bloody Valentine? Yep. Well, when I turned to page 64 of Fango 140, I almost lost my mind. Although Fango has continued to cover most horror genre 
endeavors for the past 16 years, I thought My Bloody Valentine has been forgotten about. That's why it's an unexpected surprise to find an article on my favorite movie of all time and its director. My Bloody Valentine stood out from the flow of copycat horror movies in the early and mid-80s thanks to the unique style and story. Director George Malika commentary commentated on the possibility of a sequel or the release of an unedited bloody Valentine. If there was a strong enough response, I would definitely love to see both, especially the unedited version, but who do I write to? If there are any, my bloody Valentine fans out there, they can write to me in the frozen wastelands of North Dakota, where the only heat comes from Fangos blood warming pages. These time capsules are so interesting because this guy's writing from the time when they hadn't released it uncut. You well, know, shit, it's like 20, it was like 20 years before it was released uncut. <laughs> well, when, when did the DV, when did the uncut DVD come out? Like in the mid-2000s or something? Yeah, the so Lionsgate one? R- roughly uh, 10 years shit, after this? shit, like, yeah. Or I, I mean, it was, I think it was like 2008 or something. Yeah, actually it was, because I mean, it had been released on DVD a few times, I think, that was cut, in cut versions, and then it came out uncut, but... Yeah, it did take a long time, but I got the uncut Blu-ray. It's really cool, though. It's really interesting to hear. That's this. out of print. That's hard to find. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's really interesting. I, I love this. I love this segment, man. This dead mail because that kind of gives me chills. Like this guy's favorite horror film is My Bloody Valentine, and he only knows it in its cut format. Well, mm-hmm. if you want to write to him, you can write to him <laughs> at uh, eighty-two seventy-five Mayran Avenue, Montreal. Quebec. Hold on. Canada. Let, let's do that. Montreal. That's crazy. Let's let's do that. Let's see if we get a response. Let's write to this guy. Dude, that just gave me chills right there. I mean, obviously. Uh, his address film. is 17, 17450-56R Street, Southeast, Christine, North I, Dakota. There's pretty much a 2% no, chance no, no, he no, still no. lives there. <laughs> let's let's seriously see if he still lives there. Okay, well. Right. That would be amazing. We'll try to contact we'll, him, but. We'll write a send letter. him a copy. We'll yeah. write a letter, and we want to. We're just going to ask him how he felt whenever uh, the My Bloody Valentine remake came out, because at the time this is 1995, <laughs> so it Start, didn't come out for another like be, ten this, years. This is in and response that, to your Fangoria, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Zone from 1995. Yeah, and then we'll ask him how he, if he has the uncut Blu-ray. <laughs> all right. So, how do you feel about the film now? Is it still your favorite horror film all these years later? Having it in its uncut form, ah, oh, that's fucking cool, man. That's really cool. Continue. All right, this, this is, we this is kind of funny. Yeah, uh, this is comes from Michael Rollins, and he writes: "I assume that exquisite tenderness, the fear, God's army, and Necromonicon failed with their theatrical tests. So when will they arrive in video stores? And what happened to MCA's home video plans for the Darkman sequels?" Uh, and he writes. Uh, exquisite tenderness has yet to land at this distributor. The fear played limited, limited theatrical dates earlier this year and will reach video this month. And God's army will hit the big screen soon from Miramax. Uh, Necromonicon's producer was holding out for a better theatrical deal that he was offered and doesn't want to send it straight to video. So who knows when us audience will, will see it as for the dark man sequels. MCA has tenderly set cassette release dates for late this summer. You know what I like about Fangoria <laughs> from this time? It, and I was I was looking um, at a few of the old issues online um, just because I was curious. I've actually ne- I've only I've I don't think I've ever read a Fangoria ever. Um, oh, they're great. So wow. I was I was like looking at some of the old issues. One of the coolest things about them 
was that they were out at a time where you literally had no information and these people had it. These people had the information. Like you could not figure out any like how would you know when a release was happening, right? How no. the fuck would you know that? Yep. And then you hear then you hear them and they're like, "Oh yeah, like we like even I was looking at issue 1 and it was like asking some stuff like that and they yeah. they found out and I'm like, that's cool, you know? And and that article that Jeremy posted um, the other day about the rise and fall, about how they were the only people on set of movies, and then all of a sudden you're there with six other outlets mm-hmm. yeah, in yeah. their internet. That was race. a great article. Yeah, good article. Entertainment Weekly, big props for that. Uh, one more. This is just funny. Uh, another guy who is disappointed with the retrospectives of Fangoria, and he says, I'm disappointed by issue 139. Your Fangoria retrospective was rock bottom. Of all the movies that you could have written about, why Frankenstein meets the space monster? I saw this movie as a kid and remember very little, so I'm probably out of my league when it comes to discrediting the article, but I do know one thing. It is not an important film. It made no impact on the industry, commercially or artistically. I bet my last dollar that it is this title that... I bet my last dollar that it is the title that keeps it from total obscurity. Besides movies like this are covered all the time in cult movies, film facts, and psychotronic. My guess is that you were trying to shed lights on other Frankenstein movies, but why this one? There are so many others to choose from, and I don't mean Bride and Curse, which is funny. Uh, Plenty of ink has been spilled on them. What about Revenge of Frankenstein? It's a very rare film that has never been officially released on video and is supposedly light years better than Curse. How about Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed, Andy Warhol's Frankenstein, or the lang- or the legendary Swedish-slash-Irish production Terror of Frankenstein? Space, Mon- Space Monster is not a real horror film. It's a curiosity and nothing to write home <laughs> about. There are plenty of films that really go for the gut and the mind. Remember, a lot of people don't know about foreign horrors. You had to spread the gospel and let them know of other outlets. And Fangoria replied, uh, our coverage of uh, Frankenstein meets the space monster was not an attempt to elevate schlock into art, but to humorously revisit one of the stupidest and cheapest Frank films of all time. Look for interviews with both Paul Morsley and Antonio Margheriti covering their covering their works on Andy Warhol's Frankenstein this fall. If any readers have any idea for further retrospective, foreign or domestic, let us know. So, <laughs> You know, it's so weird, man. Me and Derek were just talking about Frankenstein meets the space monster the other day. That's so random yeah. that you brought... Yeah, it's so weird because it, it got released by Dark Sky Films and it's actually one I don't own. And I think it went out of print or something and selling for like stupid money, but... Yeah, it's just weird that we were talking about that one. But what what exactly was it? The article was featured. What was the feature article? It was probably like just Frankenstein. Yeah. So yeah, and, and they just ha- cover, like, and they just happened just to talk about one. this one. Well, maybe yeah. maybe the editors thought it you know it was obscure enough at the time. You got to remember this is in the mid nineties that mm-hmm. it was cool to write about. You know, I mean, well, yeah. it's also it's also this. Like, think about like like here's a comparison of this podcast, right? Like when we do a years worth of podcasts like we do the child's play and we do um you know whatever the 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 big shows that we do but then we do stuff like coffin joe right it's just like you don't have to only do 
the, the most popular things, mm-hmm. which is what they did. They just did. They they're like, oh look, here's a Frankenstein movie that's kind of weird and and stupid sounding. And it's bad, and let's talk about this one. Nobody talks about this. So that guy kind of missed the po- like, the point on that. Like they're trying to get spread the word about some of these other films that people might not know about or have seen, right? So I mean, yeah, it's even, just like you don't have to cover the most popular Frankenstein. Oh my Jesus Well, just Christ. because the film this didn't have funny. any significance, you know, in the industry, in the mainstream, or, you know, you can criticize how the film you want, but the point is they wanted to get it out there. And I understand where they're can coming from Can I read one completely. more thing, fellas? Yes. Yeah, one All second. Right. But at the same time, though, this guy does have a actual point to complain mm-hmm. because he pays for the magazine. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't have to buy it. I All don't right. see the point. But yeah. One more... One more article, fellas. I'll try and read it fast. But this is on Halloween 6. And I think it might be interesting to see if there's anything in this article that uh, talks about Halloween 6, the producer's cut, <laughs> and 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 things like that, what we see later on down the line. Because on the cover, it says, first news and photos. So it says, Halloween 6, there could be any number of reasons why it has been six years between Halloween movies for starters. Halloween 5 was not a very good film and performed below par at the box office. Executive producer, however, claims that the interest in the future adventures of Michael Myers has always been there, but that certain problems had to be ironed out. It has been legal and creative delays, he said, who won the rights to continue the series in a bidding war with John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. They wanted to put Michael in outer space, and early scripts for Halloween 6 made him out to be too much of a slasher. My idea of what a Halloween film should be has always been real people in real places and real jeopardy. He got his wish when an enthusiastic but unknown writer named Daniel Furans, who once delivered a story idea to the producer's office in the hands of someone dressed as the shape, conducted a strip that con- well, wrote a script that brought the franchise back to its roots and put Halloween 6 on the fast track. Directed by Joe Chappelle, the film begins with Jamie Lloyd, Danielle Harris's character from Halloween 4 and 5, now 16 and giving birth to Michael's child. So that stayed. Uh, the death rate mounts as she escapes with the baby with Michael and the mysterious man in black in pursuit. The chase ends in Haddonfield, where six years after 5's bloody offense, the townspeople are finally allowing themselves a tentative Halloween celebration. Other returning characters include a crazed Tommy Doyle back from the first Halloween, as well as the still-living Dr. Loomis. The cast is headed by Donald Pleasant as Loomis. Sadly, the popular actor died shortly after finishing work on the film at age 75. Kim Darby and Audrey Rose's Susan Swift also appear, with George Wilbur returning as the shape. Uh, John Berkshire created the FX for the $4 million film, which Merrimax will open through its dimension arm this October. Uh, the sequel was originally set to film in June 1994, but the aforementioned delays caused the 30-day shoot to take place in Salt Lake City's cold and snowy climate, beginning last Halloween night. Uh, Wilbur, who was disappointed about not taking part in Halloween 5, they wanted to go cheaper than they did in 4 and did not allow me to do it, he says, reveals that the infamous Myers mask is not as much William Shatner as it used to be, but to be good-natured stuntman actor Michael is still Michael. This is a Halloween movie, Wilbur chuckles. What can you really do differently? It's all pretty much the same thing. The the stalking and lurking, they're going into more scary and intense situations than before, and overall tone is keeping with four. Uh, Michael still has the ability to be where you don't expect him, and that will bring out the scares. 
The casualty rate will also be higher in the new film, he says. People could look forward to a body count of at least 20 in this one, Wilbur says. I get to wipe out an entire police station, and let's not forget that I get to be a papa this time. Although I not, I do not have my mask on during the love scene, he laughs. For Pleasance, the fifth time appeared to be the charm in terms of Loomis's character development. Loomis has finally given up the absurdity of constantly running around pretending that something strange is happening, he says. And is forced to admit that there is something psychic, uh, psychotic going on here and to finally embrace the occult. A self-proclaimed Halloween fanatic and authority, Ferenc is quick to point out the differences between his script and what was tran- what has previously transpired in previous films. This story is paced a hundred times faster and Michael is a Michael is a literal juggernaut, he says. I've basically uh, gone back to the fundamentals, the things that made the first Halloween work. This film is the dark corners, who is, who's in the basement and who's around the corner. There's more of an emphasis on suspense and a downplaying of blood and gore, although there will be some that, of that as well. Uh, and it, this is the last sentence. In addition, Ferrens promised that the more supernaturally themed Halloween 6 will tie up a few loose ends, and he teases at a stunner of a surprise ending. Uh, he gets stopped by rocks. Uh, I don't think it will be giving anything away to say that the ending has to do with Dr. Loomis and the true identity of the men in black. That's so it. wait, this was an interview before Halloween six came out. Uh, first news and photos. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. They gave away so much. Yeah. That's yeah. fucking unreal. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. They gave away the whole movie. Dude, that's yeah. crazy. Like they literally say that Mike, that, that, What's her face is pregnant with Michael's kid in that interview. Yeah, dude, yep. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, wow, they just <clears throat> like gave away a lot of major details. Yeah, it's, I just that's that was interesting. interesting. It's interesting they published that. Yeah, huh? yeah, Daniel. Well, of course they want to publish it. That probably got. I'm surprised Halloween Six wasn't on the cover. Um, but uh, Daniel Ferens, I believe he was a fan. Like he was a super fan, mm-hmm. and hmm. he and like he he like like made it his goal to make a Halloween movie. Um <laughs> that that like dude <laughs> I can't believe he talks about the twist ending about like what he's referencing is that yeah. Loomis becomes Michael Myers, but it makes no fucking sense because he's about to die. Yep. Oh <laughs> um, uh, that was a that was a bad idea. That was a yeah. bad idea. Okay. <laughs> These are the films coming out in nineteen ninety five. I'll f- f- speed up. Uh, almost dead from Monarch in 1995, uh, American's Deadliest Home Video, uh, Blackheart, Cyborg Soldier from New Line, uh, The Force, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, this is the lead edition, uh, Wes Craven's A New Nightmare, and The Fear. Hmm. Wes Craven's A New Nightmare, huh? <clears throat> yeah, and there's a. Uh, we were talking to me and Moods before you got on, JP. There's a lengthy article on Charlie Ban in this issue of Vangoria. Nice. It's about um, six pages and talks about everything that has to do with Charlie Ban. And I think that's it for. I wonder that if he now. mentions that he found something in a, a giant warehouse. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we were joking. We were joking about this, me and Moods. Uh, Freddy's 10th anniversary interactive calling card, limited collector's edition. Uh, everyone's dying to get this card, and now you can too. 
You can keep in touch with Freddy. Each card comes with its own personalized nightmare code so that you could call Freddy's toll-free 800 hotline to hear shocking tales of horror. You could also have the option to use your card for 15 minutes of local or long-distance calls anywhere in the U.S. This is the first card in the Nightmares collectible calling card series and is available for a limited time. So send $10 per card plus $2 shipping and handling to Starlog Press at 475 Park Avenue, New York, New York. What so, what is Freddy's hotline number? It just says toll free eight hundred hotline. Doesn't Shit. give the number. So um, if so if you want funny. one of these limited editions, keep dreaming, people. Do you guys remember calling cards? <laughs> Jesus and I still Christ. see them at airports. Really? Holy nope. shit. I didn't even know those were still a thing. Fifteen minutes. You got fifteen minutes of talk time. <laughs> Ten that, bucks. That's crazy, man. Crazy. Alright. What else? That should do it. No laser discs. Oh, uh, there is a funny ad that we were talking about before. With uh, there's a laser disc in here for uh, Eden Alive, the Berto Lindsay film. Oh, that one. Uh, Berto. That is ninety five ninety five plus shipping. 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 <laughs> he did it again. Shipping. <laughs> Not even on purpose. <laughs> shipping and handling. Um, we have great movies on VHS for nineteen ninety nine each. Uh, Blood Symbol, Bloodshed, Army of Darkness, Cat Eye, uh, Crawling Eye, Curse of Frankenstein, Deadly Spawn, Deep Red Hatchet Murders, Dream a Little Evil, Dungeon Master, Evil Dead, Haunting Fear, Hellraiser, Horrors of the Red Planet, Orgy of the Dead, Plan 9 from Outer Space, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Vampire Cop, uh, Voodoo Dolls, Warlock, and Sir, Sir Am. So nineteen ninety nine each. You can oh. order toll free at one eight hundred two three two six zero zero two. Orgy of the Dead. Wow, Vinegar Syndrome just dropped that Blu ray. Some Ed Wood shit right there. I heard it's awesome. That transfer is like insane. Dude, Vinegar Syndrome is the shit. <clears throat> uh, here's like a six page retrospective on Alligator. The Toby Hooper or the uh, fucking eighty one. Yeah, I love that movie. All right. So is that it for Dead Mail? Oh, wait. Here's some more video releases. Um, Lamora, A Child's Tale of the Supernatural. Uh, the Silence of the Hams, which me and Moods were talking about earlier. So funny. He says it's awesome. I've never seen <laughs> it. Have you seen that one? The Silence yeah. of the Hams? He says <laughs> uh, it's funny. It's pretty funny. Uh, um, Carnosaur 2. Yes. And, that, and that's it. So that's it. All right. Dead Mail. Yes, that is going to conclude Dead Mail. Yeah. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. They will say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not for shedding? I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? Have you checked the children? Children. What do we do? Why don't we just wait here for a little while? See what happens. Oh yeah, let's get into the dub 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 portion of the show. That is what Fucking we watched. That I Jesus, you let me finish. That is the what we watch portion of the show where we go round tree, do some reviews, give some terrible ratings, and then uh, we move it along. Who wants to start off today? JP? Yeah. Uh so <clears throat> let's see here where should i begin i've watched a lot you know what i will begin here 
because uh, this will probably be the longest one, so I figure I could start here. So obviously, I wanted to talk about Hatchet, aka Victor Crowley. Uh, I got to go see it with Adam Green, meet Adam Green, take a picture. I suck at pictures, by the way. Sorry. I know you look like a fucking redneck Mexican. Dude, 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 dude. You literally have the worst picture I've ever seen of all I time know. with Tony Todd. So you yeah. cannot <laughs> say anything. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> like, like my picture is a million times better than that one. Come on. <laughs> what? See how Jeremy got quiet? He's so buttered. <laughs> I just love the fact that he's had that picture at his uh, as his profile picture for how it's long? It's not his profile anymore. Yes. He has the one where he's standing in, in no, front of the No, that he had it as his profile and, picture. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, he has that one where he looks just nearly as bad, except for it doesn't have Tony Todd, so it's worse. Um, but <laughs> so I went to – this was a – like, okay, let me just prefix, prefix this by saying – this was my favorite experience ever inside of a theater. Um, it was just an experience. Like, that's what it was, you know. We went to Pittsburgh, and turns out this place is really easy to get to. It's like a straight line for about an hour. And then um, it's like in a weird part. It's not like in Pittsburgh, but it's like in another, like near Pittsburgh. Uh, so. We get there. First of all, I've been to this theater before. This is where I've seen Phantasm and Phantasm 5. Which, by the way, Phantasm was my previous favorite experience in a theater. Uh, this place is just a good theater. It's non-profit, which I just found out about. It's been around since, like, literally... Oh, dude, I don't even know. It's, a, it's like some crazy amount of time. Um, but... It's one of the theaters that, like, the setup is, is so nice. It's, like, beautiful. It's, like, an old theater, you know what I mean? And it's got a, like, basement where the bathrooms are and stuff like that. Um, it's just, it's just a, and a, a, it's, like, kind of art housey. Like, it's just an amazing theater, you know? It's, like, a good experience. Like, you feel at home there. Um, and they do all kind of movies. Like, they're doing Takashi Miike's new film, his 100th one. They're doing uh, screenings of Texas Chainsaw next week. Um, they have a new movie called Kill Me Please, which is uh, like a festival circuit type movie. Um, they, they're showing Nosferatu and The Hitchhiker. Um, they have an organ? What's that? Do they have an organ? Probably. I don't even know. That would be hmm. cool to find out. Yeah. Those, those are always cool. You get the yeah, chance. Well, they, I know that they have like some movies where they have live music with it. I don't know if that means, you know. Yeah, that usually means organ. Yeah? Yeah, if it's silent. If it, is it the older movies, usually? Yeah, like... Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Um, originally opened as a silent cinema in the 1920s. So this place has been around forever. You know what I mean? Which I didn't even know we had something this cool. Uh, and so, which I've, since I've been doing this podcast, I've been finding all kind of cool stuff around my area, which I, I had no idea about. Uh, but so we go there and it's, I ordered my tickets online because I was scared it was going to sell out. And we, we stand in line. Um, they eventually open the doors. We go inside pretty packed. Um, that it's like a bring your own beer type place and like they also have these cool like local um pops you guys say pop right 
Mm-hmm. Thank God. Um, yes. And and like you know cherry and ginger root and like all these like like fun flavors and stuff like that. So I always get like two of those just because like I, I like supporting the place. Their popcorn is only like four dollars. You know what I mean? Like it's not like an insane amount. It's not like eight dollars. You know, ten dollars, twelve dollars. That's what I pay. Um, like eight it's, bucks. <laughs> yeah, it's actually affordable. Like drinks, and you gotta actually go there and and get drinks and popcorn for relatively. We would try and go see the Larry Cohen documentary at my theater in November. It's playing. Yeah. I wanna go see that um, shit. So that you know, and we we go into the theater and then uh, we wait a little bit, and they they have like a, a, a playlist clearly designed by Adam Green. Like it's like. Um, Aerosmith and uh, you know the songs that he uses in Holliston and the the Movie Crit podcast like they just keep cycling through Love It Down Your Throat by Lance Rocket from Holliston and all this stuff and then Adam Green comes out and he introduces um, the film like he talks about why he he did the film because for a long time he was like no I'm not doing another hatchet not doing another hatchet and this was probably one of the more interesting things about the whole experience is how he decided to do another hatchet basically when Wes craven died it hit him really hard and he started looking at his filmography and he's like he's like what the fuck have we even done he said like everybody his age every every new filmmaker that of his era was looking at their work like like these legends are dying and like we've done fucking nothing and like he was just like kind of bummed out about it and um, he hosted a panel with George Romero, um, where he w- basically interviewed George Romero at some convention. And, um, basically he was saying, asking, you know, talking to George beforehand, like saying like, you guys made all these great movies and we've made, you know, shit. And, uh, George was like, yeah, well, how do you think we felt like we were living up to like, uh, Hitchcock and, uh, um, stanley kubrick you know what i mean like like those were like crazy like our films were nothing compared to them you know what i mean and like he said that george was like well when are you gonna just give the people you know you have like look what you all you have like you have this massive following you have all these people who who love your stuff and like it's even bigger than what we had and he was like when are you just gonna give them what they want with like another hatchet film and he's like oh no i'm not doing another hatchet he's like yeah blah blah and then he like i guess george like pointed out to the group and he's like look hatchet shirt hatchet shirt hatchet shirt like all these people wearing hatchet shirts and different things like that and like it kind of like just put things in perspective and then like then that was the last time adam talked to george because he obviously passed away like right after that um and he said that like that's what kind of convinced him to do another hatchet film next he said right when george i think i don't know if he said when it wasn't when george died it might have been when right after that conversation he went back to his hotel and he re- he started writing the next hatchet um and then all and then he wanted to surprise everybody with it which i loved like that's what i talked to him about i was like dude this is funny because like after we watched the movie everybody got a chance to meet him and talk to him he's like i wanted to shake everybody's hand and you know you guys are the ones who make these things successful he talked a little bit about pirating too and how like it greatly affects stuff blah blah blah, you know and that's probably why they're not doing a digging up the marrow too because it did not make enough money to to get a sequel because it was like self-finance kind of and um but it was funny because then I started talking to him at the end, and I was like, "Dude, I love how you did this movie. 
like we because he was joking while he was doing the intro he's like yeah you see a trailer and then a teaser trailer and then a teaser poster like all these things before you get to actually see the movie and i was like dude i you know i have this podcast and we literally joke about that all the time we, like we like we literally stopped watching trailers because you see too much stuff and I was like, I really love how you did this, where it's like, oh, here's another Hatchet movie. Like, you didn't even know it was happening. Now you can, it, you don't have to worry about it getting made or getting funding, or it doesn't, you don't have to worry about selling posters three years later and finally delivering on your Indiegogo campaigns. Like, you just have it done. Here it is. Boom. And then he was like, yeah, absolutely. He's like, I was just, I saw, he's like, I don't know if you saw the trailer to um, Better Watch Out. It, it, but they're like they show the whole movie i was like dude i literally just watched that movie and then i remembered that it wasn't out yet <laughs> and he looked at me weird i was like no like i had a screener like an actual copy i'm pretty sure he did not believe me by the way well so i should have told like, him to listen to the 20 shots of movies and horror podcast oh no way i felt so shitty afterwards because i was like no, no 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 i swear i was like this is a screener i just did a review on it like my, in my review i because it was funny because in my review of that film i literally say i'm not going to tell you guys anything about the plot other than this basic setup because i don't want to spoil anything and I was telling, I was trying to tell him that in my review, like I was literally just talking about not spoiling things for people, like because and even the director thanked me for not spoiling it. He he yeah. he tweeted at me, uh, of the better watch out. So like I was like I forgot that the director had done that, so I didn't even get to tell Adam that. But it was like I felt like I just sunk, you know what I mean? Because the look he gave me was like I can't believe you just said that to my face, you know what I mean? After I just said this pirate stuff, I was like, oh, I hope he believes me, man. But it was brutal. But it was an awesome experience. I, I love I love that. Now there was a Q and A afterwards and stuff like that. Um, uh, he did ask everybody to not reveal anything, like any type of like cameos or characters or anything like that. So uh, basically, Hatchet Four f- is set ten years after the original trilogy because all three of those films happen in like one or two nights, and then also it follows Perry Shen's character, who was the last surviving person in in uh, Hatchet Three. And basically now he's like, it's kind of like the Dr. Loomis effect where he's like trying to sell his story of what happened. And he's like on a book tour or something like that. And, and, you know, basically somehow gets through, you know, means gets thrown back into the situation along with other people. Um, So I will say this, this film is definitely the smallest feeling hatchet. It's like they dialed everything back, you know, like hatchet one came out. And then Hatchet 2, they had to do everything bigger, double the kills. Hatchet 3, same thing. It's like they took a step back and was like, all right, we need to like take a deep breath and like just make a, a basic Hatchet movie again because we got too big. You know what I mean? You can't top that, so you have to take a step back. Um, and it does feel like that. It's more contained, actually. It's, like a, it's almost like a contained horror film in a way. Uh, I'll say this. The laughs are maybe the best in the series. Um, it's really funny at times, you know what I mean? Hatchet was never a horror film outright, you know, it's always been a horror comedy from the beginning, so people should expect that. Um, it's really funny, unfortunately, in the Q&A, this is crazy, I could not believe this, my favorite scene of the movie, like the funniest scene, Adam said, we'll probably not make the final cut, that scene and another scene. 
And I was blown away because I was like, that's literally the funniest scene. (laughs) And the reason is, is because, and he was like, really didn't want to say this. So I'm probably doing him a disservice by saying it because it probably could get him in in a little bit of shit. But basically, Dark Sky doesn't want those scenes in because they could be offensive. Oh, fuck. Jesus Christ. This whole politically correct bullshit is fucking One of the things, if you knew the scene, dude, if you knew the scene of one of them, it is literally a social commentary on that exact thing. And it's like not not that exact thing, like something offensive, but like double standards and stuff like that. And I'm like, I already know I'm going to love it because I love that shit. So, well, you might not see it. So, um, <laughs> no, I meant the, spe- I meant the special. I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess they won't put that out. Fuck, lame. Yeah, uh, like the, the. I don't even know if it'll make any like unrated edition or anything because like don't they normally just release the hatchets unrated anyway? So like if the yeah. scene is. So I don't know. Like it's it's a long scene. It's funny though, man. It it cracked me up. Um, I I think that this is like I'm not gonna say that this is the best hatchet. Um, it's not even probably the second best hatchet, but I think it's probably tied for like third best hatchet out of the four. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I would say that it's up there with like if you if hatchet one is your favorite and hatchet three is your second favorite, I'd say it's like right there with hatchet two. Um. It, I think at the end of the day, Uh-oh. like it is just another hatchet film. Yeah. Like it feels like it. It doesn't really add a ton new to the mythology or story, but I will say that it's. I I can't say everything that I want to say, but it if there are more hatchet films, it could get pretty cool. Hmm. If there are, so it's setting things up for potential goodness. Is what maybe. you're saying? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I'm gonna. I, I didn't rate it in my review, but I would probably come in at like a seven point five. Is that where you came in about Hatchet Two? I can't remember the ratings. I think so. I think I was. I think I was seven point five on Hatchet Two. Hmm. That's eh, not really what I wanted to hear. <laughs> no, I mean, but we'll see. Yeah, it's it's a it's really like, dude. You can tell that this one had way less money. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I couldn't believe what they pulled off. For like, they, there's some really good scenes in it. It's just dialed back, is mm-hmm. what the thing is. Like, it's just like there's only there's it's a small cast. There's not we a be huge... happy we got another one in the first. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm not yeah, yeah. Especially, definitely support this because. I truly believe if this is supported, we'll get another trilogy of hatchet films. Mm-hmm. What? Well, that's cool, man. You that's cool. You don't want another trilogy of hatchet films? No, I. Oh, is that Jeremy? I was talking to Jeremy. Yeah, I would watch uh, another trilogy. Oh, Ten Green. So. Mm. That's what I'm just curious to see if it happens. That's why. Oh, I'm... you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I can tell you that if it's successful, it probably will happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of my that, favorite things about six hatchets. Come on, <laughs> see, I getting like, into crazy numbers. I love how the you know in part three how it did get so big and kind of over the top and shit. I I don't know, so I can see right from what you said. I'm I mean I'm not gonna be disappointed knowing what I'm getting myself into, but yeah, it, it's you but, can, you know. if you like the hatchet movies, you literally can't not like this one because mm-hmm. it's 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 a hatchet movie through and through, okay. with some great scenes. Kane Hodder's awesome. There's actually one or two scares in the movie too that actually like I jumped 
And I was like, oh. Like, one of them reminded me of, um, oh, the Chainsaw 2 scare. I wonder if he lifted that from that. Huh. Don't <laughs> know chain- until I see it, boss. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. All right, cool, that's man. My, that's my first one, obviously. I had to talk about that. Cool. That so cool, man. So fun. Yeah. Awesome. Um, all right, I'll go next here. Uh, this is a Patreon pick. I can't remember who did this one or who requested this one, but I'm sure Jeremy, or I'm sure you guys know once I say the title of the film. Uh, it's from 2012, and it's called The Aggression Scale. It's directed by Stephen C. Miller, who... Um, Was that Sam? I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm not sure who did this one. Um he actually did a film called Automaton Transfusion, like back in 2005 or that six. That was a Dimension Extreme. Yeah, yeah, and it was like really, really low budget, almost like shot on video type thing. Um, but I, I, I do know his name from the movie Under the Bed and, of course, Silent Night, which is kind of a reboot of Silent Night, Deadly Night. Not exactly like a remake. I don't know why we never saw another one of those. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I wish we did. But this guy actually. Um, yeah, that Silent Night film came out in 2012 along with this one, and Under the Bed. So, that's interesting that he managed to do those three films in the same year. <laughs> it's crazy, you don't see that very often from a director. It's pretty wild stuff. But, uh, I'm going to go out and say, first of all, this is an interesting pick for the show, because the aggression scale is by definite... Oh, defin- it was a fan of Eli who picked that one for you. Okay. This film right here is definitely not a straight-up horror film. It has horror elements. It feels way more like a like a crime thriller, in a sense. Um, but I'll get into it here. Basically, this one is about... Uh, Ray Wise plays a... Uh, he's a mobster. He just got out of jail. And he realizes right when he gets out of jail that he's missing $500,000. So he's got a bunch of goons that obviously work for him and stuff. And he's pissed off about this. And he has no idea who's taking the money. But the guys have assembled a list of potential suspects who probably took the money. So, And they literally have a sheet of paper. <laughs> and so Ray Wise says to them, he's like, well, I want everybody dead. Just start picking off people one by one. Take pictures of their death. Bring it to me and find the money. Just essentially, just process of elimination, find the fucking money. So these goons end up doing this. We see a bunch of murders. And then they end up at this house with uh, where this this kid his name is owen he's obviously got some mental issues um he has just been released from this mental hospital and his family's just moved into this home so they go in there looking for the money and then all fucking hell breaks loose so you can kind of dub this film it's a very simple uh, premise to the film it's right away watching this movie i was like this is a rated r version of home alone that's all it is it's you know these guys go in they kill the mom and the kids fight back, along with his older sister, which is actually his stepsister. And, you know, and the setup in the film, you know, is that this kid's got mental problems and you start to learn things about the kid throughout the film. So they do kind of sell it on that level. It's not like they didn't showcase this kid being a mental case. And all of a sudden he's like, you know, fucking Macaulay Culkin on crack, you know. Um so they do kind of give you that information, which is cool. The script wasn't overly that bad. Uh, things I liked about this film is that, you know, it's a simple premise. There's, it's pretty gory, man. It's pretty violent and vicious for what it is. I mean, these guys aren't fucking around, man. Like, they're going up to these guys who are potential, uh, you know, the potential people that stole this money and shit. And they're just fucking blowing their heads off and shit. So I thought that was pretty cool, man. Pretty violent shit. Actually, one of the goons in this film is uh, played by Derek Mears. Um, we all know him, but it's 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 interesting to see him in a role like this. He kind of plays more of like a back character. Like he's got a few lines in the film and stuff. Is 
acting is pretty dry, to be honest, and which kind of leads me to the overall acting in this film. I love the premise of the film, but I think what hurt this film is the acting. A little bit, like, some of the acting was a little bit missed for me, and these type of, like, you know, these thrillers, these films that are played dead serious and things, you need to be able to sell it by acting well. And maybe it's a good thing that Owen, the little boy in this film, I don't know, he's like 14 years old, he's not that little, but he's like 14 maybe, He's actually doesn't talk. That was probably by design because he probably sucked at acting. <laughs> so they made him like a mute. He wasn't mute. He just don't talk. He just didn't talk because he was pissed off at his father for moving the family out there and things. So he doesn't talk, but he really doesn't say anything even when shit gets going, which actually doesn't really make a lot of sense. But, but all in all, it's the kid getting revenge on these guys. And there's a lot of fucking booby traps in this movie. A lot of booby, booby traps. Trap. Booby traps. Booby, booby traps. And so <laughs> right away, I always, every time I see... Every time I see booby traps in a film, I always think of JP and how much he hates booby traps in movies. Booby I mean, trap. it makes sense in this movie because he's trying to get revenge. And he obviously can't go one-on-one in a fist fight with these guys. So he's got to do something else, hence the booby traps. So, you know, carnage ensues. And, you know, all in all, the film is a little bit predictable. I mean, you know where it's going to go. I mean, it's probably not going to have that shocking ending where, you know, this happens and... Um, but it was decent. It was a decent film. I liked the blood and gore. I like these type of films. They didn't really hold back on a lot of that type of stuff. It was pretty, pretty gnarly in that aspect, but not truly, not really a lot of substance to the film, but it was still a fun ride. I'm going to give it a six and a half out of 10. It wasn't great. I think the acting definitely knocked it down, you know, more than the point for me at least. Cause I can't stand that dude. When guys are trying to be dead serious in a film and the acting sucks, you're like, really? Come on, man. You can sell better than that shit, man. Yeah, Derek Mears had he's had better moments in his and yeah, so six and a half out of ten. It was it was a decent watch, not a full blown horror film, but I do recommend it. Some people might like it a lot more than I did. It was a fun ride if you like these type of films, so check it out. All right, let's finish this shit up. Uh, Filing shit three, Zombie Doom from the year nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. This one's a little bit better than Violent Shit 1 and 2, but that's like saying a fucking golden turd is better than a regular turd. Um, synopsis is a group of friends get lost at sea and land on a remote island, but they are not alone. Captured by Carl the Butcher Jr. and his father, these men are subjected to a sadistic version of the most dangerous game, which is like we see that in part two where they're basically just going around hunting people down and killing them in long and shitty scenes uh brought on by the butcher shitters and their army of metal mass killers so this is from 1999 so uh the quality on this one is a little bit up there uh more than part one and two but that isn't saying much the major problems that i had with part one and two is that there was absolutely no plot whatsoever and they were just fucking murdering people in horrible ways in slow motion but this one there's a little bit at least of a plot line where we're like on this island and uh carl the butcher jr and his father are fucking people up i mean it's basically the same shit that we see in the other two films but it's a little bit more a higher quality because the time evolves and they got a better fucking camera this time around so it doesn't look like shit and, um, you know, the, the gore is always going to be what you expect with these movies. It's fucking top-notch, just insanely ridiculous uh, what you expect from a shot-on shitty-o film. 
And that's basically about it with Violent Shit 3, you know. There's nothing really that much more to say about it besides the fact that it's the same of the first two, but more of a plot and better effects. Uh, uh, 5 out of 10 for Violent Violent Shit 3 Zombie Doom from the year 1999. I think it's fucking batshit crazy, man. (laughs) That was nuts, man. But yeah, I know it definitely has a little bit of a better quality to it, but yeah, it's it's a batshit one. So... Shit. What did you give it's that rating? Sh- five. Five. Five? Wow. Give it a passer. Interesting. Yeah. I'm happy I'm right. done with the file and shit films, you know? <laughs> Those are getting are. a little bit harder. I bet you are, I man. mean, but next month isn't going to be any better, but at least I'm done with those. Yeah, but, you know, it's them. also a spoof, right? So. Even though, you know, I am curious about file and shit for Carl the Butcher versus Axe from the year 2010. See, he just got. Like, do you see what just happened here? Like, he's legitimately curious about a fourth violent shit film just because now he's already watched three of them. Pretty much. Yep. I want to see what Carl the Butcher Jr. and this axe dude. I still haven't even seen that one yet. I don't own it. Uh, that's funny. All right. So, um, let's move on here. And this one is a Patreon pick. Who picked this one for me? Uh, let me see if I can find that out. Um, I, I feel we need to let me, remind me to write these down next time, guys, just so we know. I know I'm bad with that um, too. I always like, okay, what are my Patreon picks? And then I forget who gave them to me. I feel like such a I want to say that this was either Matt Janoski, uh, Matt Janoski, I think. I think this was Matt. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Matt. I think Matt Janoski gave me this one. Janikowski. <laughs> um, this is Last Girl Standing from 2015, um, which got its wide release in 2016. So this is one of those films that this happens from time to time where we do a year of podcasting, a year of watching, and we do our top ten list. And I always wonder whenever i watch a movie that i know came out the year before that i seen on list i'm like oh man i hope this one wouldn't have made my list um but then at the same time i kind of do because then at least that means i'm getting a good movie um and i was wondering that about this film because this is one that this was like one of the last like three movies that i had on my list that i didn't get to like in terms of like ranking from like most important this was like in the top three of the ones that i didn't get to and um it basically it's a very cool concept so it's basically um a final girl like so it the movie opens like at the climax of a slasher film that we haven't seen as an audience right it's like the idea that that this is the end scene and it looks just like something that you would see in a slasher film like being the the end battle or whatever and this girl survives um, then she goes back to her regular life. And this is basically a story of what happens to a final girl, quote unquote, once she is put back into society. So let's say Marilyn Burns from Texas Chainsaw screams off in the truck at the end. Well, what happens to her when she isn't goes back to her like job? Isn't that going to be like the I Spit on Your Grave new film? Isn't that supposed to be like this? Which, by the way, I'm which just, I read. that is actually done. Is that film done? That new I Spit on Your Grave? I don't know. That sounds like from what I read on the synopsis. I think it is. Yep. Dude, that's crazy. You have a sequel to the original franchise with the three remake 
films as well <laughs> in an unofficial sequel let's do the i spit on your grave franchise oh um, yeah i already wrote a fucking yes i think it was six thousand word essay on that film so i much, really don't want so to much, talk about so much rape anymore. talk in this episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh this girl goes back to so it's like what would happen if if marilyn burns or or any of those final girls um sally hardesty hardiston Honestly, uh, went and did her, you know, regular life at the laundromat, and that's basically what this film is. It's an attempt at that of showing you how they cope, how they are fearful of things, how they uh, envision it happening again. Um, and this one basically follows this girl, like she's like kind of like obviously damaged goods, and uh, this guy kind of likes her, who also works at the laundromat. He brings her into a circle of friends. Um, and basically she's attacked again by, uh, the killer who they never found, I believe, or they, no, they did find, and he, um, they buried him, quote unquote. So, uh, she believes he is back again for revenge. Um, honestly, like, I, I thought this was such a cool concept. The opening is great. The idea is fantastic. Like I like following the the character like after she's been through this huge ordeal. The only problem is it's extremely predictable, like extremely predictable. You know what I mean? And uh, this film kind of relies on like a, a second half um, reveal, which me even saying that means you probably know what happens. Uh, and I think that's the only problem with this movie is that it really fails in in that department because you like know what's going on immediately like uh, like immediately you know what's going on huh. and um i think that that hurts the movie but it's still a decent fun watch would not have made my top 10 uh music's good uh shot well looks good um i think it's on shutter i think um and i think that's where i watch it uh i give it a seven out of ten <clears throat> Cool, seven out of ten. Yeah, I was Have curious. You seen that song? No, I didn't see that one last year, but I was curious about it. I'm with you though. Yeah, I, cool, I saw, I saw really it on cool some lists. Yeah, I saw it on some lists, and it just bypassed me. So, yeah. Um, all right. So moving along here. Uh, next up here is another Patreon pick. I'm assuming Matt maybe picked this one for me. I'm not sure, or maybe he didn't give me one. I don't know. Who gave me the 2014 film called Chubbies? Anyone know who picked this? I, I think that was Matt Janikowski. Okay. So that's cool. All right. So uh, Chubby's from 2014. Uh, basically, this one starts out on the planet Snurd. <laughs> <laughs> and the planet Snurd is, you know, this faraway planet from Earth. And uh, the thing about Snurd is that sex has been outlawed on the planet. So the way they pre-produce is by artificial insemination. Anyways, long story short, um, it also houses humans and, you know, little creatures called chubbies. And the thing with these chubbies is that they're, like, super sexually active, like, but they managed on Snurd somehow to, like, create this atmosphere that kind of suppresses the urges of having sex and stuff. Um, the chubbies, they end up doing some bad things. They get prosecuted. And they're being <laughs> sent. They, yeah, they're literally in jail. Um, <laughs> along with this this lawyer, and um, so he does some shit and he's getting locked up. But anyways, they're on their way to Planet Three, 
to the prison planet, which is totally a reference to fucking Alien 3. It's so funny. Anyways, they're on their way there, and, you know, the lawyer starts feeling bad about the Chubbies being sent there and stuff, so he kind of gives them a break, they escape, and they end up killing the pilot. So now this, the spaceship's going down, it gets diverted over to Earth, crashes in Earth, where now the Chubbies are, like, in their prime, man. Like, this is awesome, because they're super sexually active, and their whole goal in life is to reproduce. And how they do it is by going into your orifices, whether it be your butthole or your vagina, and, you know... If they get into you, they fucking, they start reproducing and, you know, you turn into zombies and they reproduce and they're going to take over the world. They're kind of like rabbits in a sense. So, of course, this guy, he crashes onto Earth with them. um, And then he's told from his superiors that, hey, you know, since uh, you're there with them, if you subdue, you know, neutralize the situation and when you come back, you don't have to do any of your time and shit. So he's like, fuck yeah, let's kill the chubbies. So it's actually set on Halloween night where these people that work in this bowl are having a party. You know, the boss goes home early, which is a fucking hilarious subplot in the film, actually. Uh, so the boss goes home early, so they decide, yeah, let's have the party in the bowling alley. These chubbies get in, all hell breaks loose. So that's your story for chubbies. My thoughts on this one, it's a small little creature feature film. You don't get to see a whole lot of these. Uh, mostly practical effects. I really like the look of the chubbies in this film. They're so much fun. They're like these... They look like little mad balls in a sense, man. <laughs> that kind of slither around and shit. Um, it's pretty much exactly what you're going to get. It's very, very goofy. There's one guy that plays like five or six different characters. A lot of the characters back on Snurd, which I actually find to be the most annoying part of the film because I hate all the characters he plays. He plays like the judge. He plays like the jury. You know, he plays like everybody kind of thing. And those scenes, I feel, don't add a lot. I mean, we can... <sighs> If they had to just, you know, condense those down a little bit, not, not had them so long, because this movie runs actually quite long. It's about 100 minutes. And I feel like those things kind of take you out of the film. Obviously, with a storyline like this, it's a little bit of a comedy. There's a lot of funny ass moments and shit like this, but it's, you know, it's goofy all around. The acting is actually a lot better in this movie than I was ever anticipating it to be. I've seen this one before, so, and I couldn't quite remember everything. I thought I'd reviewed this on the show before, but I guess I didn't. I lucked Yeah, I thought, I think you might have did it on. <clears throat> like body bags or something. I remember you talking about this. One. Yeah, so I actually went and looked into the into the ratings. I was like, wait, there's no rating for it. So I was like, okay. Um, so I, was, I wasn't 100% sure I was going to hold up because I remember liking the film. But yeah, this one does definitely suffers from being an indie film where the director doesn't want to edit out anything. <laughs> and actually, the director's in this film. He plays the owner of the bowling alley. And his subplot in the film is fucking hilarious. He's like this douchebag owner of this bowling alley that always gets off early every Halloween just to fuck with kids. Like, he just fucks with kids, man. It's so funny. Um, So, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, effects are pretty cool in this. For the most part, like I said, they're practical. There's a little bit of CG. But I think the CG parts are actually meant to be a little bit comical, too. Because it's just the way it's done. You have to see it. But uh, So that's kind of cool, man. There's pretty decent body count and shit. A lot of pretty decent laughs and stuff. Um, All in all, it's actually a pretty fun film. I mean, if you can get past the running time, I I think that's just really what kind of hurts. So you do kind of look at your watch a couple times and stuff. So... Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's a fun one though, man. Halloween film, definitely one that hasn't been saw a lot. I, apparently it got like a decent release from Troma. I have the indie release that I picked up at Wasteland. So I think you can get it on Troma. It's, I see a picture for it anyways, but all in all, man, it's a fun little stupid film. I'm going to give it about a six out of 10. Check it out. I mean, if you like small little creature features, is it better than Hobgoblins? Is it better than Hobgoblins? I would probably say yes. Hobgoblin goblins is terrible. <laughs> I know. I gave it a three out of ten. <laughs> yeah, Hobgoblins is fucking terrible. Yeah, Chubby's I think is is a lot more fun to be honest than it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, speaking of which, that was actually Matt 
uh, Jankowski's pick mm. for you, uh, who, by the way, has won one of the Phantasm sets, uh, which which is pretty cool because he's been a long Patreon supporter um, since we launched, I believe. So that's very awesome. Um, and uh, I'll get that out to you, bro, um, whenever, probably next week, honestly, I should be able to do it. So, um, yeah, so, Jeremy. All right. Let's do these two films that Mr. Matt asked me to watch for you guys because JP's a lazy asshole and he's too busy in October to fucking watch anything. So I'm, w- I'm a lot more busy than you. Let's be fair. This is from uh, 2007, and it is, I think, all three of us is most disturbing film we've ever watched, which says a lot for all of us, and that is uh, The Girl Next Door. So I saw this film back in the day probably 10 years ago when it first came out my adolescent mind was untwisted with fucked up things that would soon to come in my viewing library Uh, i haven't really watched that many two messed up movies at the time so this one was quite of a shocker when i first saw it and uh i haven't seen it since because i never wanted to watch it again because it's just a very hard movie to sit through very just insanely disturbing fucking movie and I was really thinking uh, this time around, was it going to have the same effect on me now that I'm a little bit more a of a matured uh, viewer, even though I'm still uh, have the same mentality and same mindset as I did back then. But uh, yeah, this movie still is fucking just an absolutely brutal fucking movie surrounded by a cast that is like top notch. Like, I don't know uh, why people don't talk about this movie uh actor wise as much as they do as the disturbing part of the film because the whole cast is so fucking good for a group of kids they do a really 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 fucking brilliant job in a uh situation that they probably themselves haven't been able to fully grasp what's you know what's really going on um and auntie ruth does a really great job as well so we basically follow this family in 1958 they uh, take in a uh, two cousins whose parents died in a car accident. I mean, that's what we figure out. They really don't say how they died, but they died. And uh, one of them has polio or what looks like polio. She has crutches and things like that. And the other one, of course, is uh, standing up for the other one who has a, this disease. And Auntie Ruth and her boys are pretty deprived. Uh, we learned that Auntie Ruth's husband and the father to these kids deprived. Thanks. <laughs> they left. No, and that's the wrong word. What? What's? What's the right word? Depraved. Oh, okay. Depraved. I uh, think. I, I was. I, I thought I was doing all right. <laughs> Better than I usually do with reviews. Uh, we learned that her husband got up and left. And she is pretty much uh, tries to teach these boys the real way to look at the world, which is pretty fucked up. And what they end up doing, they end up torturing the uh, older girl in the basement. And the kids just think it's a game because they're so young and they have nothing to uh, go off on in the world at this time. And fuck, what's the kid's name who we see through the eyes? But we just we we see this whole this whole ordeal through this kid's eyes who 
who is the neighbor of Auntie Ruth and these boys, and he thinks what they're doing is wrong. He has a thing for this girl, and you know he's basically the the uh, the right in the wrong kind of situation. It's still just a is he though? I mean, does he have the balls oh, to stand up? The classic JP. I mean, but is he though? <laughs> I mean, he was going to tell his parents what was going on. Uh, a few days before what happens at the end of the film. So I think he did, he was going to stand out for what he was, but I think that he didn't have uh, enough courage. Yeah, it's, it's, <clears throat> this is a story, I've read the book recently too. Um, you listened to the book recently. No, I actually read the book. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Look at this guy. Yeah, read. I He's read reading. it. Um, <clears throat> the movie is like very close with the book. Um, but I think in the book they they really stress more that he's kind of a they stress more that he's not that as innocent mm-hmm. like he could have done more um, I think they even make him like more of a like kind of a bad character not bad but like I can't remember now but I've always looked at it like I know that it's supposed to come across like oh he was just so helpless but really what it what it should be is um a failure like he failed completely like Mm -hmm. he he did not do anything and he had multiple opportunities to do something um but i think they want you in the movie to more look at it like like he was the victim yeah but no he shouldn't be he, yeah. he should not be justified that way, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, man, this movie—it's a deep film. Like, like I think there's definitely a lot of stuff here that uh, is feature review worthy. I think. That oh yeah, it's, uh, it's a film that we could dig into a whole bunch about, uh, you know, mindsets of society and how society looks at people who may be one way, but they're actually another way and things like that. Uh, you know, like JP just talked about in innocence and not being innocent situations like this and things like that. I mean, it's just a brutal fucking movie. And it, and, and I still think it's the most fucked up movie I've ever sat through and watched. I think just simply because it's, it's, it's anti Ruth's performance of just, uh, 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 she really believes what she doing what she's doing is right and that's what's most fucked up about the movie is like in her mind what she's doing to her 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 niece is just is justified because of her past experiences with her husband and how he she was treated i would assume uh with how she now has to fend off for herself with these boys without anybody like uh our main protagonist's father who seems to be you know has his own problems but at least is there for our main character so it's just uh absolutely fantastic fucking movie it's such a a great well-made film uh if you could sit through the most fucked up parts of the movie there's a lot of substance here i i really love this movie a lot uh so i'll give it a high nine and a half out of ten on this one nice cool i nice. really loved it this time around <clears throat> yeah yeah it's it's a it's a powerful good movie i agree yeah. um <clears throat> all right moving on here uh <clears throat> sorry man <clears throat> Jesus. Too, huh? what's that got some coming your throat too just like moods <laughs> guys are sharing yeah so um basically uh my next one also a patreon uh, uh it's evil dead trap from 1988 
<clears throat> had a rough time watching this one. Um, <clears throat> Jesus. By watching three violent shit films. Yeah. Um, basically, this film, uh, 1988, uh, it's actually part of a trilogy, which I didn't know about. Um, which is funny because I, I was telling Moods, this is why I thought of this. I was like, we should just start writing down every trilogy and franchise we ever come across just so we have a reference point whenever yeah. we want to pick a new one. Um, but basically, there is a TV station uh, employee who gets sent like a tape uh, that looks to be like some sort of snuff film or something like that. Uh, they decide to go investigate where this snuff film is coming from. And uh, they go to this like giant factory thing. And basically, they're kind of like haunted, essentially, kind of. And <clears throat> all these people are dying off in this. This crew is dying off um, <clears throat> in in different ways. Like, man, there was one way that was really funny. Like these, like spikes, just these like wooden spikes just start coming through the wall and like just <laughs> impaling this girl. I'm like, what the hell? <clears throat> this movie is very very weird um it's visually just like all over the place it reminds me of like something like not as crazy as house the uh, japanese film but like just like along the same lines is like you're kind of just like wondering like okay like what is this like how is this like why is all these things happening um i didn't really I, like to be fair like i didn't i didn't really get this movie a whole lot like i was like Derek had to explain a lot to me what was going on. Like, I didn't understand how they even knew where the snuff film came from. Um, do you know Moods? Oh, dude, I can't remember the fine details of this at all. It's been years since yeah, I've seen I, it. And honestly, like, um, I watched this at work, and uh, I was a little distracted a couple times. I, and I was kind of out of it a little bit. I was like, I, by the time we, I was like halfway through the movie, I was like, what the hell is going on here? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I had I, Derek actually filled me in on a lot of it. Um, because there's like this twist type ending thing that I'm not I, like, he, even when he explained it to me, I'm like, I'm still not sure this makes a hundred percent sense. <clears throat> I, I think that these type of movies like are more style over, over substance. Um, I think that the the appeal of this movie though is is it actually looks pretty cool. Like there's some cool stuff happening. Like it's like raining indoors at one point, and like there's like all these like electrical like explosion things <laughs> out of nowhere and shit like that. Uh, it's just it's an oddity for sure. I I, <clears throat> I didn't. These are not my type of movies at all. Like I did not <laughs> I did not love these movies, but I did find this one. Um, very uh visually pleasing like it was the the stuff that was happening it was a little long it was like an hour and 42 i think and it was a little long and there was some parts where it was like dragging a little bit like where the characters would sit there and start talking and stuff like that but like when the when like that girl got impaled with the spike things and and you know the explosions and different stuff like that that was cool and honestly like the score is really good um it Derek said it's like a goblin ripoff, which I totally can kind of see. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and uh, apparently it's like very Italian influenced to begin with. Um, and yeah, I don't know, man. It, it's like it's one that I definitely would benefit from a second watch. I believe Synapse put it out on DVD, um, but 
I'm just gonna come in at a seven out of ten on on this one. It it's a it's a good attempt at some weird shit. I'll say that it's definitely weird. It's definitely um, it's entertaining. That's the one thing that I'll say. I just don't think that the story is good. Yeah, I think from what I can remember, it's been shit, man. It's been three or four years since I've seen it at least. I think it is slightly a little bit confusing from what I remember. But I mean, that happens a lot in the in these J horror films. Right? I mean, the stories yeah, are I always mean, a little bit convoluted, but yeah. Most of the time, it's like, uh, like I don't really get, like I don't, I'm not really too. I guess I don't really come in too positive on a lot of the J horror, like whether it's the Japanese ghost story types or the bizarre weirdo types, like these um, that are like over the top and and out there. Like I'm not really a huge fan of either of those, so. Um, interesting pick for me, but yeah, it was, I, I did like it. Like this is definitely a movie for sure that, that I want in my collection because it's like one of those like oddities, you know what I mean? Yeah, man. And you know, again, you can watch it again, <laughs> you know, get a second viewing out of it too. Uh, oh you can, yeah. You well, get that thing for cheap, man. You get that thing for cheap. I wouldn't mind covering them all three. I've never seen the other two, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be interesting right. to do anyways. Well, I mean, I think it was picked because, I mean, probably because you're not, I don't, I Trying guess. to put me out of my comfort zone. Exactly. You know, like you're not that familiar with the J-Horror stuff and, and, or you don't even care for it that much either. So it's interesting. It's good to hear that you yeah. enjoyed it for what you got out of it. <laughs> yeah. I definitely did like it. Like it was, it was I like I was watching, especially towards the end when it starts like raining in the building and like, I'm like, what? And then like the very end, I'm like, what the hell? Like I kept saying that. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> it's like one of those weird things. Nice. All right. Good. All right. Moving along here, man. Brand new flick from 2017 directed by Christopher Landon. Happy death day. Um, I didn't even realize. Oh boy, here we go. Wait, wait. Before you review it, can you guys please try to be like, I know Jeremy won't, but Moots, can you please try to be like a little spoiler free? Because I do want to see this. Oh, go fuck yourself, man. Okay, well, I mean, it's, yeah. Fucking asshole. All right. So this is the same guy that directed Paranormal Activity, the marked ones, which is what? The best five, one. Five, I think. And yeah. I didn't realize he directed uh, Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, too. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Um yeah, I had no idea, actually. So, Happy Death Day. Uh, quick little synopsis. <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty simple premise. It's basically about this college girl by the name of um, uh, Tree, who ultimately gets murdered on her birthday, only to wake up and have to relive the same day over and over again. So, this is kind of like a horror version of... Well, it's not kind of like it. It's kind of like the horror version of... Uh, Groundhog Day. It's it is down that line at the end, man. Yeah, which which is so funny. But so so ultimately, what happens is after a couple times of re you know living her day, she starts to realize that maybe if she solves the crime herself, if she figured out figures out who is doing the murdering, uh, it'll kind of get her out of this time continuum type deal. So that's what yeah. she's do. She's basically trying to solve her own murder. Um, my thoughts on this. Well, right there, I mean. I mean, I, I, I don't know if this premise has been done in horror, but I mean, we're familiar with this premise quite, you know, obvious with Groundhog Day and stuff. This premise well, has been, been done, done, done with Blood Punch. Oh, yeah, with Blood Punch. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So th- we're familiar with this type of approach to a Camp film. Camp Slaughter. You know, it's, yeah, Camp Slaughter. It's been 
done. I mean, the premise is obviously there. Um, now, this movie right here is rated PG-13, and it definitely is... <laughs> it definitely suffers in the sense of, you know, kill-wise being PG-13. This one is very PG-13. It doesn't have really any blood and gore in it at all. I mean, there's one kill in this film that has a little bit, but it definitely... I told you what I said at the beginning of the episode, man. I stand by by that. What? Well, no. Th- this movie is a girl's horror That's film. That's exactly what I'm getting at. So it's made this- for girls. That's what Everything I said. about it is a girl's horror film. Yeah, so it's a- like they don't want blood and guts. They want just a scary movie with a strong female character. And that's the only you know? way I believe this type of movie can be liked is by <laughs> like teenage girls. Because everything in this movie is marketed towards females. Like nope. this has nothing to do with guy. I don't it's- know how a guy, a grown man could love this movie because it's very PG-13. It's very, it's actually super, I, I wouldn't even go out and say corny or cheesy. It's super corny. Because essentially what this movie turns itself into, it's obviously a mystery of her trying to solve her murder, but it turns into like a coming of life story with herself, and it also becomes a love story, which is very accentuated in the film, which is, this is the type of stuff that's going to appeal to a a 13-year-old girl. I get this. For myself, this is not for me whatsoever. And, And I should say probably most males won't care for this film because there's nothing for us in this. It's a lot of very stereotypical characters in this film. I mean, we have the sorority. She's part of the sorority. And, you know, you have the asshole bitch that runs the sorority. And she's actually got a couple funny moments in the she's, film. She's, oh my God, one line. I, I literally almost fell off my chair that laughing. Like, probably one it was of one of the funniest things I've heard in a long time. It's it was so probably one of the funniest funny. lines in, in the film. Yeah. But, I mean, it, this movie yeah. does have all the stereotypical type characters. It even has, oh my, there's even one moment where this guy like approaches there and he's like, why aren't you texting me back and shit? <laughs> and like, and what that evolves into is actually quite funny because she learns things about the people around her from re- reliving her day over and over again. And, you know, yeah. with this, with this premise, you know, you, it starts out a little bit serious and then it get, obviously gets more comical as she knows she's reliving this day. So now she can do things because no one's going to fucking remember the next day. Right. So it becomes like a full blown comedy before horror. Like it really does. There's so much comedic elements to this film um which you know is accompanied by a lot of stereotypical characters and stereotypical cliched moments in this film too i mean i don't want to give any of the specifics away but there's a lot of that going on it's it's there's a lot of moments where you're rolling your eyes the soundtrack to this movie is 13 year old girls bedroom part was so funny like which which part when they go up into the bedroom tree and the guy yeah yeah okay so that's funny there's some funny parts in the movie there there is a couple chuckles i even said to dylan after like we chuckled a couple times but we're like man this movie man that's that's a girl flick um so i can't go out and say that this movie is terrible if you are a 13 year old girl or somebody that's going to appreciate the material presented to you this is probably a decent film for you for myself I can't, I can't gravitate to this. I can't get on board with this movie because it's pure laughable. And I love cheesy films, but this one to me was not cheesy. It was corny. Like I'm talking great. Jeremy, you have to admit though, the third act in this film got crazy corny. Mm-hmm. Like super. And some of the dialogue, man, I actually, me and Dylan looked at each other and went, holy fuck, really? Like, I, I think you and Dylan need to never see movies together. Yeah. But the dialogue... <laughs> you, guys, you guys are so unlucky with seeing movies together. <laughs> so anyways, I want to... Yeah, on that note, JP, <clears throat> so as we're going into the cinema, we realize that we're watching the film in, in uh, number three. And I said to Dylan, I said, man, every time we watch a movie in cinema three, it sucks dick. <laughs> sure as hell, it wasn't for us. So again, with that, 
I'm not going to say the movie is total shit shit. You know, it's not a poorly made movie by any means. You know, the acting for what it is is pretty decent. I think that the girl, uh, Jessica Roth, who plays the lead character, I think she does a really good job because she changes. She's got a good look. She's got a good look. And I think she plays the character quite well because she has a little bit comedian time or comedian times. And, you know, she's serious at times and she does a lot of good things in the film. She's, she's new. I hope we see her more stuff. Yeah. Um, I but she, you know, I think su- she's got she's got the goods. The supporting cast, I we'll think, see. was the weakest besides her love interest. I thought he was actually pretty good, too. And he was genuinely OK. The setup to this film is I thought was kind of interesting, too, because, you know, at first you don't really care for Jessica because, you know, it's coming off. She's coming up off as that cliche sorority girl that wakes up after a drunken night in a, you know, in a fucking, uh, some random dude's dorm. Right. And then we learn right away that she's been actually make well, the night prior that she was making out with a bunch of the, uh, her sister's, you know, interests and things like that. So yeah. it's right away. You're getting this, in, you know, the way they're building this character is like, Jessica's a fucking slut. She's a bitch. And that's literally <laughs> like how you're looking at her first. I'm like, okay. Yeah, but she is because then we learn more about her. Oh, I know for sure. For sure. And it's just interesting how they develop that character. Or what, I usually how, like that, how they even wrote the character because you're supposed to feel a little bit sympathetic, you know, after 10 minutes in the film when you realize, holy shit, man, this is groundhog. She just fucking died, you know, but it's, it's, in, it's an interesting development in a PG 13 film. Anyways, not have your main character super, super likable right from the start because you're supposed mm-hmm. to be able to feel sympathy for her. So I thought that was interesting. Um, a lot of specs. I mean, this movie has pretty much one of the most annoying soundtracks known to man because this type of music that's in the film, yeah, I get it. People like this type of music. It fits the film perfectly. For myself watching this, I, I wanted to claw my ears off. It was terrible. <laughs> not made for you, bro. No, it's totally not, man. But I, I do <laughs> recommend... I told you that. I do recommend this film for people that are going to like this type of stuff. Me, myself... Andrew... I don't. I, I don't get it. He's he's a he's a grown man. I don't understand how he can possibly like this. No no disrespect, to Andrew. Whatsoever. It, it, I just, it makes sense. I'm with curious. The films that he likes. I guess, I guess so. Like you know, he sleep. he he loves he loves strong female leads. Like that's his kind of thing. Yeah. Um, like yeah, I, I, um, I guess. Carrie and stuff like that. Like um, Angela Bettis's Carrie, or no, uh, not uh, Chloe Grace Moretz Carrie. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't like the original one, but. Well, he likes. No, Selena. I think he, he does. He likes Selena I just Gomez. Think he likes the other one. <laughs> um, hey, I love Spring Breakers, man. That movie's fucking. Oh, I love that movie so much. Yeah. So Don't knock on Selena Gomez. So I mean, you know, being PG thirteen, there's a point in the film where she's like, "I have died sixteen times." And I said to Dylan, "I said, yeah, and we haven't really seen one of them yet." <laughs> you know, because it's it's that type of editing. You know, um, I'm gonna. <laughs> Man, for myself, I don't really know how to rate this film because it's not a horrible film. But for myself, I'm going to rate it based on myself. <laughs> I'm coming in at four out of ten on this one. So what the hell? You just said it was low. good. No, that's too low, bro. No, <clears throat> it's not. It's not. I hated this film with every ounce of my passion, man. But I can't see anybody. I, JP, I can't see you liking this film, dude. Really? No. Listen, it, you're telling me everything that I expected, though. Like, I expected this to be Jennifer's body uh, no. type of horror. No, but Jennifer's body doesn't come across <clears throat> as... Co- See, if this movie had played itself out as being kind of cheesy, funny, but this is corny. But this it's is bad. like... This is like... How, this is literally... It reminded me exactly of the um, slashers, that, the trilogy that we watched. What was it? The MTV one? My super, my super psycho sweet. sweet sixteen. Those movies were literally made for girls. Like that. That's what the, That's what they were. Yeah, but you know it, what I mean. It's that's a totally MTV. different. But it's 
those movies, the, for at least the first one, had a totally different approach than this one. They, these films, yeah, they may be marketed that, at that obvi- audience, but it's not just for girls, those films, either. This one is more of a comedy, but it's corny. That's what kills this movie. It's, it's, but those films were definitely corny, dude. I don't, there was I don't serious find them, corny moments. We pointed it out. We, we those, pointed out corny Not moments. on this level of corniness, man. Not this level okay, of corniness. Okay, well, that's, I mean, this I is, believe. But, this, but they made a whole fair. subplot out of it. You know, the love interest. You know, her coming of age story, almost in a sense. And it, it, I thought it was too much. It was just, it was really fucking corny, man. There was one scene that was really bad. Well, that, that disappoints me because this was one of my more looking forward to films lately just, is just crazy it like he always is i i knew what it was i knew no, that it i'm was telling it how it is teens and stuff but i like those movies i'm not so telling much, people but. not to see this movie whatsoever <clears throat> i'm rating it based on how i seen it i think this movie i truly believe that a lot of people that like the cinema that you know that i like or you like for the most part will not enjoy this film i can't see them getting anything out of it that's how i'm basing i've it. seen mostly positive stuff i gave uh, it a six yeah, I, I think it's really. I think it's too corny. It's really, really corny. And man, I noticed one fuck it, man. This one part in this film, I actually burst out laughing. It wasn't even. It was unintentional too. It's a scene where the, her car gets sideswiped, and probably actually the best kill in the whole film. But then you look over and there's gas coming out of where you know the fill tank, and I'm mm-hmm. like, what did the gravity just fucking give away or something? And gas is coming out of the the fill hole. Like that doesn't happen. That's impossible. I'm like, yeah. okay, but I understand how, why they did it to set up the scene, but that was ridiculous. Come on, that's just stupid, but uh, I don't know, man. I would, I'm interested to hear more people's opinions. Jeremy gave it a six, which... I'm going to try to go see it this week. I guess he can relate to it a little bit more. I don't know. Maybe because he's got more girl I think I, just, just looking at the movie, like it, it, I cannot see this being a four. Like Just, just based on the, the look from my rating. The like, only thing, I'm, the reason why I'm giving it a four because I said to Dylan, I'm like, man, I didn't tell him who I thought the killer was. I actually got it wrong. It, it, eventually, the reveal with the killer was actually not was, too bad. It actually yeah, it was wasn't pretty good. It wasn't too bad. Like I, I respect that. And and there was a lot of scenes in this film that were decent. I mean, I mean, first of all, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of Groundhog Day. I hate ultra repetitive films like that. Like this one right here. And to be honest, it definitely runs a little bit too long too. I you could hear the crowd. You know, in certain scenes, just kind of going, <sighs> you could hear the gasping and people were starting to get a little bit restless in the theater. And I see why, because it was repetitive and it was, you know, these scenes of like corny, like the scene with her dad. Oh, my God. Fucking worst yeah. thing I've seen in so that's long. Not the, that's not the corniest, though. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're probably right. You that's know which like, one I hate the most. Yeah. Well, we won't give specifics I to- away, but. I told you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It has yeah. to do with farting. Like, oh, man. <laughs> so, so you're coming in at four. Jeremy's coming in at a six. Um, Andrew's coming in at a nine point five. <laughs> <laughs> Don't understand that, man. Which is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. But but no, no. Here's what it is, dude. Told you a long time ago. In t- entertainment value, it kills ratings. Yeah, yeah. Because th- he said he was thoroughly entertained. Um, which, say- if you're rating on entertainment value, that's what happens. I would oh, say nice. I was entertained. I wouldn't say I was like bored or anything in this one, but. The last like thirty minutes of the film were besides the reveal was pretty cool, but there was a lot of moments in there where, man, dude, like I was adjusting myself, going checking the time. I'm like, come on, let's get on with this shit. That's crazy, Fordo, man. That's super low. But yeah, I not for me, not for me whatsoever. And I, I truly believe, you know, as a male, 
not going to be a big hit with a lot of guys. I see a lot of girls loving this film, man. It's you know, it's empowering women a little bit, man. She's doing all the work. She's doing the I investigative think I reporting. Like it, man. I really do. I've seen a lot of trailer for this movie. You might like. You, I've you seen might. a long trailer. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, like I don't like seeing trailer. I feel like I've seen the whole movie already. And another it was thing. Like, I honestly, I, (laughs) I actually burst out laughing because I hadn't really even seen any trailers for this whatsoever. And, uh, so when you get to see the killer and the mask right away, I was like, man, that's what, that's what Derek looked like as a baby. (laughs) Like just big (laughs) puffy cheeks and shit. I don't know why I just thought of Derek right away. And I was like, that's, you know, (laughs) I don't know why. I was like, that's Derek's baby. Yeah. Happy death day, man. I, I still can't believe you're at a six on that one, dude. Like you got that you 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 know you thought it was that good to give it a six and you actually yeah, enjoyed it that much. It's not too bad. Oh, I had a good time. Ugh, good lord. I mean, it's I mean, honestly, your man. review sounds bigger than a six. Like you said a lot of good things too. Me? No. Oh. Moods. Well, I wanted to focus on the positive too, and and explain myself where I'm coming from. You know, I mean, let's face it, not every movie is for every person. I know that's a cliche thing to say, but people also look at things different. Like, I mean, this is a great example of a film that's really, really on the side of the marketing. I mean, this is for a specific audience and it's, it is what it is, right? But does a movie mean, does it mean that a movie's bad because it's not for you? Well, I'm giving you how I interpreted it. Right. So that's what it is for myself. (laughs) I mean, I'm telling people to go see this. If you like the premise of the film and you think you might enjoy the film, by all means, go spend your 1075 on the film like we did. So Uh, me 13. Yeah. (laughs) All right. uh, Is that you, Jeremy? Yeah. All right. Another pick from Matt from the year 2015. And it is a film that was talked to death talked about to death but unfortunately i have to talk about it now it is well, the I, i'm actually glad he picked that one for you because i was curious because you weren't on the podcast all of last year yeah. and we we talked about that film extensively exactly that's um, why i don't want to talk about it because i'm fucking tired of listening to people talking about it uh the witch from 2015 so i first saw this in theaters when it came out like jp wanted to watch it again with subtitles because i thought you would miss a lot of stuff which is true Watched it again when it came out. And then this time around, watched it again, plopped on the subtitles. This movie has such a bleak fucking atmosphere. It's such a depressing fucking movie from the beginning to the end. And it, it I think it, the thing that contributes to that factor is the fact that the it's it's a, the color scheme, the way that they tinted this movie, it, it it's not a shiny film in whatsoever. You know, it's a very blue blue gloomy dark film uh it, it reminds me very similar to del toro color scheme not so much in the devil's backbone but like a pan's labyrinth type of a, a color scheme the orphanage even though i know he didn't do that movie but <laughs> it, it, it 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 has that kind of gloomy and doomy uh color scheme to it and i think that contributes so much to the just the, the depressing feel that's going on in this movie and you feel for this family so fucking much that what's going on is out of their control and they can't, you know, they can't really do anything about it. And I think that it, that really adds so much to the film. Everybody knows the plot. We follow this family. They get kicked out of their plantation. They move on to this land on the edge of 
the woods. Uh, the two-month-old baby gets kidnapped by this magical entity, gets murdered, and bad things happen to this family, and paranoia sets in. What happens to the baby? Other shit starts to go down, and, uh, you know, the livestock's dying, the crop's dying, everything's going horribly wrong for this family. And that's basically it. We learn about this entity that lives in this woods, this paranormal witch, and that's behind all this. And, you know, there's a huge Christianity themes going on with this movie throughout. I clearly don't fucking get it because I'm a Jew. But, uh, you know, if I if I was more inclined with Bibelot, oh, I'm not even going to try and say that fucking word. Biblical? Uh, yeah, stories. Maybe I would uh, understand a little bit more of the hidden subtext. But I, I love this movie more this time around than the last time I watched it. Uh, and even the first time that I watched it. Uh, like Child's Play, I, I, I really noticed the gloom and doom that is going on in this movie through character interactions and 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 score and lighting and everything like that. Uh, the the backstory with Black Phillip is just, is fun. Um, I could see why his character, even though he's not really a character, why he uh, gravitated towards people and why so many people ended up liking him and what he represented with the witch and everything like that. So, well, so let me ask you this. Um, wow. I never updated our, my rating on the page. Huh? Um, so let me ask you this. The witch is, uh, one of those films that I initially, uh, gave a 7.5 and I came in, completely different on rewatch and i watched the commentary and i listened to some stuff too there's so many subtle things in that film like did you notice when the um mom is uh getting pecked by the crow i believe mm-hmm. when she believes she she's, thinks she's feeding her baby mm-hmm. that silver cup that the dad sold did yeah. you know that it noticed that it was behind her on the shelf hmm during no. that scene there's so many things like that is that on purpose or is that just yeah like- no that's on purpose like robert eggers i think it's his name um points it out in the commentary so did the witch put it there is well, that what <clears> there's also it? a theory that there's no witch uh-huh it's just all there's in their heads yeah but there's a reason why it's in their heads what are they doing what are they growing corn okay what happens to bad corn goes black it gets moldy with a yeah. mold called ergot, which is actually a hallucinogenic. Oh, Jesus Christ. Seriously? What? That's fucking <laughs> crazy, man. What? <laughs> that, I mean, just that's I mean, interesting. If, if, if they were actually yeah, well, going that's for that, not makes a, sense. that's not, a, that, that's not just a fan theory. Robert Eggers pointed that out, too. The director. Uh huh. The, the, hey, still, it's possible. You know what I mean? Like, and like, that's because oh, he's not giving it Because he's not giving it away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when you have a good film, dude. Is when there's all these things, that, theories, and and ideas that, that that you can make. Like that's like it follows. It has a bunch of that shit too. Um, mm-hmm. But there's tons of you know. There's debate on whether the, the that's whether a good one. That's you know. A good one. I like. That. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, fuck yeah. that. Just blew it my makes mind. Sense. Yeah. Well, makes sense. you guys remember back in in uh, Children of the Corn Part Two <laughs> when we reviewed that. That's mm-hmm. what was making. Gatlin hallucinate. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's the ergot mold. And also in Charles Band's uh, film Witch House 2, I believe, 
they explained that that's where the uh, riding on the broomsticks um, thing came from was because witches used to rub that mold on broomsticks and masturbate with them. Oh man, I want to see that movie. And then they. (laughs) (laughs) So Uh, what you're saying is the witch is a really, really good version of children on the corn part two. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, dude. So like I, I have become a mega fan of this movie. Like it's, it's one of my favorite. And you know me me with period pieces. They're not really my thing. I really don't like them. I forgot. uh, And this one is like full blown fucking well, it's not movies. only just the you know just the look of the film too. It's the dialect that yeah. for me, man, that was most one of the most impressive things about this movie was it's the, all accurate too. Yeah, man, the writing of that the the script like the dialogue is amazing, and how it's even acted and delivered is fucking insanely good. It's so yeah. well put together, man. I mean, this movie only works if you find the actors that can actually deliver that that real type of dialect. And it mm-hmm. sells it perfectly, man. I was so fucking blown away by it that I was like looking in. I'm like, is this shit even real? Like, because I don't know, right? Like, I'm I'm not familiar with those dialects and shit. And like, this is crazy. But it has one of the most unfuckwittable atmospheres, <laughs> man. Like that's yeah. muscle bound right there. Like the the look yeah. of this movie is second to none. It's so damn beautiful and eerie. One of the coolest looking and moody films i've i've seen this century because like we never see like anything green no it's, it's so cool cold man. and doom and gloomy oh, and this depressing is, and, this oh. is everything i love in a film i love a slow burn mystery that's atmosphere it has all the elements that i fucking love in a film so cool man so cool i i, I don't yeah. under, i think people really they rate this film and they say, like, I mean, I've heard this is the worst film. Remember last year was like, Oh, it's the worst film of the year. Like what the fuck yeah. are you watching? What is this? It comes at night. Like, dude, I totally forgot that was in your top 10. Like for some reason in my head, I was like, and you didn't even have it in your top 10. It was number fucking three. <laughs> I loved it, man. It was so good. Really, yeah, really good. I totally forgot that nine out of 10 for the witch. If you haven't seen it already, then I don't know what the fuck's going on, but you know, I've seen it three times now. And I, I, I pick something up every time. Uh, yeah. I'm curious to read more about it. it you know, it, learn more it's about a, folklore and stuff like that. Yeah. It's yeah. a film that totally um, misses the Hall of Fame by a point five two. So <laughs> you guys, it's almost there. It's almost a Hall of Famer. So you guys should check it out for that if you've never seen it. So what? what <laughs> yeah. So he has a nine. What? What are the ratings on it? You have nine. I have not nine point five and and. Uh, Jeremy has a nine, and Derek had nine, and Andy had eight point five, I believe. Oh wow, crazy! Crazy. So yeah, yeah. Um, good st- shit. I'm glad to hear your thoughts on that one. Um, <clears throat> whose turn? Yours. Mine. All right, um, man, dude. There was so, uh, there, like, there's so many movies that I watched that I just want to talk about. Like, I just wish that we like only like I wish we fucking had so much time. Um, but I'll have to go with another Patreon pick here. Uh, this is my final one for the month, which I did get all of them done uh, halfway through the month, which is pretty good. Um, we have uh, a Darren, what's his name? Aronofsky. Aronofsky, yep. All right. Uh, film 2010's Black Swan. Now, this film, I remember when it came out, I didn't even know it was directed by him until Mother was announced. Um, I remember seeing this. This was a hotly debated film 
because it was appearing as people's like number ones like on like you know like sites like i don't i don't know if this is true bloody disgusting but like those type of sites you know what i mean and um it's everybody was giving them shit because this was at a time where like horror was like not super 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 good like it is right now there's still good stuff coming out mm. um but you know people would stretching to put horror films in their um lists right you know like they would put stuff that isn't horror yeah yeah uh, and honestly like it, this is probably not a horror film but let's get into the synopsis of it so um it follows a dancer, right? Oh, yeah. Actually, honorable mentions Black Swan was bloody disgusting. So it didn't make the top 10, but it was. He said it would have landed on number two had it actually been a horror. So the bloody disgusting actually was doing the right thing. But I do remember um, it was hotly debated back then. I just never saw it because I just thought, assumed it wasn't horror. I did own it on Blu ray, though, which I've owned. I think Fox did a sale back in the day. I got it for like three bucks or something like that. So um, this is an hour and 48 minute movie. Uh, it's what you would call. It's actually labeled as a psychological horror film, like on Wikipedia. So, I mean, yeah. it's debated. What do you guys think? Just really quickly. Uh, it borders it, man. I mean, I mean, what, is you, this black swan. If you classify yeah. it as psychological horror, I guess I mean, it's, it's just as much horror as Mother is, so... Yeah, which I also don't think is horror, really. That's not going to be eligible for a top ten? It's eligible because we venture a little outside, but I would... If I if I, if you force me gun to my head, you had to pick one genre, I would, I would not pick horror. But I'm, I'm saying that it has horror elements that make it eligible. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, Black Swan uh, basically follows. I love this movie, by the way. Uh, a girl. Do you? Very much so. Dang. Um, so th- it follows this girl who is a dancer. Like, you could tell right away she's like a lifelong dancer, like, dedicated her entire life to it. Just by the way she does her shoes and, like, you know, she's a goddamn dancer. And um, they're at this, like, it's not a dance academy. Like, it's not a school. It's like a like a job like it's a i don't know what you would call it you know what i mean it's just a dance place where people put on dance studio sell tickets to it you know what i mean so it's like an actual business it's not like i at first i thought it was going to be a school or something like that like suspiria or something but it's actually like a business and she is basically interested in uh a new a basically an uh, an adaptation of Swan Lake, uh, which the uh, director is going to completely revamp, and it's going to be amazing, and and it's going to be their first uh, feature of the dance season, um, and she wants to lead the uh, Queen Swan, um, but it's a dual lead, so it's a black and white swan. Basically, Swan Lake is about a girl who was transformed into a swan. Uh, and the only way to break her curse is to find a prince and fall in love and kiss and blah, blah, blah. And basically, um, the black swan, which was the white swan's sister, twin or something, seduces the prince. And basically, the white swan kills herself because she's like upset. It's like a love tragic story type thing. Um, very artsy. 
Um, which actually is a real story, right? Swan Lake. That's a real thing. Yep. Okay. Um, so she basically um, begins to uh, go for that role. Uh, and man, like she she's really going for it. Like she has a thing with the director. Um, she eventually gets it and it's about she's she can play the white swan because the white swan is is um, innocent and virginal and just you know beauty natural beauty and like but the black swan is seductive and mysterious and raw and passionate and like you know all and and sort of like black you know what I mean it makes sense that she's the black swan and um basically she has to learn to play that character um but she's not she's like method doing it like it's becoming her which that's kind of the story like the main point of this movie is that like she's literally living out the black and white swan mentally um like there's a duality of her character of who she actually is and who she's becoming Mm -hmm. um I truly thought this movie was amazing. Like I loved it. The the acting in this movie is phenomenal. Barbara Hershey plays the mother. There's a whole dynamic there. Um, there's all this undertone, like sexual tension between her and um, this Mila Kunis's character. Uh, there's like all this commentary with um, the director. Giselle. He's awesome in it too. Dude, he kill- is he the director? Yes. Yeah, he kills it. I thought his character was perfect. I saw this movie three times in the theaters. Um, uh, This played by Natalie Portman. Um, Winona Ryder's in here. Like, I thought this movie was phenomenal. Like, I absolutely loved it. it. It blew me away. Like, it's an entire metaphor. Like, the entire movie is just, like, fine tooth combed, like, perfectly designed. Like, everything, it has a point everything has a reason everything has a meaning um the emotion in this film like you instantly fall uh in love with natalie portman's character because you can see how bad she wants it and how much it means to her it's literally her existence her entire existence is centered around this dance yeah yeah um and her mom overbearing um you could see that her mom like kind of pushed her into this because she's like reliving the fantasy that she gave up to have her um there's all these elements there's just so many elements and great ending great story great everything it's beautiful it's a beautiful movie i gave it a a 9.5 out of 10 near perfect wow yeah i think this this would be worthy of a main review also it's a good one paired up with Mulder when it comes out an Aronofsky director spotlight with Requiem with, for a Dream. Yeah, because I have yet to talk about Mother on the show, but <clears throat> yeah, that's uh, we can totally watch it. Do watch it again. Um, spotlight. Yeah, I I was blown away by Black Swan though. Like I did not expect that. You know, glad you, know you liked it. You know the movie I just reviewed from Jerry. <laughs> Q Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope, not going to say. Okay. Uh, Perfect Blue. That one is very much like that. It's, it's kind of... Has one this... of the best lesbo scenes in movie history. Yeah. yeah there's it's a hot few, as shit. There's a few of those. Jennifer, <laughs> yeah, but this one's really good. Jennifer though. Tilly, Gina Gershon. 
This one's good though. You can't go wrong with that. I like my Mila Kunis too. Yeah, I'm a fan. She's sexy. Yeah. All right. Coolio. All right. So, Italian Stallion of the week. This is a film from 1968, titled "A Quiet Place in the Country," directed by Elo Petri. I didn't really know much about this guy or this film. <laughs> um, all I knew is that Franco Nero was in this movie. And when Screen Factory announced this one, I was like, damn, that's fucking awesome. Italian film I've really never heard of, didn't know much about, and it was coming to Blu-ray. So that had me stoked. Plus, it was from 1968. It was another, you know, a top ten list that we did. And I'm like, damn. But anyways, this one right here centers around your main character, played by Franco Nero. He is a painter, and he's really struggling with life, man. He is, you know, he hasn't been painting very much. He hasn't done anything in a couple months because he's having like mental issues. Like he is seeing all these fucked up. Vi- he's having all, like all these weird visions and stuff. But it's weird because the visions he's having are very perverse sexual type dreams about his girlfriend. And he just, it's really starting to, you know, kind of dictate his life and he's not doing his paintings and stuff. So she kind of mentions one day or they kind of agree that maybe the best idea for him to get back on a track and do his paintings because he's got deadlines is to move out to a you know quiet place in the country. Hence the title of the film. And uh, so you can get away from the city life and shit like that and work on his paintings. So that's what they do. They move out to the country. Uh, they kind of rent out this huge, huge mansion, like massive place. It's really kind of in shambles and things like that. They end up getting a server in the house and things. And of course, as soon as he moves in, she actually takes off for a little bit. Uh, she really does leave him to do his thing. And it doesn't work. He continues to have crazy, weird, perverse sexual dreams and things like that. And it's driving him nuts. Like he's trying to produce paintings. It's not working. Shit is driving him bananas. He's having other weird visions. Other weird things are happening. And then he learns about the house. And he learns a little bit of the history from the house. And he's living in this old school place. And apparently this girl was killed um, during the uh, World War II in 1944. This movie obviously takes place in present day. So 20-something years later. Uh, about this girl that was murdered. And now he becomes kind of obsessed with finding out more about her. And uh, so that's what he does. He becomes very obsessed with this shit. And he starts talking to all these people. And yeah, that's your story right there. Um my thoughts on this film is uh, this is an absolutely awesome psychological horror film. And it's too fucking bad I didn't see this one when we did our top 10 of 1968 show because it would have made my top 10. I didn't like it. Really? Yeah. You didn't like this movie? I, I mean, it's hard to remember back. We did that shit like three years ago. Oh, but, dude. Um, I, yeah, liked- I didn't like it. I really, really love this movie, man. It was very reminiscent. I mean, it has that type of Polanski-ish type style to it. But I like the fact of, you know, they didn't just go real hardcore with all his visions. They incorporated that sub, the subplot with the girl. And, like, the perverseness within that subplot was so extreme. I was thinking, like, 1968 and they're doing this. Like, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of story on, on the subplot here. It's really interesting, man, because this is something you didn't see in a lot of films from this time period in the 60s. It was really strange because basically what it was is the mother, the, um, the mother of this daughter was, had these very strange sexual fantasies and stuff. And she actually made her daughter into a slut, into a whore on purpose. She used to make her go out and basically fuck these guys and her mom would watch. It was like this very perverse 
world that her mother lived in. I can't in. remember anything about this movie. And it was just that whole thing. And like, But it adds into his story because he's having the same type of dreams, but he was having these type of visions before he learned all this information about the house. So it really ties into his mental state. And it's 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 ambiguous, but at the same time, it's not. I think this one plays out really well. It doesn't, it doesn't get convoluted and things to the point where you're like hey what the fuck is going on and things are kind of explaining itself and i really like the pacing in this too it doesn't you know it runs ah shit man like closer to two hours but it was actually pretty well paced for a psychological film a lot of psychological films can really it can it can pump the brakes sometimes let's face it you get this type of story it can replay itself there's one scene in this movie i didn't really care for i will i will say i won't give it away but Man, there's so much subtext and so much things going on in this movie. I loved it. I thought Franco Nero did a great job as the lead, and I like where it went. I really love the ending of this film, too. I thought it was fantastic, man. Like, the nightmare sequences and... Oh, it's just a fucking bizarre, sexual, perverse story that ties itself into everything. And I like, you know, even, like... The simple fact that they didn't overdo it with flashbacks, you know, to the war and things like that. I like that fact because given that you give this, you know, the subplot, you can go too much into that. It gets, you know, kind of convoluted. They don't do that. Plays itself pretty straight and absolutely loved it, man. I thought it was fantastic. I'm coming in at a 9 out of 10 on this one. Really enjoyed the shit out of it. It surprised me, actually, how much I like this one, man. But So this is one of those things that I mentioned, like, about the revisionist history with the uh top 10 list yeah dude i know they always change how did you watch this movie online okay okay yeah i honestly didn't really know a whole lot i just all i knew which by the way that was the hardest part of doing that 68 show yeah so many movies did not have releases Mm -hmm. yeah dude and uh, you know you know getting into you know i give it a nine out of ten but i just want to say like there's a few things not only is it acted great, man, this has an um, an amazing atmosphere to the film. It's so cool, man. It's a lot of it shot in the daytime, which is hard to do. It's hard to create the type of atmosphere. Absolutely love it. And at first, when I was watching this movie, the score is done by Moni Morricone. And I was like, what in the flying fuck? Like, the, the music was horrible. It was fucking all like, and it was like, it was all upbeat and shit. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I was like, oh my God, it's the worst score I've ever heard by Morricone before. Who's one of the most famous pieces scored fucking every movie and every great score is him. And I was like, okay. And then through the middle of the film where the story really kind of elevates itself, the score changes quite drastically. And then it goes all crazy in the end again. And I sat there after I watched the movie thinking to myself for about a half an hour. And I was like, oh my God the score was part of the narrative. It was re- it was actually creating that mood. It was creating, it was adding and fueling the narrative. And I was like, holy fuck. Just, and then I thought back and I was like, holy fuck, that was brilliant. That guy is the most brilliant scorer ever. It fucking works so well for it. Had to mention that. Loved it. Nine out of 10. Check out A Quiet Place in the Country. If you like Franco Nero, you like psychological horror, man. I love it. Good stuff. Well, I don't remember a damn thing about that movie. Like, <laughs> like nothing of that sounded familiar. But I look at my rating and I gave it a five out of ten. So, damn, damn, damn! It might have been your watching experience too, man. Screen Factory's Blu-ray, shit, dude, it looks amazing. I was like, damn, mm-hmm. that looks awesome. And that's a, that's a cool release for them to do because I'm pretty sure this didn't have a release before. So, big props yeah. to them, man. Big props for dropping. Speaking that of one films on me. that didn't have a release. Jeremy. 
talking about a film from the foreign land of Canada from the year 1987 brought to you by Intervision, a.k.a. Severin Films. And it's a movie titled Beyond the Seventh Door. Did you just get that one? No. Oh, you've had that for a while. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is a cool fucking movie, fellas. It's so cool. I mean, you just got this lift. one. You just got. Did you this get one. those blue undergrounds, Jeremy? No, I haven't got them yet. You just okay. got this one in the mail, Jeremy, like the other day. Yeah, I guess it was like a week ago. Oh, tch, motherfucker, that's what I was just asking you. A week ago. That's why I thought I would interview on that one because I, I knew the answer. That's why I was wondering. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know if it was new. Yeah. This is a fucking cool ass movie. Um, it, 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 the main actor Boris is his character's name. Like he's on the same level as like a Tommy Rasu, like bad acting, overacting type of a character. But he has some level of charm to him that you you end up really liking him. And there was obviously he clearly had a cold or something when they were filming this movie because every fucking time he talks, he goes, <laughs> I thought he was fucking Donald Trump because Donald Trump does that shit, too, and it fucking annoys the living maybe, shit on me. Maybe he was just a cokehead. <laughs> I don't know. But this movie has a fucking dope ass synopsis. So Boris, he gets out of jail and he hooks back up with his ex-girlfriend, who is now like a, uh, a maid at this huge castle and they decide that they're going to rob her boss. So they go to this castle, and there's this huge locked door, and they find a way to go down there and because that's where they think all the goods are. So they go downstairs, and they end up like in like this uh, maze of booby traps where booby each traps. room there's like a different, uh, a different trap, and they have to figure out each trap before they're able to move on to the next room. And each room has like a, a a prize. So each time they, you know, figure out a puzzle in the room, they get to take the prize and move on to the next room. And then the, you know, the grand prize is at the at the end of the seventh room beyond the seventh door. And it's just such a cool fucking synopsis and a cool story. Like all these two characters are trapped in this room, and they're trying to get trying to figure out these puzzles and if they figure it out they get the money and they get to move on to the next room and they're just trying to survive it's just a fucking dope ass story that i wish uh you know somebody would have fully fleshed out in a more higher budget uh film because i think it's like such a cool idea but it's a well-made movie for what it is you know it's a low budget you know clearly made during the vhs era low budget film but it, it 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 has the goods it has all the all the traps look good everything like that like i said Boris is acting is pretty shitty he's clearly overacting but that's that adds a level to his charm uh i'm i'm not annoyed with them because they're clearly the only two characters in the entire film I'm not annoyed by him he makes me laugh i think his girlfriend you know she she is what she is you know Boris is really the main character here and really why you want to watch the film I was memorized by this movie. It, it, it's so weird and bizarre. It's the first release that it's ever had. Uh, first time ever on DVD worldwide. So uh, I'm very glad that this movie got released because just based off uh, the the pictures on the back, you would think it's a really low-budget, shitty film. And it is low-budget, but it's far from shitty. I had a really, really fun time with this one. I recommend you guys pick it up. This shows Joan Thread's a book by its cover. Uh, 8 out of 10 for Beyond the Seventh Door from 1987. Man, it's so That's cool. encouraging to hear you talk. Now I'm even more bad. 
so good, like so highly of such a low budget film. It's <laughs> such a weird movie, and like it's a cool ass plot, dude. When you think about it, it's fucking cool. No, it and is. it's yeah. it's like it's not like when they get into the rooms with the traps. It's like they don't look shitty. They look like it would be any other normal movie. You know, fucking spikes flying out of the ceiling, stuff like that that you would expect in in trappy kind of movies. So. Uh, and and the end reveal is is good for what it is. Uh, it's kind of predictable of what was going to happen, but I still had a fun time with it. Uh, I recommend you guys check it out if you get a chance. I've been wa- I've been wanting to see this film. one for a few years actually because uh, uh, I don't know about two three years ago I was looking up you know can exploitation films. I was thinking about doing like a series on just Canadian exploitation films, and I yeah. came across this list of a ton a fucking buckload of Canadian films that haven't had any releases and that was on there. And so I was just Yeah, like, like it's supposed to be like really hard to find the the yeah. tape. Like it's like like one of the more sought after tapes. Yeah. Like Science Craze was read. on there, which is actually kind of cool cuz that movie's gotten a release since and same with this one. So, you know, those films are starting to get picked off also. Pretty cool. Yeah. It's fun. Check it out. Yeah. From the special effects creator of Leprechaun, Gabe Bartolos comes a new icon of terror. They came to the country for peace and quiet. Uh, my family and I were out on a little vacation, and uh, one of our tires blew out. My house is right across the street. You people are really so nice out here. But in this town, nothing is what it seems. And secrets can kill. Look into the face of evil and pray for your soul. of Captain Sensible from the hit TV show The Young Ones. Introducing the Surgeon General, Octo Baby, The Brain, and featuring the star of Harry Potter and Willow, Warwick Davis as Plates. Meet the Surgeon General. Skin deep. Obey your fears. Oh yeah, get into the main feature review for episode 117 here from 2004 part of the fangoria gore 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 zone video collection we have skin deep direct how many films came out under there you know what i'm not sure i have three or four of them myself fangoria is weird they've done like a couple iterations of their releases like their initial like um early ones i think were these the earliest ones the 2000 no they they had ones in the 90s too um i I think for dvd wise i think this is about the time that they started these ones yep yeah and then they had their 
Fright Fest, which we've reviewed. But I heard like they failed like or Fangoria presents. It almost bankrupted. If you read that American uh, fucking Entertainment Weekly article, it talks about well because they were, they were funding their these films. Movies. Their films almost fucking made them go bankrupt. Yeah. yeah, well, it makes sense because they they I guarantee they didn't sell well considering they've released at least over a dozen movies in their history of releasing movies and like how many are good they've released some good ones i know fangory's behind rojo sangre they, they were and behind human that resources one. that's probably the best one no that's not even close to the best one no hunger's well, the hunger is better than that one Pig human, that, that one's okay resources is pretty good rojo sangre right. is, is probably one of the best ones that they ever did that's a good one um but yeah, man, this movie right here, Skin Deep, is directed by Gabriel Bartolos. Oh, no, no, it's not directed. It's directed, written, and produced. That's always a great sign. So this guy, so this guy, I'm not sure if we mentioned him, but he actually worked on Chainsaw 2, fucking The Beyond Dolls, The Outing, Gremlins 2, Darkman, Diver. Uh, he was, he's a special effects guy. He's a, <laughs> no, special effects. He worked on every one of these movies on special effects. <laughs> Hey, you know Eli Roth was fucking Howard Stern's PA when he was yeah. making private parts. These aren't PAs. So, anyways, what? he's a fucking Why special can... effects artist. I was make telling a cool story about Eli Roth. Fuck you. In the middle of me talking, shut the fuck up. Anyways, he worked on a Kevin Tenney film called Brain Dead. That's pretty cool. I didn't realize he did that one. And <laughs> Big Money Rustlers, <laughs> the fucking ICP movie. That's ridiculous. The, the prequel. <laughs> yeah, the prequel, man. Big Money Hustlers. I love That's ICP, sick, man. I love listening to their... I don't like their music, but they have the fucking best interviews ever, man. They are very entertaining. That's because Violent yeah. J. Their music's entertaining, too. Violent like, J's a fucking... Fuck with it he's well. a smart fucking guy, man. Violent J's super smart. Yeah. But anyways, yeah. yeah. So I was surprised to see that this guy was an effects artist. I mean, I guess I can kind of see it, but at the same time, not. But um, yeah, man. You should know if you cut somebody in the neck that it should come out of the neck and not the fucking stomach. <laughs> that's just that's not the effect. It's not, that's just bad filmmaking right there. <laughs> well, there's there's multiple fucking. <laughs> there's a scene in this movie that goes up there with Children of the Corn two, with the lady going through the fucking window like that type of bad screen continuity okay well before before we get into this <laughs> i just here, said it again by the way yes you did continuity Con- Continu- i can't even say continuity. it wrong <laughs> every time i go to say it wrong i always say it right fuck jeremy um but i will mention yeah this is a patreon pick and who picked this uh mike fisher mike. the guy that i was saying should um start the podcast by the way jeremy did you announce what you're giving away for no or uh, the november drawing yeah i have a copy of Fucking can't even remember the names. Microphone. Uh, the Other World, which I talked about, and Suffer Little Children. So Richard Stanley and uh, Video Nasty. It's okay, not, cool. It's not a Video Nasty. It's a Canadian flick, but... <laughs> well, it says the British tabloid press called for it to be... Oh, okay. Called no. for it to be... No, I, I, okay. I, review, I reviewed that film the other day and I actually told the history of it. It's It's actually pretty intriguing. Um, yeah, so we have uh, those will be given away. Um, which, by the way, um, you know, thank you, Mike, for dropping the Patreon. Like that, that that was really cool. First time he just is like goes straight for the featured review. Um, good <laughs> shit, homie. Like we appreciate it a lot. Um, yeah. So yeah. Thank you. Skin deep. Two thousand four. Quick synopsis. A family vacation is turned into a nightmare when they are abducted by a family of deranged killers in this 
Texas Chainsaw style comedy sci-fi horror thriller romantic drama. <laughs> does it really say that? It fucking does, man. I'm not that quick on the gun. I'm not that quick on the gun. <laughs> I love that synopsis. It's so fucking awesome. Oh, God damn it. I hope fucking Jerry doesn't pick big money rustlers now for me to watch. <laughs> God damn it. Thanks, Mood. I don't, it's yeah. not a horror. It's not a horror I film, I think man. you're safe. No, it's But not. you review not horror movies, so fuck. Well, yeah, I guess God it damn. seems to be kind of a trend, actually. We get a lot of those. So Yeah. I, I, no, we really do. Yeah. Like, I think I think people just want us to hear. Because like, they know it'll never be covered on the podcast. Fucking so. Violent J wrote the screenplay for that movie. <laughs> well, he wrote Big Money Hustlers, too. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of funny. It's starring so. them. Of course, they're going to write it, man. It's their movie. That's yeah. funny. All right, so Skin Deep. Thoughts on Skin Deep? Dude, this movie's fucking stupid. It is one of the worst films I've ever seen. Like, hands down, it goes up there with Jack Frost 2. And, I don't uh, think it's as bad as Jack Frost 2, though. I don't think it's as bad as Jack Frost 2. No. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. But... Dude, it's a close I mean, second. like nothing. Like, dude, this is just an atrocious attempt at making a movie. Like, I literally cannot believe Warwick Davis is in this movie. Like, like say what you want about the Leprechaun movies. Like, he's a legit actor. Like, Warwick Davis is an actor. Like, yeah, the, he's this. The, the interesting thing about Warwick Davis being in this film, he had just done uh, like a Harry Potter film. So, how do you go from working on like Harry Potter films to Skin Deep? Like, how does that come about, man? Holy shit. Like, he had to have done this as a favor. I know. It's so weird, right? I was I was trying to find some information on it. I couldn't. But, I mean, Warwick Davis obviously had done, like, six Leprechaun films before this. He's worked on Star Wars. He's worked. He was the star of Willow. Fuck, I mean, his credentials go on and on. Coming off of Harry Potter, which, you know, ultimately is probably the most successful franchise ever besides Star Wars. What the fuck? It's, like, so bizarre. <laughs> it's, like, the most bizarre thing ever, man. Um, yeah, so what this this is basically a chainsaw ripoff. This is exactly what it is. It's just a very that's like giving it too much credit. Yeah, it's a very it too much it's credit. a very strange attempt at making a chainsaw film. It doesn't involve cannibalism or any of that bullshit, but it just has these weird characters that live in this house that actually aren't even. It's re- like head of the head of the family kind of it kind of is shit. they're not even like fully related i think there's dialogue in the film yeah too. but it's that's like, being nice how do i no, like they're they're created yeah they're created they've yeah, for that's, some reason yeah that's i, I, I know just have one explained. just one main question with this before we go into it yeah what the fuck is that scene in new york city about anybody please tell me oh the he one. used to be like normal once or something why the fuck is he running naked it's just a flashback scene what a schling schlong fucking so, so they can do some you so know what you know what's fucking funny see? about that scene man so that's the only sh- scene that they shot in new york in this film and he actually got arrested for that in real yeah, life i was gonna say they clearly fucking did that without well they, yeah, they shot you, without they permits they definitely did not get any they, of course they shot without uh, but he's fucking running down the street they did that in um head and water's uh uh, best case too. Yeah, well, that makes sense because Henenlotter's from New York, and of course, it's, just, it's right there for him. But these guys like shot this film in Los Angeles, and they shot this one scene in New York. That just seems insane to me, considering the budget of this film was probably twelve dollars. That guy must have been in New York. Yeah, I know. Right? Just like, hey, 
We should utilize this. Yeah, to get a permit. <laughs> so let's just go outside and fucking put a giant brain on my head and I run love- around with my schling schlong fucking dangling in the wind. Busy time at in Times yeah, Square. Yeah, dude, it's like there's like so many people behind him, and it's like they clearly didn't have permits, but it's like there's literally like he's literally butt ass naked. Ah, I found it out. This dude did the special effects on Leprechaun. That's how he got Warwick Davis. So maybe I didn't. Yeah, I didn't mention the Leprechaun films. But anyways, yeah. So um, <laughs> that scene made me fucking just movie, this, like literally like scratched my head, going like, "What the fuck am I watching?" Like that did it for me. Okay, the thing about this movie, it is atrocious. It is so bad, but I will say, it's mildly entertaining. Oh, uh, there's there's some pretty f- interesting parts in this film, but. It's just a, it's a bizarre it's a bizarre <laughs> the scene where fucking plates is throwing it's kind of the it's kind of influenced by chainsaw 2 um where plates is throwing plates at those kind of rednecks in the back of the truck man mm-hmm. that scene cracks me up man it's funny too because they kind of green screened a little bit of that and you can see the plates actually appearing above his head before he reaches up to grab another one <laughs> it's so fucking funny uh yeah, man. Um, this is a weird film, man. They got like so many weird ass characters. You got this uh, Surgeon General character um, that. How would you classify his look, man? He's like this demonic looking Jaws type character with these welding goggles. I don't really know what oh, the hell that's. God. It's so he weird. He has like a fucking. What's, what can you call his mask? They're like metal teeth. Like Yeah, dude. It's like so bizarre. And then you got this other character. It's like a brain trap looking thing. Yeah, and then you got Brain, who literally has a giant fucking brain on his head, and he wears like a burlap sack on it to cover up his big brain. (laughs) The effects were good with him. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. And then you got this, you know, this grandma type character. She's like probably the worst actress in the fucking world. One of no, yeah, she's literally like the first time we see her, and it and it and it fucking tracks to a close-up of her face and she's just like smiling and fucking nodding like i literally was gonna like shoot myself in the face at that point like it is one of the worst acted scenes i've ever seen and then to top hands down to top off the awesome characters we have plates played by warwick davis who literally throws fucking plates at you that's what he does that's his whole thing like he's not like everybody like he's just he's just like like he doesn't it doesn't make any sense like, like, I want to go meet Warwick. I want to meet no, Warwick. that make no, him special? What, what doesn't make sense is the scene where he's pulling the plates out of the ground. What? What? Where are they coming from? They're, like, appearing there. Like he's, said, he just keeps I, throwing they, them. It's like, fuck. I want to meet Warwick Davis and fucking bring him a plate to sign. The, That'd be the funniest the, shit Jeremy, ever. Jeremy, you know when you said... Oh, that would be great. <laughs> uh, you know when you said that stuff <laughs> in this movie that doesn't, like, make sense, like, how Children of the Corn? The scene where... Plates starts throwing plates at that dude at the dinner table. They're along the same wall, but yeah. the plates are like hitting the wall behind him. Oh, but like I'm along talking about like the same wall. Yeah, so he's throwing them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when the when the car was driving and it flipped over in the beginning, like the car was going this way, but then the dude fucking like it was filmed from this from like this angle but then when it flipped he like moved it over from to like this side so it looked like all weird when the car was slipping over like it was going backwards yeah yeah it looked like absolutely ridiculous bullshitness there's also like dude there's so many fucking dumb shit in this movie like the girl is like in that room filled with newspapers for some reason there's like a newspaper covered trap door but like besides that she goes to open the door 
She's like, goes to open the door, and she, you see her holding the door shut with one of her hands while she's trying, because they literally couldn't like lock the door. And then she goes through that cake frosting brick building, which yeah. is clearly re- dumb. Yep. And she literally goes, she goes down into this like thing, and she's like, "Hello, is anybody down?" Dude, what do you do? Like, are you not escaping from mutated people uh, trying to kill just, you? Okay, like, well, like, even, why do you just even, start walking even around saying, sur- hello, is anybody there? Even when the Surgeon General killed her parent, she's like, she'd even freak out. She's just like, I'm going to run away. Well, let's, let's, throw t- a let's take it from the start here. Through the window. So her, <laughs> her brother and her mom and dad are traveling wherever. <laughs> There's this really feeble attempt at... Um, basically trapping his family, which, I mean, I don't know how the fuck you don't see that shit. They throw out this chain with a big spiked thing on the end of it. Anyways, they run over it, and uh, they essentially get invited You can over. come here. You can come here for yeah, dinner. They, oh, they, thanks, you. I'll they, be there in five minutes. Okay, five dude, minutes. Like I'll the, see you in five minutes. It's literally <laughs> the most naive fucking... Um, travelers of all time man oh yeah you know we can help you come over to our house okay i'm just gonna go over to this perfect stranger's house and uh you know go i gotta for go dinner. get my family oh yeah i gotta get my family so they end up going over there they all get killed well the parents get killed and uh the brother and sister they make their way outside and when the brother gets killed in the beginning of the film <laughs> yeah, you missed you missed and then all of a sudden he splits in two <laughs> it's like it looks like fucking like plastic like they took like, it was a fucking, totally 100 percent a cast that they cut right in half which is yeah. so fall. dumb because if you're split in half you're not going to be able to talk well exactly that's <laughs> it's, it's it's this is a comedy remember it's not really to be taken that serious yeah but. But, well no but you can't just do that you can't just say well it's not supposed to be serious and then break every law of reality in like it god damn it i hate movies like this because it's all well, every like, law of reality it's like broke. they say Okay, okay, it's like, okay, what, okay, here's something. Well, the girl is like when she's on the beach or some, where she, she's like in a park with that guy, and then the brain guy, and then she doesn't do anything to escape. And then, yeah, like, but yeah. there's no reason for that because then she tries to escape mm-hmm. afterwards. But it's like, like, why? You can't just say, well, it's not serious, so that's why that happened. No. But it's like, it's like when her and her brain was like, oh, we could leave together. And he's like, oh, that's where the fucking schling dong a ding dong scene comes up. And it's like, why don't she just run? It's fucking stupid. <laughs> she, it's I like mean, she's hate- out. She's I, outside. I and she's it's free. so it's so she's, nonsensical. Yeah, just run away. Infuriates me because I'm it's like you can't. It's such a cheat. You can't just say, "Well, the guy has a brain on his head, so nothing ever should make sense ever in a movie." Period. It's like, well, no, because that's just dumb. Yeah, I mean, I can see where you're coming from for sure. You know, she doesn't. She basically allows herself to be captured, um, and then she tries to escape. But I mean, even the scene, like, Brit, like so what is the point i mean brain basically and there's the guy the guy's like running away from the surgeon dude or whatever his name is surgeon general yeah and then he falls and then the the next time like the scene like like then he gets up and runs and then the dude's further away from him when he than he was when he fell 
I'm like, what the hell? Bad filmmaking, so you fall, man. You fell bad and it made him further away. This is bad this filmmaking. This whole movie's bad filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Some of the worst, bro. But it, it, it's, it, it's not even explained either because Brian, or Brain Brian, whatever, his name is actually Brian, but they call him Brain. He basically asks Grandma if he can, like, have her. Keep and they, her. like, allow yeah. her. So, but there's really, like, they lock her up and they're, you're not given, like, a whole lot of reason to why. He just wants to keep her, like, for... Sexual, sexual pre- like, that's the thing he just likes her he just killed yeah. the whole fa- like he just all of a sudden got a fucking liking to her but, but they, it doesn't yeah because go- she's a pretty girl yeah it just doesn't really go in. it's really kind of lame actually <laughs> to be honest yeah it's it's a well, pile of dookie bro well, the, the story is like, so there's weak. so many bad filmmaking stuff in this movie like yeah. so many I mean let's face it man when he allows her to when he yeah when he takes her to the park to go and talk and stuff Great example of terrible script writing. Why in the fuck would she not want to escape? Like, there's no way that she's involved. Like, she has any type of feelings toward him towards him at that at that moment. No, because then she tries to escape later anyway. That's my point. It's like, what the fuck? It's like this is ridiculous. Like, you have a perfect opportunity to get away right now. <laughs> yeah, there's literally people everywhere. But th- this is one <laughs> what of those. The fuck, are we not talking about the fact that the guy got fucking slashed in his throat, but he was fucking gushing out of his fucking because chest? You, you are right now. <laughs> you are right now. Because uh, we don't see that he doesn't also get slashed in his chest. Oh, so, get the fuck out of here. I, feel, it, hit I don't I feel know. I, in this I, film, I feel in this film that they were making this as they were going along, too. It's so weird because, you yeah, know, you have, this opening, you have this opening scene in this film where this girl now is, you know, I guess part of this family. But then they're like, what are we going to do with this film? So then they introduce... Um, this <laughs> I want to say biker gang but these guys are all like 70 and 80 years old it's like this biker club but no, but no but I just have one more one more question quick before that yeah when she goes and they're sitting at like the table with all the old people when she escapes the first time yeah and then all of a sudden it's just like where the fuck did they all go like they all disappeared and it was just that one guy that was left yeah I don't know I don't know where the fuck did the rest of the people go did they fucking magically disappear or something? Like, also, what the fuck is up with the dude without the head, who's like a body muscle builder that's yeah. also created everybody? I think maybe, like, what the fuck? See, I thought in that part because I'd seen this movie before, and when I was watching it this time, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I think he might be. Is, is he growing? Is that his head just hasn't developed or something? But it gets so nonsensical no. even in that part because he's talking. Without a fucking head. Why is he in the basement creating people? I don't know, but why is he Was talking he just without a head? there with a sign behind him that says creator? I don't know. <laughs> See, they don't actually explain any of that shit, but, but why? how is he talking, though? He's literally talking with no head. What? I, fuck, I don't know, man. I thought that was really bizarre. But again, going this back to the fact of, bizarre, of them just kind of creating the story as they're going along. Yeah, so they introduce these characters, and they become... You know, they become kind of the the main focus in this film. It's, like, ridiculous, man. It's, like, so ridiculous shit that goes down. Like, I mean, it all of a sudden cuts to a scene where these two kind of hillbillies are driving. And the back of their truck's all filled. And all of a sudden they get into this chicken game. And it's totally 100% chainsaw right there. Right? I mean, that's so uh, It looks so stupid because, like, it's totally they're driving at each other, but it's, like, so slow. And yeah. you can tell they're trying to, like, stay away from each other just in case, like, the actors. Like, and then they, like, narrowly miss not. It, they completely wasn't even close at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I understand where they were coming from here because they, they, they put the scene into the film because they needed the girl 
to kill somebody to get into the family. So that's what they did. They set it up by, you know, taking out these all these cats, leaving one guy alive, and then she was supposed to kill him kind of thing. But that, that scene plays, it's so Chainsaw. It's like Chainsaw fucking two, three. Um, I don't know. It's totally influenced by Chainsaw big time. It's, you've seen that you shit before. You insult Chainsaw. <laughs> well, I'm just saying it obviously yeah, this is, makes, though. This it's makes basically Texas a Chainsaw replica of the scene. looks like a fucking gold mine. Yeah, it's uh, it's so influenced by Chainsaw. And, and that scene right there where Plates is throwing plates into the back. Oh, my God. I started laughing so hard because I don't think I noticed it before. But he goes to reach back for a plate, and they're just appearing where his hands are. And he's fucking <laughs> winging them in there. I'm like, oh, my God, this is fucking priceless. But there's just so much nonsense in this film. It just, like, cuts from scene to scene. And the whole end shit, man, I, I really, the old guy with, with plates... When he tears off his head, what yeah. the fuck is this? It's just, it's just a whole pile of fucking straight up nonsense in this film. I know Jeremy pointed out the thing. He's like, why in the fuck would there be a Super Nintendo in the house? <laughs> yeah, dude. It's like 2004. Why is it, it's like, what the fuck? The, well, they're obviously not It feels like it's made it. Like, it literally feels like it plays, takes place in 1996. Well, they, you know, they obviously didn't, weren't keeping up with the times and shit, but it's funny. Like, how the fuck did they afford this movie Nintendo. was made in 2004. It's crazy to me to think that. Yeah, I know. It does it does feel older for sure. Yeah. Who knows? They might have filmed this thing four or five years earlier. Who yeah. really knows? I I'll tell you one thing, man. Like, what the fuck was Fangoria thinking? Like, dude, this is why people don't like lose trust. Like, they probably sold this thing for nineteen ninety nine in their fucking magazine. <laughs> and then people buy it and they're like, What the fuck is this garbage? They're like die hard horror fans, you know? Yeah. There is a couple yeah. parts not- I, I did chuckle in this film though. <laughs> like when, you know, they're when- not like fucking Matthew Swainson from North Dakota who loves my bloody Valentine and he's like, Oh man, I'm gonna totally get this movie. Then yeah. he fucking gets it in the mail and he's like, Man, I want unrated fucking on my bloody Valentine. <laughs> so this, this movie just like Jesus Christ, man. There's so much fucking bizarreness in this, man. Like, okay, with <laughs> with Brain, what's with the building blocks in his head? <laughs> what? Oh, fuck, man. The fuck? It, actually, there's one part with Actually, two parts with him made me laugh. And then she film. steps on him and it turns to hate or something? Makes no sense. What wow. in the fuck is... The, man, when he walks... Or when he... Uh, takes off on the bike and he's got all the Indian stuff on his head. I actually laughed at that. I was yeah. like, <clears throat> it's kind of funny. But and then, or the scene where he comes out with the helmet on his brain. <laughs> like, it's like, Jesus, it looks so stupid. It actually made me laugh. But you could just like easily kill that dude. He has an exposed brain. I know. Right? <laughs> oh, fuck. It's like so ridiculous. But. Yeah, man. That's it, man. This one there's is not much more to say. Yeah, I mean, for there's a million chainsaw type ripoff films out there. This is um, <laughs> just a very odd attempt. A lot of it's just plot holes, nonsensical scenes. I mean, like they're just growing in the. They feed off blood. All of a sudden, they we, that this is established like in the end of the film. <laughs> like what the? And actually, that's another fuck up in the film too. When she um, rips the, uh, the the cord, that's you know the grandma's feeding off of. She rips it in half, and she's holding a piece, and then it's ripped in two pieces on the grandma. I'm like, oh my god, this filmmaking is just all over the place so bad. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but... So I just so, looked at the public records, and according to the public records, Matthew Swinson still lives at 17450 56R Street, so we have to send him a message. No, dude, we're definitely doing it now. 
Okay, so that's what you're doing when I'm talking. You're such a fucking dick. You guys got anything else to add to this bullshit? So what's your rating? I want to hear your rating. Two out of ten. (laughs) Not you. Two out of ten? What are you coming in at? I am going to give this one three and a half out of ten. It's a really bad film, but there's a little bit of enjoyment out of it. I laughed a couple times, but it's terrible. I'm right with Jeremy. (laughs) Two out of ten. This is garbage, man. I'm glad Mike enjoys it. I'm glad he does, but god damn, is this I, movie not I, a good... It, it's terrible, but it's... I don't know, man. It's got its... But yet you fucking... This is a half a point worse than Happy Death Day. I got no enjoyment out of that film. <laughs> okay, man. That's going to conclude episode 117 here on the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror. Yes, thank you to all the Patreon supporters. Uh, I think we are done for this month, right? Yeah, that, that's yeah, everything. We, we managed to everything. do like we we need to do a live stream. Yes, that'll be coming. Hopefully, I don't know, maybe next week or something. If we could, or at least the week of the Saw Show. Oh yeah, yeah, com- yeah. We got some time, don't we? So be on the lookout yeah. for a live stream for sure. We'll try to get that down, and maybe all three of us will actually be on one for one time. Instead of, oddly enough, JP and Jerry. <laughs> yeah, hey, I was on one. Fuck you. No, I meant the last one. It was like our oh, Patreon. Yeah. One. <laughs> Two of the members weren't even on there, but it <laughs> happens. It happens. So hope you guys enjoyed the show. Jeremy, take us the fuck out of here. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 117 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast. As always, if you want to follow the man Moods himself, who thinks Happy Death Day is a half point better than Skin Deep, you could do so at youtube.com slash mood 616 And as always, you can follow that dirty-ass Mexican, and I don't think I call them that the whole show. You can do so at youtube.com slash doubleshotj. And as always, you can follow me on my channel, youtube.com slash nesruler22, but none of your fucks are doing that because nobody watches my videos. And as always, you can leave us a voicemail at... 724-426-6665 but there's no point because we won't answer if you have any questions you can leave us an email 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com that's 22 shots of moods and the horror at gmail.com please follow us on twitter twitter.com slash 22 shots podcast jp just posts stupid shit that nobody cares about and it's always follow us on the facebook page facebook.com search bar 22 shots stop saying search bar can you not just give out the real link you well, do it every show episode. notes. It says facebook.com slash group slash five, seven, four, four, five, oh, nine, two, yeah, six, four, eight, three, eight, eight. You would know that we have a URL now because I've told you a thousand times. It's facebook.com slash group slash 22 shots podcast. I like mine better. Uh, search bar. <laughs> Type it. Fuck. Fuck you, man. Just leave me be. It's the one <laughs> thing I do. You don't have to fuck me. Fuck me over to that. Why do you have to get so, like, so mad? I felt yeah, well, oh, getting, oh right? coming from you. Well, he, can't you see what? Oh I'm, man, I'm, everything goes over its head. I'm clearly <laughs> doing exactly what you just did to me. <laughs> Follow us on our website, twenty two shots of moods and horror dot com, and leave us a Patreon so you could help get the sand sucked out of my vagina. Patreon dot com slash twenty two shots podcast, and that shall do it for episode one hundred and seventeen. That's a 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast. Hopefully, I will be back here next week with Moods and JP as we dig into Ernest Scared Stupid, Clown House, and Satan's Little Helper. And if not, hopefully Jerry won't be here. But 
hopefully I shall make it. But that should do it for episode 117 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror Podcast. Talk to you guys soon.